we're just going to get him up as a co-host and uh, welcoming some new people up. Please do request if you'd like to speak. There's only a few of us here for now. Good evening from Cairo, everyone. Welcome to our space. Uh, we're waiting for the space to populate and we'll be starting shortly. I apologize it took us so long to get the space running. We were fighting over who would be the co-host or the actual host. That's a joke. All right. So purpose of the space today, we're going to discuss Israel and Palestine. And um, there are a lot of questions that people have been asking us offline. So if you want to get into a discussion, please do retweet the space. Let people know uh, that we're here. And uh, here we go. And we're off to the races. And uh, M uh, calling from Cairo. Um, obviously a really important time in your country. Uh, Egypt plays a very um, pivotal role in what it does and what it does do and what it doesn't do specifically. Uh, maybe we could address some of those concerns. You're getting a lot of questions about why doesn't Egypt do something? Why doesn't Egypt take in the Gazans? Because that's going to help them or something. Uh, Israel's ground invasion will start shortly. Um, they are have already launched their mission. Um, phase one of their mission has been to set the conditions for um, phase two, which will be to uh, to conduct their uh, incursion into Gaza and to uh, to as they say eradicate Hamas. What are the implications? What does it mean? So as we build up the space, we get more listeners here to to retweet it if you'd like, and we'll, we'll uh, address these issues and discuss them from different perspectives. Uh, um, we said Muslim and Jew. Uh, not to sound controversial per se, but there are um, a lot of people who want to turn this into a religious eschatological fight between religions and uh, and whatnot. Um, but I think uh, the truth is far different. What do you think, Em? I think uh, that the conflict itself is a mixture of religion and nationalism and other aspects, but definitely several parties in the region are interested in seeing this go religious and continue to be a religious chronic conflict instead of being a conflict ruled by international law or diplomacy so that we can all find a final solution for it and resolve the conflict and live together in peace. Yeah, that's definitely the end state, end goal. Um, I think one of the questions I'll have for you later is what's what's the Arab street saying? And what is the Arab Street, and why is it important? Uh, what, what, how would you describe it to someone not from the area? So, in order to answer this question, we'll have to go all the way back to the Second World War and uh, the rise of Arab nationalism. The rise of Arab nationalism uh, was an idea that mobilized the Arab Street in order to pursue political freedoms and political rights to become independent from colonial powers and to declare sovereignty and pursue what they perceived and announced back then as national realization. When the conflict started and as uh, setbacks or defeats or different and various names used by Arab politicians and thinkers to describe the arc of development of the conflict manifested, the Arab street has always been angry. The Arab street has always had anti-Israeli sentiment and anti-American sentiment and anti-Western sentiment because they realized that the, the United States, the United Kingdom, uh, Western powers are supporting uh, the state of Israel. 
So if we if we check the Arab street today, we'll find that the Arab street is actually fragmented. Granted, they are uh, expressing uh, feelings of anger towards what's happening and feelings of frustration. Some of them are openly supporting what Hamas had done and trying to find justifications uh, for it. And some are even downright uh, denying that Hamas had done anything. But they, you'd find that the Arab Street is more focused on the current uh, economic uncertainty uh, and other uh, day-to-day uh, issues and, and problems that they have to deal with due to, again, the autocratic uh, authoritarian governance of most of their countries. It's different in the former Arab uh, socialist uh, republics or the Arab republics than it is in the Gulf countries, uh, the, the, the Gulf monarchies for several reasons. But... One cannot deny that there is support for the Palestinian cause and hopes for a Palestinian independent state uh, on the Arab street. But I would say that the factions on the Arab street right now that are really angry are on the fringes of the right wing and the left wing of uh, the political spectrum. The support for it abroad is a completely different thing, but that's, I guess that's for another question. For sure. And uh, if you want to come up and uh, have your say, please do request to speak. Uh, We are going to be running this. uh, uh, Eventually, there'll be a a murder report segment uh, where both myself and Em will will discuss the salient topics. There's a big tie into what Russia is doing in Ukraine. Um, There's a large understanding uh, generally accepted amongst people in the know that that Russia exported uh, greenlit and uh, in many cases, provided financial support to Hamas to do what they did with Iran and Hezbollah. And so that's important to note because this is all part of a greater issue. This is not, this never was, and we talked about it in my report and we've been talking about it for over a year and a half. This wasn't ever about just Russia invading uh, Ukraine, the talking heads, the strange ones in the States that said, this is a regional border uh, fight as he is just his bow tie. Um, No, this is something bigger. This is a move that's being made. Um, by retrograde forces in the world uh, that don't like the way we live, frankly. And I think it's an important discussion to have. I think we need to shed a light on Israel-Palestine to help understand it so people can understand the context of Russian interference. Uh, The Soviet Union is intimately associated with much of the Arab world uh, from from the inception of the modern-day state of Israel um, and to the, obviously, the energy uh, in the region that, that superpowers sought to control. So these are all important factors. Uh, let's do get some people up. Um, if you'd like to chat, if you want to retweet this space, uh, I'm not sure how long it would go, uh, but we're here to answer any questions you have about the conflict, both present and past. Uh, both of us have a pretty good understanding of it, um, and we always endeavor to be ecumenical in our assessments and our analysis of it. Um, but as it stands, uh, the world is somewhat uh, a more dangerous place uh, because Russia has been emboldened um, and Iran has been emboldened. Uh, how has Russia been emboldened? I would argue that uh, Russia believes the West isn't able to uh, support both Ukraine and Israel. Um, they're get, they'll get distracted. Uh, Western aid to Ukraine will drop. Um, I don't think that's the case. In fact, uh, today, if you don't know, now you do know. Um, over at our sister space there, Maria Report, which is their space, really, um, we have uh, we have a, an attack comes. This is good news. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, where'd you lose me? That an attackum was yeah, used. Attackums are being used, and this is uh, this is a good. This bodes well for uh, for uh, for everyone.
Um, so anyways, uh, over to you for a second. Thank you. It's funny, actually. It's an MGM uh, 140A, so that's uh, produced anywhere between 1996 and 1997. And yet this first strike actually yielded a tremendous result. So that tells you something. The West is beating Russia and Ukraine with uh, platforms and weapons that were used 26, 27 years ago, produced 26, 27 years ago. So yeah, on, on Maria Report, they're currently discussing uh, the Atikam's attack against Berdyansk and uh, the nine helicopters of the Russian Air Force. So that, that attack took out, it's shaping up to be one of the deadliest days for the Russian Air Force's uh, history when it comes to their losses. So there it is. It's funny, a lot of people actually were opposed to uh, delivering Atikam's to Ukraine. But I guess, uh, like Yehuda likes to say, the proof is in the pudding, right? The first uh, use. So this is the first attack uh, Ukrainian troops uh, use Atikams to strike a Russian target, and they managed to go for an airport that was uh, specifically dedicated to stationing uh, rotary uh, assets, helicopters. Uh, I guess more photos and more videos and maybe satellite photos will be issued or released soon where we can assess the battle damage afterwards. Yeah, no, it's, so, it's, a, like, it's a pretty big, I mean, it's, it's huge. So, so we talk about escalating. Why do we keep talking about escalating, right? We know that they're already escalating it, and uh, and now they've escalated it by moving it straight into where it shouldn't go, right? In the Middle East, uh, powder keg potential to do anything. If you'd like to come up and speak again, uh, don't be shy. Um, uh, we're here to specifically talk. We don't. We know there's a. We're going to do it in the Maria Report space, but the attack in the situation is so important uh, that uh, we don't want to take away from that. But there are a lot of questions that have been asked, uh, both publicly and privately. Um, and we're here, we're here to explain it for you, uh, or do our best and 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 try. Uh, over to you, M. Uh, Robin, if you wanted to come up, Cena, by all means, do please request to speak. Over to you, M. What's uh, what are you thinking? Well, currently, um, it is a choice whether to start from the very beginning or to start from the very end. My myself, I like to start from the very end because I want to focus on. Where can we go from here? Uh, I more or less consider myself a futurist, so I want to take a problem and go forward. I want to resolve it and go forward. A lot of people will uh, want to start uh, from the very beginning of the conflict, uh, go all the way back to uh, what was happening in uh, the Ottoman Empire uh, between uh, 1860 and uh, 1911, the beginning of the First World War, the British occupation of the territories, and then the British Mandate of Palestine, blah, 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 and arrive at where we are here today. I like to start at where we are here uh, today. And we're basically here today, for instance, to have a discussion because on the morning of September, sorry, on the morning of uh, Saturday, October 7th, uh, Hamas and other uh, armed Palestinian factions decided to launch a surprise attack against uh, the border fence uh, that separates between Gaza and the territories of the state of Israel. Uh, destroy its uh, strong points and raid the military bases uh, beyond it, and then go on to attack the uh, civilian communities in the Gaza envelope, uh, killing unarmed civilians, committing atrocities, and uh, then allowing Gazan civilians to 
run uh, wild through those communities, basically uh, committing what we all know is a pogrom. So now in the aftermath of that attack, the state of Israel and the IDF will have to respond because there was a security equation in place. And that security equation was that the state of Israel invested $840 million in building that border fence, equipping it with modern sensors and modern technologies. And trying to mitigate the risk of terrorist attacks coming out of Gaza by uh, extending work permits to the civilians uh, living uh, in Gaza to work inside of Israel so that they can help Hamas ease the economic situation inside the Gaza Strip. So it was an equation of mitigating the risk and alleviating economic adversity through political uh, uh, concessions or political... um, not really concessions, uh, negotiations, right? When Hamas destroyed this equation, the need for a new equation is has become a reality. And now, according to every single available logic or military studies, the only option uh, the IDF has is to completely remove the threat actor from the immediate vicinity. And that's why the IDF and the State of Israel have announced that their objective, their clear objective, is the total destruction of Hamas and the removal of Hamas from Gaza. Hamas will not be allowed to rule over Gaza anymore. So this is why we're here today. How can we take it from here and go forward? That remains to be uh, a question. For instance, uh, the uh, IDF today said that the question of Gaza going forward will be a global issue or an international issue that will require the input of several international partners in order to formulate a solution for it. I actually agree with that statement. We see on the Arab uh, world side, uh, for instance, the government of Egypt trying to hold an international conference to discuss the future of Gaza after uh, this attack. It seems that all parties agreed, more or less, that Hamas cannot be allowed to rule the Gaza Strip anymore and that Hamas as a terrorist organization has run its course and that there is no way going forward except to completely dismantle it, completely demilitarize the the strip and completely make sure that Gaza cannot be used as a launch pad to launch more terror attacks against the state of Israel and against Israeli civilians. So how will we go from here? I guess we'll see because now the land incursion has been delayed, but I'm sure that as soon as the land incursion starts, all the regional players will, will show their true intentions and their true disposition. And then we will try, we'll understand exactly what kind of situation we're dealing with. So what's, let's just circle back to what you said. Are, are you are you confident, are you saying from your perspective that the government of Egypt, not maybe publicly, but privately, doesn't want Hamas in a leadership role in Gaza anymore due to the just an insane you know, worldview, their actions, their murderous pogrom. They might, they're not saying it as publicly. It seems like it looks like a lot of countries surrounding Israel seem to be, quote unquote, supporting Hamas. Um, can you explain the need for leaders in the region to uh, maybe not, maybe in their minds, not throw the baby out with the bathwater? So in other words, they can't go too hard on on Hamas because of their internal population's view of the Palestinian situation. Can you explain the difference or why that's important? 
Yeah, sure. So there are, there are two points to take into consideration here. The first point is sensationalism, the first intifada, the second intifada, the media coverage of it, and the birth of Hamas uh, during the intifada, I think it was 1987. Hamas is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood is the main group that more or less helped the Palestinian Muslim Brotherhood to form, and therefore they might have been involved in the process of creating Hamas because Hamas was created to counter uh, the presence of Palestinian Islamic Jihad uh, inside uh, the occupied territories because Palestinian Islamic Jihad was more or less aligned with Iran. So there was a need. Back then, it was a completely different game when it comes to terrorism, counterterrorism, without delving into too many details. But there was always a need to make sure that you don't have one group uh, running whatever narrative, political, militant, unchallenged, uh, there, there, there would be a need for uh, the, the facilitation or the creation of a group to counter that weight. Whether or not that was the case, I don't know, and I don't care. What I do know for a fact is that the Palestinian Muslim Brotherhood that is supported by the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood has, gave, has given birth to Hamas back in 1987. Ever since, Hamas has been a headache for uh, the government of Egypt. And the main service that has been tasked with dealing with Hamas has been the Egyptian General Intelligence Service, which is the foreign intelligence service of the government of Egypt. EGIS uh, has dealt with Hamas in many different ways, trying to convince them to actually stop conducting militant attacks against Israel and focus on pursuing uh, a political advocacy and more or less trying to bring them away from their violent charter to something similar to the transformation that ha happened to Fatah, which is the uh, PLO, the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization. So the PLO changed its, its charter and accepted peace as the only uh, option going forward, whereas Hamas insisted on the armed resistance, right, the military option or the militant option against the state of Israel, and it wouldn't change course. So yes, definitely, the government of Egypt will be more than happy to get rid of this headache once and for all, since after, uh, the, uh, after the coup in 2007 inside Gaza, when Hamas took over and threw off Fatah officials off of rooftops and then marched civilians to the Egyptian borders, uh, sniped an Egyptian border uh, guard soldier in his watchtower, uh, stormed the border and went all the way to al Back to uh, inside Gaza because Egypt had, had closed the border uh, Rafa. Uh, sorry, the Rafa border crossing, because Hamas removed that officials and the EU officials who were responsible for running those border crossings according to the crossings treaty signed by the government of Egypt, the state of Israel, and the Palestinian Authority, and with the EU as a guarantor. After that, and after they had controlled the Gaza Strip, they started controlling the Gaza Strip since 2007-2008, they started digging tunnels under the Philadelphia route that connects Egyptian borders to uh, the Gaza Strip, and they started smuggling everything from weapons, munitions, uh, cement, you name it. They even had it through tunnels big enough to uh, smuggle trucks and pickup trucks. Flat, we're talking about like medium-sized flatbed trucks. Uh, later on, after 2011 and after uh, the atypical coup that happened in Egypt in 2013 with the removal of the Muslim Brotherhood from power, the Egyptian Army Corps of Engineers was finally empowered allowed. 2014-2015 to conduct a military operation into the Sinai and to destroy all those underground tunnel networks, thus preventing all forms of smuggling between 
the adjustment side and into Piazza. So why are they also managing them this way? Because, again, the sensationalism that came with their inception and their ads have always inflamed the feelings of, of, of the populations of the Arab countries. You know, the, the Arabs are very emotional when it comes to the quote-unquote Palestinian cause. And they want to see a solution for this chronic conflict. They want to see a resolution for it. And they want to see an independent Palestinian state that lives in peace. And, of course, religion plays a part here. But the thing with Islam is that you don't have a central authority. And therefore, it's open to interpretation amongst different sects and amongst different schools of jurisprudence. And you would find that the majority of the 1.9 million billion Muslims live worldwide are either apolitical or they don't hold any views when it comes to this conflict, or at least do not support what the Palestinian, the, the militant factions uh, are doing, right? Whereas, of course, you will find a very loud minority even if they number in the hundreds of thousands who, you know, indulge in hate speech, uh, hate speech and promote hate speech and keep spouting the, 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 all the hatred and all the incitement against the Jewish people and the state of Israel. I guess it's a problem that we'll have to deal with sooner or later, you know, but under which laws and in, in what ways, you know, still it's yet to be found. It's yet to be seen. <laughs> But some people are saying that because of the, you know, there's, it looks like the culture war is being ginned up by people on the far right, perhaps, in the West, who are saying that this is proof that the, you know, the Arab world, the Muslim world, all of them support terror. Yet we, 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 we hear that in the background, a lot of people are doing a lot of things to, to, uh, to stop Hamas, because I think, is it fair to say Egypt looks at the Hamas as a threat to its own security in the long run? Or how about Jordan? Why, 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 here's a fair question. Uh, Jordan, Egypt, uh, don't, we don't want any, do not send anyone to us, even if it's temporarily. Um, it, so the message is, messaging doesn't jive. Is there no concern that there's a risk of alienating world support? Or is the risk to the countries internally so great that they have to say certain things to placate their people? No, the risk internally is, is, is so big for several reasons. First of all, there is a political risk. The political risk here is that the Arab psyche is not going to forgive Arab leaders who allow the liquidification of uh, the Palestinian cause by displacing Palestinians out of the Gaza Strip or out of the West Bank and into other or, or Arab assisting, countries. Or, or, or yeah. assisting even, not, not even displacing, just keeping them temporarily. So the Israeli argument would be, please open your border, get some of these people to safety so we can destroy Hamas quicker. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, I know. So any, any form of displacement, either temporarily or permanent, will not be forgiven by the Arab world, and it will provide footer uh, for the Islamists for generations to come. This is a huge political risk. You we're, Look, it's 2023, and we're still dealing with the letters of Hassan al-Banna. We're still dealing with Ma'alim al tariq of Sayyid Qutb, or uh, my, uh, uh, signs on, on the path or milestones on the path by, by Sayyid Qutb, and we're still dealing by uh, dealing with uh, Al-Farid Al-Ghaiba or the missing obligation. All those texts are still read today and are still assimilated today and are still taught today to indoctrinate people into the jihadi ideology. 
right? Well, for, so, those who, for, for our listeners who don't know, you were referencing the founder of the uh, Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt and his writings subsequently. Thanks. Okay. Uh, no, it's very interesting. Um, you know, for, from from an Israeli perspective, uh, I've heard Israelis say things like, "Well, why don't you just help us out? Like, we'll do it temporarily." And and your your response is that due to the history and due to the volatile nature internally, it's a it's a it's a it's a not a chance in hell that it will happen. Is that what we're getting? Well, there is no infrastructure to support assimilating or taking in one million uh, refugees. That's the first point. The second point, you know, they will be kept in what, 10 cities or actual cities that they get built. Who's going to police them? Who's going to provide them with educational services? Who's going to do so many things? Last but not least, they will not be kept in those cities. Eventually, they will assimilate into the population. Now, imagine assimilating one or two million people into your own population, knowing that they have connections to the underground uh, terrorism network. So How many of them... Let's go back to the, you know, if only there was an international refugee organization nearby that could help. I'm joking. Unrest in Gaza. My, 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 let's get, let's play devil's advocate. What, what if the Israelis said, hey, look, we, we need, we need a month. Set up 10 cities right along the border. UNRWA will provide water and food. As soon as we're done fighting the combatants, uh, come on back into your houses. Less houses will be destroyed and less damage will be done if we have free reign to uh, attack the terrorists head on. Is that a naive Israeli perspective? Because I think that's what they were initially going for. I think they backtracked it because the president of Egypt has said that'll never happen. Thanks. Well, it is naive, but you have also to take into consideration um, two points here. The first point is that there are a lot of people who are proposing this solution from a good faith point that they, they that we need to provide all the safety that we can to Palestinian civilians and prevent them from being collateral. So that's that's what they are arguing, and it's coming just from a good place. They don't have any other intentions. But there are very strong voices on the Israeli right and the global Jewish right that is calling for the full displacement of Palestinians outside of the land of Gaza and outside of the West Bank and basically arriving at a one-state solution. Right, that 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 sensationalist and inflammatory rhetoric is completely rejected by both the government of Egypt and uh, the Kingdom of Jordan. There is a third solution that a lot of people are trying to, you know, throw in uh, every now and then: give Gaza back to Egypt to administer, and give the West Bank back to Jordan to administer, and that's it. You know, state of Israel, one state solution. We'll have the Israeli Arabs that we have already. Egypt deals with the Palestinians in Gaza, and the Kingdom of Jordan deals with the Palestinians in the West Bank. There, there are Palestinians anyway, and the king is married to Palestinians. So, what's the fuss? The fuss is that that means that there is no respect whatsoever to the arc of development of this conflict according to international law. So. A little bit of consistency here, right? If everyone is asking uh, us to make sure that we don't lose the rules-based order and to stay away from cooperating with despots and authoritarian uh, regime leaders and, and all that, then we need to at least maintain the, the, the premise of international law. Uh, and again, it is a huge risk socially to add 2 million Palestinians to your population. What's going to happen? 
Who, how, are, how will they be assimilated? Will they start their own ghettos where they go? Will they work underground to try to hack the government and take over Egypt? It's, it will be like a Hyksos 2.0, basically. And then there will be a struggle, in, internal strife inside of the country, oh where Egyptians will, yeah, you know, well, let's, let's, we'll go back all the way to the 18th dynasty. The 18th dynasty, Murad is referencing the Bronze Age collapse, um, you know, uh, in, in and around uh, uh, 1400. 3,400 years ago, a long time, um, and where the Sea Peoples, originally, ironically, the name um, Pleshet, um, uh, the original name that the most scholars consider the Philistines to be descendants of, not modern-day Palestinians, but the biblical Palestine, Philistines, um, along with the, the Sheshesh, the Wajesh, and the Danoi, uh, all sorts of Sea Peoples uh, who migrated due to probably a perfect storm, a collapse of the known world at the time, uh, and uh, and Egypt itself was invaded by the Hyksos and was ruled for I think about a hundred years, and uh, reclaimed its kingdom. So a little way back playback, and I didn't think we were going that far. But um, if there, there's some people up here, if you'd like to ask the question, I see Michelle and and uh, Chuck. We've got Chuck Farr on. I don't know you might have heard of him. He's a good swimmer. Um, and, uh, and I know he's just uh, here to listen or if he wants to jump in any time, the floor is yours. I'm not going to fight you. Michelle, over to you. Oh, sorry, Chuck. Over, over hey. to Chuck first for the intro. My apologies. I was so rude. And then we'll go to Michelle. Huh? Oh, no, I just, hi, hi Michelle. Just, uh, just, I'm up here as directed. I'm listening in and I'll do whatever you need. And in the meantime, <laughs> no, I'm going to steal some tomatoes from Yehuda. Steal those tomatoes. No, if you want to jump in, I, I appreciate it. Um, uh, we'll go to Michelle first, and then uh, if Chuck's got anything, come up. Hi, Yehuda. Hi, Am. Thanks so much for doing this. It's really nice to see you as well, Chuck. Just have a question around the Rafa border crossing, because there seems to be a lot of mixed messages in the media right now. So do you have any updates on that, Am? So, you know, the government of Egypt is being very cynical about the Rafah border crossing. The Rafah border crossing is two points on each side, one on the Egyptian side, one on the Palestinian side. The one in, on the Egyptian side is manned by Egyptian employees. The one on the Palestinian side is manned by Palestinian employees. Between them, there is a route or a corridor called the Philadelphia route or the Philadelphia corridor. In order for you to exit the Palestinian territories, you need to go through passport control on the Palestinian side and get an exit stamp. Once you get the exit stamp, you have to go all the way to the Egyptian side and we'll say, welcome to Egypt and we'll give you an entry stamp. Now, because the, the, the crossing on the Palestinian side had been bombed a couple of times and we don't know who is staffing the crossing, we don't know whether some of those employees are Hamas members or Hamas uh, uh, supporters or what's happening. What we know for a fact is that there is no one on the other side to stamp passports so that people could exit Palestinian territories and then enter Egyptian territories. I think it's a political trick the government of Egypt is using in order to make sure that we don't get a hundreds of thousands of refugees coming in. That's the first point. The second point, uh, a lot of people uh, used one small photo uh, that was taken right in front of the main gate of the Army Corps of Engineers placing uh, interlocked uh, concrete blocks. And they said that Egypt is using concrete blocks to, to, clo to close the barrier to close the, the, the border crossing. 
Now, finally, AP, Associated Press, sent a journalist there, and he managed to take a very good photo earlier this morning at sunset, at sunrise. Uh, we placed a couple of interlocking concrete blocks right next to each other to form uh, blast walls because the Israelis are bombing on the other side and we need to protect the border crossing and our staff against uh, airstrike shockwaves, uh, bombs basically exploding and, and shockwaves uh, traveling in the direction of, of our crossing. So technically, the crossing is open on the Egyptian side. However, it's closed on the Palestinian side because we don't know what's going on over there. So officially, the border, the Rafah border crossing is open. The only thing that managed to go through, I think, is uh, some uh, fuel tanks uh, hoisting the United Nations flag. They crossed into the Egyptian side yesterday and they crossed back into the Gaza side today carrying fuel supplies, I think. Back to you, Michelle. Well, and that then lends to my next question. So the Japanese government has said that they're going to, or they're, I guess they're willing to donate $10 million in aid to Gaza. So if the crossing is, I guess, technically open, kind of closed, then how do you suspect that would happen? So I don't know uh, through which channels, but if the Japanese government announced that they, I saw that announcement. So the Japanese government did announce that they will donate $10 million towards humanitarian relief efforts inside the Gaza Strip. <clears throat> if it's going through the UN, then they're paying the UN. The UN will ship the, uh, the aid uh, material to Egypt uh, that probably will land in Al-Arish airport and then... Trucks will carry it from Al-Arish all the way to Rafah. And then when the Israelis uh, allow the aid to go in, it will go uh, through through the, uh, the border crossing. That's one scenario. If, if uh, uh, Japan, government of Japan, is donating directly to the Palestinian Authority, then that money will be deposited in the Palestinian Authority's accounts. And I don't know what the Palestinian Authority will do with it. And I don't know uh, what they will source it or where will they buy. So it, I don't know. It, so the Japanese government hasn't released enough information on the medium they are using to uh, deliver that money. They just said that they are earmarking $10, $10 million for now. So as soon as I find out more details about that, I'll let you know. Yehuda? Yeah, go for it. No, some hands. Just give me a second. Uh, Maccabi, I guess. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, good evening. I'm in Israel. I'm in uh, give a time just outside Tel Aviv. Um, my question is, I'm not saying that I support a one-state solution. My question is more of a devil's advocate question. Given what's happened on October 7th, what kind of path for a two-state solution do we really see at this point? I mean, I don't really want to see two million Palestinians completely um, removed permanently from Gaza. I don't think that's the uh, my government's intention. But given what's happened, how can there be a resumption of a two-state process with any amount of trust? that any future state wouldn't turn into what Gaza has become. Thank you. Mm. So, yeah, go ahead, Em, first. Yeah. 
I, the, like I said, I've always said the only solution going forward will be the full demilitarization of the Strip and the dismantlement of the uh, militant factions infrastructure. And then there will have to be some sort of de-radicalization program coupled with counterterrorism operations to make sure that no one can dig under the ground and build subterranean infrastructure anymore and no one can continue to indoctrinate children so that hate thrives anymore. But yeah. Does, does it will. It will, it will. probably. Does that mean an occupation of Gaza? No. In, by what you're talking uh, about. No. I'm just curious. How do we get there? Do you want to take this one? Yeah, yeah I, I personally think you know. Obviously, no one wants to talk about a two-state solution probably right now. But in the end, uh, once Hamas is dismantled, so here's the conundrum for those who don't know. You know, one a larger portion of the Palestinians are ruled by, by the Fatah party. Uh, the PLO became the Palestinian Authority with Fatah members, um, whether you like them or not, whether you want to congratulate President Abbas on the 17th year of his four-year term, um, at least it's not Gaza, I guess could be an argument someone makes. Um, and perhaps there's the belief that uh, that, Hama, that Fatah and, and Palestinian Authority still believe in a two-state solution, still want one. Have they, have, have they at times had the right people involved, yes, on the Israeli side. Have they at times not had the right people? Yes, that is also true. It's not all one side's fault for not having peace. A uh, certain premier in Israel has, um, you know, not been known to be very uh, accommodating. Um, and uh, and that will change because that, that premier will no longer probably ever be in Israeli politics once the postmortem <clears throat> of this uh, horrific attack is completed. But that's a discussion for another day. Um, you know, there's still hope that the Palestinian Authority, in essence, what I'm saying is there's still hope for the Palestinian Authority to take over Gaza. Um, that would be the rightful, most pragmatic solution and probably the most ethical. The question is, is it Abbas or is it Mohammed Dahlan, um, who was exiled by Abbas? <clears throat> Someone who has the ability, the wherewithal, the support and respect of not just Israelis, but uh, interlocutors from uh, the region. Um, but Israel has to destroy Hamas first. Will they want to occupy it? No. Will they end up physically occupying parts of it while they conduct the, the mission to destroy Hamas? Absolutely. I think that's a given. Uh, for those who are calling, I don't know which voices are calling for the, dis, you know, the uh, destroying of all of Gaza. And, and I mean, these are just crazy words. Uh, yeah, explosion. not not sane voices. That's for sure. Yeah, no, they're just not being serious. Uh, so Israel needs to. Uh, I think not Israel needs. I shouldn't talk like that, but I would say I suspect Israel is quite cognizant of international uh, concerns, considering the fact that quietly. Uh, it's been said that a lot of European diplomats and American diplomats have said to Israel, look, in the past, if you've lost two or three or ten people, and or even when rockets came in uh, materially, maybe you weren't as affected by it, but your your, your response uh, ended up killing 400 civilians, so we're not down with that. <clears throat> I think this time around, no diplomats are telling Israel that quietly. They're not saying, we're not going to do this or that, I think I think they've been pretty clear and said, we know you have to do what you have to do, and unfortunately there will be civilian casualties. However, the sheer brutality that Hamas has demonstrated, the sheer evil incarnate that they have demonstrated that they are able to do, uh, to, 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 to get into, um, has really changed even the coldest of hearts towards Israel in Europe and abroad. 
I think they realized that this level, this wasn't 10,000 rockets even, this was barbarism. This was, this was mobs of psychopaths raiding homes and raping women and killing elderly and just shooting grandparents in their house, uh, murdering babies. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's, it's such, it's so, it's such a seminal event in Israel's history. Um, that I suspect a lot of Western leaders and diplomats are at the point where they're like, wow, I don't even think the Israelis know how serious this is going to hit them later. But once that, once those videos, once those programs come out where they end up speaking to dozens and dozens of survivors and those survivors are like, yeah, and then they did this. I mean, I, I think the severity is, is so much more than we even know. Um, and then you even hear, I'm, I'm, I, I, I understand from some Israeli contacts that they haven't even released the worst stuff. Like they've got GoPro with, with, you know, uh, with, uh, Hamas terrorists tying a family of four together, dousing them with gasoline, lighting the child, two, two young children, like toddlers, their parents, and then having food and giggling and, and laughing and recording it. I mean, that, that video, that video footage exists. Um, and, and, and for many reasons, they don't want to share certain stuff. Uh, but when that comes out, maybe the Israelis themselves are afraid of what the public reaction would be. They don't want vigilanteism, right? They, they need to keep this under control. And uh, unfortunately, there are segments in Israeli society who, um, who let's say don't share the same beliefs I do. Uh, they're not big, uh, but they're motivated. And, uh, and it's very important, I think, to, to separate those two points there, uh, Maccabi. Um, or Lev, uh, we really need to we really need to let cooler heads prevail. Uh, but you aren't seeing threats from Jewish community members abroad against other people. That's not a thing, thank God. Um, you know, but it's it says it says something a lot about the situation. Thanks for that. And uh, if there's no follow up, we'll go to Iran nationalist. Yeah. Hey guys, thank you so much for this space. I appreciate you giving me platform to speak let me speak on the other side of the coin here which is the other parties who do like to see these conflicts to go on and they have their own interests and this is the islamic terrorist republic of iran so when the islamic terrorist republic fascist regime of iran was created in 1979 the khomeini the evil man had two statements one, the destructions of state of Israel. The other one is taking over all the Shiite shrines. And with the help of the West and United States, they accomplished that. The Islamic terrorists of Iran, as an Iranian, I'm telling you this because I know what's going on, has been able to take over Iraq. Iraq is 100% under Islamic regime of Iran now you want to disagree that's up to you uh, Syria is under the control of Islamic regime of Iran Lebanon is so is Gaza so is West Bank so the mullahs have got what they wanted and they are trying to lure Israel to go to a ground war and the reason is this the last time Israel was in a ground war was in 2006 under Ariel Sharon, where they attacked Lebanon, Hezbollah, and you could read about that. Now, you could disagree or agree who won. I'll tell you Hezbollah won, and everyone knew about this, but Israelis who want to be so proud of that, they're going to say, no, we won, but no, Hezbollah won. This, the sad part is, now in the past 11 years, the Islamic fascist terrorists of Iran 
has been training in how to fight street wars against Israel, and you saw that on October 7th. They are not an army. They are not a militia. They are a bunch of savages. They kill, they rape, they behead people. And that's what exactly they did in Syria. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the media was silent for a year. And I'm upset at my Israeli friends who say we stand for democracy. Everyone was silent when the Iranian fascist regime was doing it for one year to the Iranian people. Last year, this is Iranians been on the streets every day. Women got raped, torn from the rooftop. Nobody talks about these things. No media talked about it. CNN, this liberal fucks, mm. they didn't talk about All it. All right, let's 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 address uh, some Fox let, News didn't talk let's, about let's it. Let's address some of your first points. So, so you're just gonna push back. Can I finish? I, just let me finish, and then I'll shut you, up. You, then you could address whatever oh, you want to address. What let me said. just finish. Okay. Let me just finish, and then you could. Uh, I'll be quiet, and you could do whatever you want to say, my friend. The thing is, the the part here is, if we don't address the evil, and we just want to go address the smaller puppets, who are Hamas and Hezbollah, who are born from the evil, you are not addressing the root cause. And the Islamic Republic of Iran is in power. Because of the European Union, they're in power because of the United States, they're in power because of Canada. When these Islamic fascist terrorists are still getting money from the European Union, they're still getting money from the United that, States. They're, 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 not, they're not in power because of them. Well, there, there was an arc of development for their rise in power. That's the first point. And the second point but is can that... Can I finish? Then you could go... Guys, you can argue anything you want. wrap it up, because we want to address your points, the listeners want answers. Thank sure, you. sure. I mean, but there is no one else's hands no, we're gonna, up, we're gonna, right? We're gonna, you have a platform. Yeah, but... We're going to address, address your points. So that there's a meaningful discussion. Yeah. If it's, I'm not trying to be sure, mean. Sure, you could address the points, but then the European Union is not willing to designate IRGC as a terrorist organization. When European Union, it's not willing to call the Mullahs a terrorist, and they continue to provide them loans, and those monies are being used to terrorize Iranians on the streets. Iran, one of the richest countries in the Middle East. 90% of its populations are dying. You're talking about Gazans not having water? Go look at in Iran. People cannot even buy bread anymore. So, uh, listen, with all due address... respect, this is, this is, we're discussing the uh, Arab Israeli conflict and the Israeli Palestinian conflict but right yeah, now. That's and correct. You're hang on, sir. Hang on, sir. Yes, yes, we, listen, no, but listen, the head listen, of listen. The, the head oh, of the my. snake. We know. Yeah, we, we're we're familiar with that, but we know. But we've no. There is a pattern with the people who come in to speak against the IRGC and the Islamic Republic, and they always want to hijack the platforms well, to make it all about Iran. So we're trying to tell you to wrap it up to respond to what you're saying. The U.S., the EU, the U.K. are not funding Iran. They are dealing with the risk and mitigating it because no one wants to bomb Iran. So please go ahead and finish your statements. No, but they, they, you got a point. That's fine. I was not trying to hijack. What I was trying to um, get the point across is if you don't address the main cause and main issue, which is 
there are players out there who've been trying to create chaos in that region using Palestinians and using this victim thing that we've been fighting for 50 years against a colonialism or they call Israel a Zionist state or whatever they call it. But the fact is, they have a different agenda. Yeah, and we'll and we'll, and and we'll, they, you, we'll stop on that for now. You, please, you keep your next question. I will. I'll, I'll address some points. So, whilst whilst no one will disagree, no reasonable person will disagree with you that uh, Iran has its hands all over this. We all know that um, the Israel-Palestine uh, conflict and the Arab-Israeli conflict goes back before the Shah was overthrown and uh, before Mossad and everyone. So, so we're 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 we're, we're addressing this as a, almost in a, a fulsome approach. So, yes. We, very much we can get into Iran. We weren't there yet. Um, no one thinks that this happened in a vacuum. No, Everyone knows Hamas, Hezbollah are controlled by Iran and they give them the marching orders. That's a given. I will push back on a couple of comments. Uh, um, number one, Lebanon invasion. Uh, did Israel do, uh, did Israel achieve its strategic objectives? For a little while it did. Um, you have to understand that because there is the, the notion that because Israel didn't do a certain thing, then therefore they failed. Um, was it a costly war? Yes. Uh, did, was a ground invasion something they want to do again? No. Um, did they destroy Hezbollah infrastructure? Absolutely. It set back. I mean, they call a Nasrallah, they call the head of the Hezbollah movement, for those who don't know, they call him Mr. If I had known, because he had said, if I had known Israel would respond in such a way, I would have never done it. Um, so I'm not sure what a victory that was for Hezbollah. Uh, it certainly wasn't um, a, a victory uh, by any military standards that I know of. So, uh, and that's not, I'm not Israeli, it's not Israeli uh, bravado that I'm, 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 I'm speaking about. However, uh, Israelis and, and, and reasonable people have to appreciate what is the cost of constantly going into Lebanon and destroying Hezbollah infrastructure, which often is Lebanese infrastructure, um, look at the costs there, right? Look at the human costs. Um, the Israelis will point back and say, well, Lebanon, take control of your country and kick out the terrorists. But we all know that Lebanon can't do that, right? Because Hezbollah is too firmly in enshrined in it. So it, it is a chicken or an egg conversation. I get it. Uh, same with Gaza. Israel has not wanted to invade Gaza for the simple fact they don't want to deal with this. They were hoping, I think, that Gaza and whoever rules it are going to say, you know what, the dividends for peace are so great, they're so effective that it's just not worth always doing this. And that was their failure because Hamas took that as a sign of weakness. The fact that Israel didn't do in Lebanon what it did in 1982, which was march all the way up to Beirut and encircle it and kick Arafat out, that was considered a failure in 2006 because Israel didn't do that. Israel didn't have the political capital. They had the military ability, but they didn't want the whole world. The whole world was very, very hard on them for trying to root out Hezbollah. What's different today in 2023 with Hamas and Gaza is due to the just vero the, the, the ferocity and the viciousness of the Hamas attacks on Israeli innocent men, women and children. Um, that has kind of, you know, changed the calculus for Europeans and Western countries when they deal with Israel, because now they're saying, gosh, you know what, we've been telling you to pull your punches to not affect civilians, but if Hamas keeps going, who knows, what's the next attack going to be? 20,000 Israelis dead, right? They, they, they killed almost 2,000 you know, in a morning. So we have to recognize that the calculus for everyone has changed. Israel will go into Gaza. It doesn't want to stay there. It wants Hamas gone. In, a, in, in their wildest dreams, Israel would love a stable government from somewhere like a Palestinian Authority 
um, Egypt, which it won't happen to just take over the, the, the Gaza Strip and say, hey, can you manage the affairs here? You know, Gazans, your, your, yourselves, you've got a Palestinian authority in the West Bank. Why, what's wrong with them? Right. Because the people you chose at one point, Hamas, whether you believe they won democratically or there was a coup, uh, you have to remember that that they have that this is the biggest issue at hand right now. Uh, M has dropped. Uh, don't know what happened to him. Uh, so in the meantime, well, it looks like we've lost him. So come on up. Um, give me a second here. In the meantime, Michelle, can, can I kick it back to you here? Or if you have anything, or even Chuck, actually, there's a question from the audience that someone wanted to uh, send out. It's anonymous. Don't, don't tell. And the question from the audience is, um, uh, maybe can we talk about how Israel was attacked in the past and why we are where we're today and why it's wrong or not correct to say Israel attacks Gaza? Maybe M could uh, speak about the situation in Jordan. I think we've covered some of that, um, but uh, we can discuss, I mean, we've heard it a lot, occupation. I'm just curious, by a show of hands in the audience, who would say that Israel was occupying Gaza today? Is there anyone, uh, is that, is that, is that, is that, a, is that a, an ism of, that people think? Because uh, Israelis will say, well, no, uh, we've, we left the Gaza Strip in 2005, so you can start your country. Um, what are you doing? Um, so I'm just curious if that's something that people are still thinking about. I don't see it, uh, but I know some people do. Um, and we'll get some other hands up, maybe people with an opposing opinion. Uh, M, did you fall down? Yeah, sorry, I, I lost uh, connection. I'm back up now. M's in a pyramid, you see. He lives in an actual pyramid, so the reception is pretty bad in that great hallway. Uh, all right, Michelle. I was just going to ask you, Yehuda, just based on that, though, there are a lot of conflicting opinions on, on that. So... Could you maybe give us your point of view and maybe M, whatever you know as well about why that would not be the case or why some people might think that could be the case? Yeah, I'll, I'll start first. I'll go first of all. <clears throat> so, whatever reason Errol Sharon, the most hawkish, one of the most hawkish prime ministers in Israel's history, had for leaving the Gaza Strip, um, you know, we can get anecdotal evidence. I don't want to get into it, but there, there are many people that said uh, very clearly Israel unilaterally evacuated the Gaza Strip. Um, there were some Palestinians that complained about it, ironically, um, which is weird. Um, and um, actually, the Palestinian Authority complained about it. Uh, but Israel just did not want to manage it and didn't see a purpose to be there. So they left. So technically, uh, for those who want to free Palestine, you might thank Ariel Sharon for freeing all of Gaza because every uh, Israeli that lived inside Gaza was forcibly removed by the Israeli government. Um, and it was quite a national um, uh, debacle. So they removed all the Israelis that were living in the towns and farms in certain areas. Um, not in, They weren't integrated with Palestinians. They were in separate areas. Um, and the Palestinians took it over. And uh, the PA was invited to form a government. And uh, from the Israeli perspective, uh, that's your country. You're good to go. You know, you have an international airport. Someone mentioned that uh, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton went and opened it. Um, you've got no reason to fail. Good luck to you. Uh, off you go. So that's what happened from the Israeli perspective, right? That's that's the reality on the ground. Um, and then you hear this word, well, no, 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 but they blockaded them. No, they didn't actually. So whilst the Palestinian Authority was there, um, they, they had their control. There was no issue with that. 
Um, there were certain concerns of shipments of weapons. The Karine A, K-A-R-I-N-E-A, was um, a ship that Arafat tried to sneak in a bunch of weapons that pissed off the Israelis. So the Israelis started monitoring uh, shipments into Gaza because they didn't want you know something dangerous to happen. So having said that, why I'm mentioning it is because what it should do is let you understand the Israelis, from the Israeli perspective, left Gaza with good intentions and in good faith. And they took the Palestinians at their word that they would build a state, in fact, make it the Singapore of the Middle East. So for those who say, <clears throat> well, it's not fair, you gave them Gaza, but you didn't let it, you didn't really give it to them. You, you forced them to be in a ghetto. That's untrue. Um, when did the, the major blockades and the, uh, the control of the borders come into play? When Hamas took power. Now, you might say, well, why? Why not give Hamas a chance? Right, why wouldn't we give Hamas a chance? I don't know. Hamas has a charter. It's a constitution. So you have a book club. But in your book club, you say, I love books and I want to kill every Jewish person. Oh, in the world or else. So Israel had a had very good reason to monitor and be worried about what Hamas was bringing into Gaza, not simply because, um, you know, nor existing security concerns, but also because Hamas had declared to destroy the Jewish state, kill is destroy Israel and kill Jews all over the world. So for those who don't know, um, I'm not sure who would expect a country like Israel to tolerate a terrorist organization coming to power and not kind of being concerned or, or, or scared about what comes across the border. That would be my answer to it. I'm, maybe M has a different perspective on it, but from a Jewish perspective, or you know, what, what my Israeli cousins would tell me, um, you know, why on earth, they would say, why on earth should we allow Hamas to bring in more weapons? And you know what, for those who said, give them a chance, they'll smarten up, you know, well, the eggs, the eggs on our faces, because they were given a chance and instead of sending in things to make the lives of everyday Palestinians better in Gaza, they spent their time smuggling weapons. And we've seen them now because they're all over Israeli media. They were on the ground in Israel, on the, you know, on the ground, on the floor where terrorists were shot. So that would be, I would argue, the reasonable Israeli reply to what happened with Gaza and why it exists the way it does and how we got here. Em, am I missing something? No, not at all. Every single thing you've just said is right. Well, does anyone want to chime in on that? Uh, yeah, I wanna. I wanna go in on one small thing. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I I understand the argument about having the fact that Hamas was in place as a government or as a governing body was a bit reluctant to give uh, in order to set up a country in itself. You need four things. You need the territory, permanent population. Um, you need to have some some way of like proving that you're the country. And the last point is uh, uh, the last point is to have a government that's able to communicate and be uh, be recognized internationally. And I think this is what lacked for Palestinians. This is this is the section that that lacked in the space, as you said it, and you're saying it quite right. People around the world did not want Hamas to be governing, which meant that this territory in itself was not considered a nation for so long. When you are a nation, you have control over your border, you can defend yourself, you can move weapons, you can do whatever you want, which was not the case in the Gaza Strip. 
they had they had independence in the sense of they were able to do whatever they wanted inside they were able to work the environment but they were not able to arm themselves they were not able to to provide if a country wants to attack another country it's very bad but if a country wants to attack another country you can't control their armament because you fear for yourself technically i don't know if you understand what i mean but the, the government no, no, itself no, no. Listen, the, army, the argument the argument you're making right now is dismissing you're 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 basically building a false equivalence here in a false dichotomy right hamas is a non-state actor that engaged in terror terrorism is defined as using violence to pursue political objectives so once they engaged in that, they became a terrorist organization. That's the first point. Well, hold on. Let, let's the second point. Even yeah, go on. I was going to address the first point. Let's let's go. So so this would make sense if Hamas took over Gaza from the beginning, uh, James. But it didn't. The Palestinian Authority did. When it comes to what you what you described in different words was the exercise of sovereignty, um, the ability for a state or a government to exercise its own sovereignty. Uh, as part of the Oslo agreements, um, it was agreed on by both parties that a state of Palestine would not be militarized. It would have police forces, but its uh, internal security, uh, sorry, its external security would be guaranteed by the state of Israel. So that's not, I, I, see, I hear what you're saying, but I have to push back because the people that sat down and made these agreements at Oslo uh, already decided that they said that's why yeah, I, I i agree i agree with that point that's how it was put in place I, i'm not i'm not i'm not pro-palestinian i'm not pro-israeli i'm defending the point in itself it, it says it says that what, uh, the the issue you're having with 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 this is that i signed an agreement six months uh, six years later i have another government that is in place the government have different perspective it's a different country the same way that you can have in the U.S., it doesn't shift that much, but you can have, for example, a state uh, in the U.S. You can but have... Hamas is not a government, and they didn't win an election to take over the control of Gaza. They literally threw the, the Palestinian Authority officials off of the rooftop and took over control. Okay, of the but hold on. It How doesn't matter. I... They are an active government. Argue... They and are an active government, and you need what? to treat them similarly. No, it's not a government. Yeah. It's a de facto force. Yeah. If they, if, if, if Israel on. is occupying occupied territories, Hamas occupies Gaza by de facto act of violence. Yeah, but hold on, hold on, and let me jump in. But here's my here's my point. Uh, where 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 I think we're we're going to differ, uh, James. Uh, it doesn't matter if if they were elected or not. The new government of a, of a country is bound by the treaty signed by that country. Just because the government changes doesn't mean you get to renegotiate every deal. You can do it in your own parliament, and then you have to deal with the repercussions. But when if Hamas was even fairly squarely elected by the people of Gaza, which would be a horrible thing to do, um, then they, they would be stuck uh, under international treaties, under international law, with adhering to the agreements that were agreed upon. So I guess the key point to the original, to circle it back to the original questioner, what was the situation like in Gaza? How do we get here? Well, in 2005, Gaza was on the path for total, you know, awesomeness. It had its own international airport. It had its own port. It had the Israelis giving technical assistance. It had the infusion of funds from the Arab world. It had an infusion of funds from the European Union. By all measures, by all metrics, the Palestinians should have been off to the races in Gaza, but they weren't. So we can discuss why that is. I know what an Israeli perspective might say, and I think I know what um, M's Egyptian perspective might say. But I think what we need to make it clear is that Gaza wasn't occupied on October 6th. Okay, <laughs> On the day before this disastrous, disgusting action, 
murderous terrorist campaign, Gazans weren't occupied by Israel. And, and what we're hearing in the media and what we're hearing on the streets of, of uh, New York and the campuses at uh, Harvard is that this is resisting occupation. What's resist? What occupation? Are we are we nuts? All right. Oh, this is resisting the blockade. That's a more legitimate statement, although it's unfair. You could say there is a blockade. Yes. And Israel will say Hamas is a terrorist group that wants to murder Jews in their homes. And you know what? They just proved the argument for them. Do you see the difference, James? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree about the, the rhetoric in itself. Yes, it's more they were resisting. The, the country wasn't, for me, it wasn't a sovereign country in itself. It, it You can't consider it as a state of Palestine. So technically, they were under an occupation. It's similar to when, for example, uh, Europe, uh, Europe... Sorry, sorry. Back up, back up. That's mental gymnastics. I You said I agree with you and then said the exact opposite of what I said. No, it truly, they were, they it's were, not declared a state, but it functioned as a state before Hamas took it over and even during just not to the the only difference of it after Hamas took over was Israel was much more um, discriminatory over what went into Gaza because of their fears of terrorism. I don't think there's a person alive today, uh, unless you're very unreasonable, that would would argue that Israelis didn't have a legitimate fear of terrorism because look what Hamas just did. Do you see what the Israeli perspective is there? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. The, the terrorist attack, the, the attacks that happened, Hamas, the way they dealt with the situation was not good at all. I don't, I don't condone the government of Hamas the same way I don't condone Hezbollah in Lebanon. I'm Lebanese, just so people know. Uh, the same way I don't condone Ham uh, Hezbollah, but it's the same perspective. People right now are saying that uh, Hezbollah forced itself into the government by vote, but forced itself because it changed the, elec the, the election way in order to get uh, to, to guarantee around 45% of the parliament. And then they got one or two allies and they, they get they get the vote. No, 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 no. Hang on, James. Sorry, with all due respect. Hezbollah, Hezbollah is an armed faction that then develops a political arm that is engaging in politics under the protection of the armed faction that not only assassinated a former prime minister of Lebanon, but also had there is no proof. There is no proof. Well, there, that, that's what's said. There is no proof. I'm Lebanese. I, I don't like Hezbollah, and I'm telling you, you can't, you can't make claims. This, this, I know. So, I have a problem. Honestly, I have a problem with Christian Lebanese. M M M. Your your M. Your your mic is really. You sound very distant. If you can rejig that, please, so we can hear you clearly. I couldn't hear you. Um, look. Um, Look, uh, even terminology, James, you said uh, what, the, what Hamas did was not good. Uh, in, when, when Abbas refuses to condemn something, that's not good. Uh, when you're the party that's murdering babies in their homes, it's a, it's a monstrous uh, terror attack. I think we, and I'm not saying you don't. It's I, and horrible. Being, it's horrible yeah. and it's a terrorist yeah. act. I condemn it completely. I'm, I'm not I saying you thought that, but I just want to say it's not just a bad thing Hamas did. Hamas actually showed the true cause. Listen, we've got a ton of hands coming up. So I'm not. I'd love you to stick there, James. Uh, but we, thank we're going to grab the time. I need to go, but thank you for giving me the time. I wanted to clarify that. No, no, no problem. Thanks okay. for joining us, James. Um, all right. I don't know who was next. I apologize. Uh, Chuck gives his regards. He had a great time listening in, but he has uh, tomatoes and basil to steal from my garden. Uh, let's go ahead to um, the next. Uh, I think I have free me. And then we're just going to go down the list. Go ahead, free me. Thank you, Yehuda. Yehuda, I have a question for you. Uh, do you foresee that um, Israel will turn like a south uh, or north uh, Gaza into some kind of a uh, security, you know, land or something 
pretty much, you know, uh, depopulate that area and like a uh, Golan height or the, you know, Sinai, the Sahara. Do you see that happening? Um, because that's the way I'm looking at it. That's what's going to happen. There's no way that uh, Israel will settle for, you know, Hamas to be there. And there's the only way to uh, get rid of Hamas is to compress this, you know, the Gaza. Yeah. Area. So the next question I have, the next. Let's parts. answer the first one. Let's okay. answer the first one real Thank quick. You. My answer is not at all. Israel has no appetite to occupy Gaza. They're not looking to cantonize it. Uh, they're looking at destroying specific key targets within the Hamas infrastructure, which allow them to bring terror tunnels really close to the Israeli border. Northern Gaza is one of those places where it's filled with it, right? So I suspect they want to go in. They want to do what they need to do with those military targets, destroy them, and then leave. They don't benefit from an occupation. Uh, the world won't tolerate it. They're Israel's benefactors and allies won't tolerate it. Um, and the Israeli public don't have an appetite for it. They want Hamas gone, but uh, the people of Gaza obviously have to live in, in Gaza. So that's my answer to your question. I don't know if M had a follow-up to that. And then go ahead and ask your second one. We'll Thanks. go to M first for follow-up. Thank you. you. Now, where do you think the, uh, the Israelis, you know, border security with Gaza, how strong was it? You know, to me, it was like state of the art security zone because they had settlers living right next to them. Wouldn't you say that a hundred percent? Maybe I would say it wasn't very good at all. <laughs> well, I know, but that's my surprising is that it seems like to me that you know the gate was open deliberately to this happen because how could this happen? What? They even yeah. uh, you know suspect well, well, hold on, back, up, back up to your. Back up to your other comment. The gate was open deliberately. That's how this happened. Is that a rhetorical comment, or you actually think that's a thing? No, no. I'm just kind of like um, thinking Spitball. out loud. Thinking out loud here. That's all. And I'm sorry that I sound kind of rhetoric, uh, but that's no, no. not my goal. No, no. I, I was just curious if you actually think that, like, because this is a narrative that's being formed in some parts of the world that Israel actually planned this and like 9-11, like they wanted it to happen so they can punish them. Uh, that's not true at all. Uh, that's conspiracy talk. We don't have time for that here, but uh, I'm not saying you thought that. Um, the reality is the Israeli army had a force posture change, significant one on the border with Gaza. Um, there are two individuals, one convicted of terrorism, who's in the Israeli government, Ben Gvir and, and uh, Smotrich. Uh, uh, it's quite it's known that they had actually pushed for uh, reinforcements in the West Bank where their constituents were. And those three infantry battalions of the IDF uh, promptly moved over, uh, leaving a lot of the border to be defended mostly by electronic means. Um, that is something that the Israelis will have to figure out. And it's something that the Israeli government and electorate will have to uh, look at at a later date. The Israelis are not looking to discuss those things now. Uh, but I, I think there's a very practical um, military logical reason as to why the border was crossed and it was also crossed by upwards of 4,000 terrorists. So that's uh, something that Israel's never prepared for probably, maybe cross border raids of 30, 50 people, but 4,000 Hamas is shot at shot. Um, regardless of who the Israelis arrest or, uh, you know, deal with in battle in, in Gaza, I would say the large portion of Hamas operatives who were able to do something are not going to be able to do anything because they're dead already. So I hope that answers that question. Yeah, and if thank I'm, you. Well, would you accept that this was an appalling event? Like so many Hamas fighters come into the 
you know, settlement area uh, on a bordered, high security border, you know, between Israel and Gaza. This is like unprecedented, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. It's unprecedented. It was actually not settlements. These were Israeli towns on sovereign Israeli territory. So it is absolutely beyond the pale. Thanks so much Thank for you. that. Let's grab some, Thank stick you. around. We're going to grab some more hands. Let's go to Brandon and then Goga. Brandon. Thank you, Yehuda. And um, 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 first time talking to the two of you hosting a space like this. Um, I think it's awesome. Um, I also just want to say um, greatly appreciated um, our discussions in other spaces. Um, um, so it's great. Um, I have a question. I will hit law. Bring all, kill all the Jews. All right. Mm. Thank you so much for that. Bye bye. You made yourself look like Beavis and Butthead. Thanks for all. Well, you know what? It's important that we hear it. You know, we're bringing people up in good faith. So when someone says, uh, I will kill all the Jews, I think it says more about you than us. Uh, but thanks. Go ahead. Sorry for whoever you interrupted. Well, that actually, that, that comment, um, kind of plays, plays into my question for you, Yehuda. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the sovereign Israeli territory, not, the sovereign state, right? You have these communities that are within, you know, a mile or kilometer or so of the fence line. And, um, some of, some of them, you know, obviously, unfortunately, tragically, the, the majority did not have necessarily have the most coordinated, um, security teams, volunteer, volunteer security teams. Um, but a couple of them did. And, the, and those that did, um, Took, took out like two or three dozen Hamas terrorists that were attempting to, to, to kill civilians. Um, and they protected their communities. Um, is that something that, I mean, I saw, I saw a news report that, um, the, your internal security is, is changing the, the rules a little bit, maybe lessening the rules, the restrictions on, um, on the, the, Personal ownership of, of handguns. And oh, I don't. Is that going to change yeah. moving forward? Yeah, I, now? I, I, like, I don't know about that. I'm not an Israeli citizen, so I wouldn't. I can't. I'm not going to speak to their internal issues about gun ownership. But I will say this. Um, so you have to understand the, these personal uh, security, de- not the security details at the different towns and villages near Gaza are primarily uh, composed of between ten and twenty volunteers who who do remain armed. Um, but they're not prepared to fight off uh, 15, 20, 100 uh, Hamas terrorists. I mean, they, they, these these villages were, were overrun. Um, they were they're prepared. They're supposed to be a huge military presence between them and the border uh, of Israel and Gaza. Um, they, they 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 could have neutral. In many cases, you're right. There are several villages where they woke up very early for whatever reason. Fate should have it, and you had um, you know one 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 lady. Uh, an IDF reserve officer, her and her, I think three, she had a team of fire team of three or four people and, and they killed like 18 Hamas terrorists uh, and, and, and they saved their town. Um, there's a greater expectation when people are coming across the anti tank weapons and heavy ammunition and heavy, 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 uh, weapon, heavy machine guns. Um, that's not the duty of the civilian to stop. The army needed to be there, um, to talk about the need for, say, um, uh, more gun rules or whatever, relaxed gun laws in Israel. I think it's, um, not, I'm not trying to shut it down, but it's not really part of the conversation as far as I'm concerned. I think that's something for the Israelis to tusk and for them to decide 
later on. But uh, no, I don't think this would have been averted if everyone had guns. Um, you, 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 there are literally like elderly Holocaust survivors in wheelchairs. If they had a gun, it wouldn't. I don't think it would have made a difference to them being shot, right? Because uh, this was a coordinated terrorist attack. So uh, I do appreciate. Yeah, it. thank you. I, I wasn't. I, I wasn't trying to to um, make any kind of uh, of claim that if the, if more of them had been better armed or anything. Right. That, like, no, no, I'm not saying you did. Been, I'm not saying you but, did. But it's just it's just moving forward. I, I did see a report that 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 there's like, you know, yeah. obviously now they're enhancing the security posture of communities um, yeah. that have not been evacuated to to include. Um, and it's not just like anybody gets a gun either. No. Like, as you said, it's like 10 to 12 volunteer security teams that yeah. are, are trained and, and managed by um, by Israeli yeah. internal security. So thank, thank you so no much. Worries. Um, I appreciate well, it. Thanks for staying and, and your question. Let's go to Goga, then Piotr. Go ahead, Goga. Hey, hi, everybody. So I just have a two, three questions. Like, you know, uh, first, my question is, why is it so hard for the Palestinians, right, to condemn the Hamas? And then second question, why there is no election held after 2006 in Hamas? And now my third question is, it's very short, like, Nowadays, I am hearing uh, hearing from the Palestinians, like when I go to the other space, that we are not against Jews. We are against this Zionist regime that they call it, right? That we are against them. And Zionist is against the Christian. They are against everybody in the, every religion other than theirs. So we are against them. We are fighting against them. Well, that's, that's you, Em. Uh, a response from Egypt. I'm here. So what was the question again? Sorry. So like, why is it so hard for the maximum Palestinians to condemn Hamas? It's quite simple. Uh, the arc of development of the conflict uh, more or less instilled the victim mentality in most of the Palestinians. And they have embraced violence and military option going forward against the state of Israel. And uh, they've just, they've, in my opinion, they've just, uh, they lost their own moral compass. That's it. And they lost their 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 the right explanation of the religion and they lost the, the nobility of the cause over years and decades of not of not making the right choices and then realizing that they are making bad choices and then going for more bad choices. So it only went downhill from here. And um, there, of course, religion plays a part here as well. The religious indoctrination and uh, how they uh, how they see the the jewish populations globally and the jewish population of israel so it's a it's a, it's an indoctrination of hate what fits i totally understand because because you know they have a second argument coming up that hamas do not represent us but you guys are celebrating all over the world when hamas attack and then you are saying hamas do not represent us i don't understand this yeah. Well, actually, Hamas is not. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Actually, well, to to speak to your point, Hamas doesn't represent the Palestinian people. That's for sure. And a lot of the Palestinians will will say that they will say no, Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. But right now, the 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 that message that Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people is coming mainly from Mahmoud Abbas, the uh, president of the Palestinian Authority. It's coming mainly from world leaders, and it's coming mainly from the politicians and the officials of the state of Israel, because that's the responsible thing to do. 
because Hamas is a terrorist organization and they have managed to hijack the Palestinian cause by more or less controlling Gaza and then holding the population of Gaza hostage to achieving their political objective, which is the destruction of the state of Israel through means of, of violent action, right? So, and you need to, I understand, there is, there is a very, very strong need here to differentiate between 1.9 billion Muslims and a few loud organizations that use indoctrination and terrorism to advance their goals. So when we say that Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people, or if a Palestinian himself says that Hamas doesn't represent the Palestinian people, they have every right to, to say so, because it's actually true. Fair enough. But Let's take that as uh, the response, and let's go over to Piotr. Piotr. Piotr struggling with his mute button. If I talk extra slow, maybe he'll find it quicker. Go. Just, just mean, I have a one question left. That what is the difference between Jews and Zionist regime? What, what do they mean by it? I didn't understand when they say that we are against the Zionist uh, regime, but we we are not against the Jews. What what do they mean by well, this? Well, I'll I'll answer from from a Jewish perspective. Um, so. Uh, I get this a lot. I was we were going to do a space called "What is Zionism?" Um, Zionism is a broad term, um, and there I would break it up into uh, historical slash religious Zionism and modern political Zionism. Um, not all Jews support the actions of, say, Benjamin Netanyahu, but the overwhelming majority of Jewish people worldwide, we're talking 95, 90% of all Jewish people support the right for the state of Israel to exist. Modern political Zionism is the self-determination movement of Jewish people to return to their ancestral homeland. Um, the how and the why is debatable. Uh, most, you know, the, the early Zionist movement of the late 1800s purchased vast quantities, 800,000 dunams of land from, from owners of that land to settle on that land so they didn't die. That's a pretty noble thing to do. Uh, they didn't steal any land. They didn't run off people. Um, so there's an argument out there by people that think that the Zionists are actually Polish people from Europe who invaded Palestine in the 1800s and 1900s with all sorts of guns and scared and kicked off and, and murdered Palestinians who had this functioning, thriving country called Palestine. This is, this is just not true. Um, does it mean that a Palestinian who didn't sell his land um, doesn't have a right to his land? Absolutely, absolutely untrue as well. Everyone who lives there has a right to live there. Um, so that's, and that was actually enshrined in the Israeli ar uh, article of uh, independence, Declaration of Independence, that this establishment of the state of Israel should not, will not affect um, the populations of Muslims or Christians or Arabs. So when people say today, I hate Zionists, not Jews, it's kind of a polite way to say, I don't really like Jews. Um, because to say you hate the one thing that unifies Jews, because, um, you know, for the Jewish people, Zion, Mount Zion, is the center of the world. It's not the third holiest site. It's not the uh, you know the farthest synagogue in the world. It is the center of the Jewish world. So um, the the Jewish religion is tied intricately into its land. All you have to do is find a Jewish prayer book um, that Orthodox Jews, for example, use uh, every day. And in our prayers for thousands of years since the exile to Babylon, twenty six hundred years ago. We have prayers, and in, in, in a daily occurrence, I probably 
pray for the return and safety and the peace of Jerusalem and Zion, which is Mount Zion. It's where Jerusalem sits on uh, about 35 to 45 times a day, depending on the type of time of year. So Zionism is, is, comes from Judaism. Um, were the modern political founders of Zionism religious? No. Ironically, they weren't. But they said, we're being murdered everywhere we go. People don't like Jews and don't like minorities. Jews were the biggest minority group in Europe. Um, so they said, well, we're not even religious, but why don't we just go back to where we're from? Let's just go buy up our old country. Let's do that. And that's really, in essence, the founding of modern political Zionism. Um, so you'll hear, uh, to my great uh, dismay, people trumpet a group of people called Maturai Karta. They are about a fan, uh, an organization comprised of uh, three or four hundred families who dress up as rabbis because they're Jews and they say they hate Israel and true Jews don't like Israel. Um, okay, the, it's a free world. You can say what you want, but they literally are a movement of about 3,000 people worldwide. If you look at their, their demonstrations, I don't know where they get their money. Some people say Iran, but they're in every city, the same people, the same three rabbis travel from London, New York, Toronto, and, and they protest it. And those who hate and seek to demonize Israel use that as proof and say, see, real Jews, they don't like Zionism. You see how <laughs> we found seven of them out of 15 million. So it's a little silly. So um, that is a discussion for a later day. What is Zionism? What isn't Zionism? Uh, but I, I'll make it very clear uh, that Zionism didn't come out of nowhere. It comes from the Jewish faith. So when you say you hate Zionism, I kind of equate it to saying, I'm going to assume you're a, maybe a Hindu uh, Gaurav. It's like saying, I, I yep. don't hate Hinduism. I just hate uh, Vishnu. Uh, and I hate uh, Hindu gods. And I hate the, the Ganges. Other than that, Hindus are fine. But, you know, or Makes sense. if you're a Muslim, it's the saying, I don't hate Muslims. I just hate uh, Muhammad and I hate uh, Hajj. I hate the fact that you go on Hajj that I hate. It's like, you, you know, you're 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 being silly because what you're really trying to say is the thing that makes you Jewish or the, the set, one of the main center points of your faith or the center point of your faith we detest. So I'm not sure how the mental gymnastics that you go through to do that. Um, but there are a lot of people doing it. So thanks for the comment. Please stick around, Gaurav. I really appreciate your input. Pyotr had problems with his mic. He's back. I think he was using Russian Wi-Fi, so it didn't work. I'm just kidding. Pyotr, over to you. No, I'm, I'm on Italian, actually, so it's not much better. Um, yeah, a couple comments and questions. I've got a couple questions, actually. I mean, I, you know, I'll keep it broad because uh, we've got probably some people in here who aren't as... Uh, I mean... Regarding the gun thing, I mean, I had two friends of mine die in this situation. They were working. They work because it's quite common. You work in Israel. You go across into Gaza for humanitarian work. So they were basically in a compound or sort of like an, a community where several people have guns, um, but had more. That that would not have been enough to deal with the Hamas on store that came in on Sunday, Saturday morning. So that there's that. Um, second, I mean, a lot of this situation, you know, people often go back to 1948 or 1967. But you need to go back to 1917, the Balfour Declaration, and basically it was signed in London. And as with always, everything like this, it comes back to the British. So, um, you know, that's a more recent history. I mean, you could talk about it from hundreds of years if you like, but that's sort of where I start my brief attempt to understand this incredibly complex issue of which I never fully will. Uh, but to my question more, it goes back to what you guys were just talking about, representation of Hamas and and, and, and Palestinians and so on. So just to be devil's advocate for the sake of conversation, um, what do you think about the fact that there was, I think, you know, a few polls done in 
2021, 2022, and so on, where they've basically, um, Hamas was given, I think, about 53% of the vote. I mean, it's not exactly a conventional democratic poll, but there is still quite a sizable proportion of Palestinians who do find um, uh, faith uh, in Hamas, and, and, and that because of the continued, at least from their perspective, encroachment onto their lands um, and, 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 the, and just the general poor situation that they you know they feel that Hamas is is more likely to be someone that will get things done versus the you know wishy-washy democratic attempt in Fatah so just that quick question and then I've got another one for you uh, afterwards let's go to M for that I'm here what was the question oh no that was too long he was talking about Hamas oh okay. all right out um, I'm just saying that why I listened to everything that Peter said but I just want the question yeah, so the question is basically just, but Palestinians have voted quite sizably in favor of Hamas. So this notion that Hamas is not popular in Palestine doesn't seem very uh, clear to me. Why is that? Well, yeah, they have, they, have, they, have, they have an incubator. They have a public incubator for several reasons. The first one is indoctrination. The second one is it is not really uh, an election when you're voting and you know that everyone who is running the process is loyal to Hamas and would basically go home and find out everything about you and your family and fucking kill you if you vote otherwise. It is not a free election. That's the first one. And the second one, if there is popular support for Hamas in the Gaza Strip and they won this electoral process fairly under no pressure, under no threat whatsoever, and they have an incubator that a populist incubator or a public incubator that approves of their actions. Well, you know what? If a non-state actor is in control of a non-state and they wage such an attack against a sovereign state and the sovereign state decides to liquidate them, then they got what they wanted. They supported this. They supported the charter. They support the acts of the non-state actor that's governing the sector. And the non-state actor that's governing the sector has just landed them a war with a sovereign state. So they pay the price fair and square. Yeah, okay, so what do you say then to the countless uh, mountain Muslims who are pro-Hamas or at least pro-Palestine that are going on in protests around different parts of Europe and the rest of the world? Let them protest. Let why? them protest. I have I think, no I business think, whatsoever. What, some what kid them? born in London. Yeah, yeah. I have, no, I have no business whatsoever. Some fancy kid born in London or born in Paris or second uh, generation immigrant or a Palestinian who's enjoying the life there and hasn't been following the arc of the conflict and is living in a complete dissonance, completely divorced from the actual reality and the actual uh, 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 truth of what has been happening for more than seven years. And they're just doing some fancy free, free Palestine chanting on the streets. With all due respect, those are kids, and they don't know anything about the reality of this thing that has been going on for more than 70 years. So I'm not going to take them into account now and say, oh, they're supporting this. Well, sure, a lot of people support a lot of things, but they will not resolve this, this conflict, and they will not, you know, right. their, their popular support let, and their let, democratic support is not going to change anything. Let me be, I've got a on, Piotr, Piotr, let, let me, let me jump ahead for Piotr here. What about Hassan Zomlat? He's a Palestinian ambassador in London. He seems to... Not support Hamas, but he certainly didn't want to condemn it. So does Piotr have a point? Are they riding the wave? Oh, this is the playbook that every one of them has been doing for years. They attack, they provoke a retaliation or a response, and then they cry wolf, and then they try to exact uh, political uh, concessions. And they engage in a unilateral narrative that genocide, white phosphorus, this, that, war crimes, blah, 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 blah. 
and everyone's getting tired of it. It's working because people stopped reading books. Is it when it's you say everyone's because... getting tired? Do you, do you mean Egyptian intelligentsia, Jordanian intelligentsia, Piotr? Sorry, uh, I'll skip that question. No, that's all right. I just... The the European the European Union is getting tired. Where where was the uh, what's her name? Where where was she two days ago? Yeah, she was in Israel. Piotr, go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Yehuda. I want, I mean, I want to make it clear, Mo, that, the, um, that this isn't my position. I'm just asking these questions because it's what came to mind whilst listening to you. I, I think, I think it's a fair question. I think, I think he's saying, yeah. since, everyone, since everyone is saying Hamas doesn't represent them, why do they appear to have so much support all over the world? And, and I think I think Emma's answered it. They've, they've got hotheads, you know, enjoying the good life elsewhere, and they're saying whatever they want on the streets of Toronto or New York. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not so dialed into that. Yeah, so my, the my thing other question is, the then... Thing is, the thing is, Hamas or the Palestinian Authority or Fatah or, or, or despite the organizations, the various organizations, whether they are political or not, armed or not, they have managed to construct this global network of activists who cooperate on cases and cooperate on certain topics and cooperate in, on certain t policies. And whenever they are called upon, they organize and they lead those demonstrations, right? So Free Free Palestine, okay, is working with XYZ and is working with ABC. And they more or less interconnected uh, grassroots uh, political movements and organizations and networks that support one another whenever one of their causes come to the surface. And they mix with the Muslim, the International Muslim Brotherhood, they mix with other organizations. So it's not that those people who are chanting free, free Palestine or from the river to the sea on the streets in London or in Paris and Berlin support Hamas. Right. So they're not like, oh, OK, we believe in Hamas. We believe in the Hamas charter. We believe in the Hamas actions and we don't condemn them. We actually condone them. They're just anti-establishment people who think it's hip and cool until it hits them. OK. All right. All right. Let's listen, Piotr, just can you check fire for a sec? We're going to go to with a bunch of hands up. I just want to run through a couple of hands and we'll circle back to you, Piotr. Natalie had her hand up first and Decado, then Dave. Let's go, Natalie. Yeah, um, it was a question for M really. So uh, I'm a Jew, but I have a lot of Muslim family. So I I'm pretty worried on both sides here. So I'm being in the diaspora, I've especially in Britain, we're having a lot of attacks from these uh, pro-Palestinians. They are literally attacking us on the streets of, of London. But I'm also worried on the Muslim side because the sheer amount of support, clear support for Hamas is now starting to um, go into France. So they've called out the army. They are, uh, Macron has come out today calling for basically anyone to support this cause to be deported. So I'm worried that it's going to cause we have people um, in the in Britain that are, are being very Islamophobic as a result of what is happening to Jews, basically being attacked. It is not the Jewish people that is doing this. It is the, you know, the other people. But I'm worried that uh, all this support for the pro-Palestinians and, and attacking us Jews is then having a knock-on effect, causing Islamophobia. It's just all going to blow up. And we're going to be, one, we're going to be the ones that are, like, caught up in it. But then you're going to have a mass deportation uh, of people back to these countries that everyone's up in war. I mean, 
what's your take on this? Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally understand. So the, the, it's, it's, the, the answer is simple, but not so simple. The simple answer is that hate is unacceptable. We've just seen a crime in the United States. Some landlord uh, killed a young child and stabbed his mother just because they are Muslim in the aftermath of this attack. So definitely there will be an order effects for what had happened. And a lot of people on both sides will use it. There will be a lot of sensationalism. There will be a lot of hate speech. There will be a lot of maximalist rhetoric and a lot of people pushing for maximalist solutions, thinking that this is to bring peace and prosperity to their communities. But that's not the case. So... Uh, it's a fact of life. Will a lot of people, you know, actually start doing this or not? It is yet to be seen, but they will be limited and isolated uh, events and incidents in several countries. And hopefully their political and security uh, leadership will, will manage to handle the situation and the population will come out of that, this challenge as stronger and 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 and. And happier. As for deportation, well, you know, what if someone was born in Britain to immigrants? So he's a British citizen. What if someone is born in France to immigrants? He's a French citizen, right? You can't just deport them back to Algeria or Tunisia because they they became radical. They are, you know, citizens of the country, and therefore, if they if they get indoctrinated and they don't reverse course and they commit crime, well, they shoulder the personal responsibility and agency for their actions, and therefore, they will they will be jailed, right? As for yeah. immigrants on on uh, you know people who arrive from from other countries seeking a better uh, seeking a better life seeking a better future well it's a two pronged approach here you need to strengthen your security services you need to strengthen your counterintelligence to make sure that people don't uh, you know go in through the cracks. And uh, there will be a need for integration programs to make sure that they don't get indoctrinated uh, by radicals who actually exist in the countries where they are escaping to to lead better lives and try to drive a wedge between them and integrating in their societies. It's a huge problem. It, it, it hits on so many things, you know, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, Internet neutrality, because a lot of those groups are using the Internet right now to either radicalize or recruit new people to join their 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 efforts. So uh, I feel for you, uh, and I, I'm quite sure that, you know, humanity as a global society will manage to come out of this stronger and better and more resilient, less radical, uh, less hateful, more loving and more successful. But it might sound noble, but this is, this is what I believe in and this is what I'm fighting for. So I'm going to ask a quick question. It'll just be a quick one. It, it's going to come out. I hope it comes out okay. Just, yeah. Um, Please, there are a bunch of hands, so go ahead quickly with your class. Yes, just a quick one. I just want to say, um, is why why do you think more Muslims aren't standing out against this? Is my question. It's from the bottom of my heart. There's no bad intentions to this question, but is there a reason why more aren't like standing up against Hamas? Because we don't study philosophy. We don't study Greek and Roman philosophy. That's it. It's the educational system and the religious indoctrination and the accumulation of hate uh, over decades of the conflict. It has become a chronic conflict. I'm 40. All I remember ever since I started reading newspapers is the Arab-Israeli conflict and the economic reforms in Egypt. These are the main two topics that I've read about most of my life. So if you don't, if you don't get a good education, if you don't have loving parents who can actually tell you, you know, which, which way to go. And then if you don't meet enough good mentors throughout your life, you're, you'll end up like that. You'll end up confused. You'll end up full of hate. You'll end up full of frustration. All right. We're going we're gonna to go to Dicado, David, and uh, Andreas. Go ahead, Dicado. 
Hold on one sec, Yehuda. Before Dakato goes, I just wanted to let everyone know that there are a lot of speaker requests. So if I bring you down, um, please don't take it personally. It's just we're trying to make room for others to come up. Go ahead, Dakato. So hello, thank you for giving me the mic. Um, the thing is that all over the world, not only they're attacking the supporters of Palestine or Hamas or whatever they call themselves, they're not only attacking Jews. There's a video I can pin in the nest that... Iranians in London were uh, protesting in support of Israel and then Hamas supporters or Palestine supporters while chanting free Palestine and stuff like that, not only attack the people, they're uh, saying bring it down, bring it down to our flag, uh, which is the lion and sun flag, the true flag of Iran, and then they attack, physically attack someone who's holding the flag and the police has to interject and then they're chanting, um, long live the Islamic regime, long live the Islamic Republic, and they're chanting, Allahu Akbar Khamenei Rahbar, which means Allahu Akbar Khamenei is our leader. So what do you guys think about that? What does that indicate to you guys? And I would like to ask another question. If truly Palestinians disagree with Hamas, a group of them uh, uh, you know, agree that they don't represent us. Why is it that I can't find a single trace of it anywhere on the internet? And I'm happy to be proven wrong about this. But as far as I've seen it, I haven't seen anyone in their diaspora anywhere come out and say, oh, like 50 people protesting, oh, Hamas doesn't support us. We don't want this war. Uh, that is my question. You know, maybe part of it is I don't want to get hurt. I mean, Hamas is a terrorist group. Who, who would want to publicly, if you're within reach of Hamas, why would you demonstrate against them? Maybe I'm trying to give a look at this in a in a kinder light. I'm not sure. And if you have something, and by the way, I just I noticed John Colonel Spencer here. Check out John Spencer. He's the chair of Urban Warfare Studies at the Warren Institute of Medicine Policy Forum. Uh, great guy. Uh, he's also written um, uh, an, an excellent guide for urban warfare translated into Ukrainian. Uh, he's a regular at Maria Report. If you don't know, Maria Report is a 24-7 space dedicated to uh, Ukraine advocacy, uh, letting the world know what's going on, how Russia invaded Ukraine and committed a genocide. And now it's exporting terror to the Middle East. And that's why M and I decided, uh, instead of answering those questions in our space, which is uh, 24-7 uh, Ukraine, uh, we wanted, uh, first of all, we want to invite you over if you want to learn more about uh, what Ukraine is doing, how it's defending itself, um, and be on the right side of history. Please do visit Maria Report and uh, and check it out because uh, if you haven't heard of it, uh, I think I think you'll enjoy what you hear there, and you'll get great uh, regular speakers like John Spencer and Pekka and Chuck Farr and uh, Nuno Felis and uh, all the, a lot of great guests over there. Thanks so much. Uh, to I'm sorry, interrupted Michelle over. May I? Yeah, we all know that IRGC terrorists are just as br brutal as Hamas, and they are one and the same. IRGC terrorists are the head. Hamas is only one of the tentacles of the same octopus. People of Iran have been coming not only for this, the past 13 months, but even before that. And the Islamic regime kills, do not get me wrong. On bloody November of 2019, inside, inside of two days, they killed over 1,500 people. My people, after that, still came out for the Ukrainian plane, and then COVID came and saved the Islamic regime. And then last year, with the death of Mahsa Amini, we came. So no matter how brutal the regime is, if you're against it, you would do something, even if you are at the reach of the, them. 
And then our diaspora and their diaspora, they're not at the reach of Hamas, not, not like that. And if there were, our, our diaspora is the same. Why is it that our diaspora comes and when the Islamic regime's uh, propaganda machine comes, not only they don't run, they confront the guy. And then when the guy wants to ask them question, they answer and say, in our opinion, Hamas and IRGC terrorists are the same. They have been funded. IRGC orchestrated it with their full picture in the video. And uh, the Islamic regime is responsible for all of it. If it's about uh, being under threat, I think the threat is the same. The Islamic regime has shown that even in Europe, even in UK, even in Canada, they can get to people if they want to. So uh, that, that, that is unacceptable to me. Could you elaborate? Pam, did you want to elaborate? Or Piotr, I think, wanted to jump in on that. Well, can you yeah. summarize the question? I will if you want, but what's the question? I think he was saying that Iranian protesters are keen on uh, showing the resistance to the IRGC. Why, why, are, why aren't more people doing that vis-a-vis Hamas? Oh, I see. Well, I mean, the Iranians, I've been covering Iran for best part of a year on and off I, I think the iranians are some of the most you know brave and willing to go up against the the islamic republic and their willingness to defy uh oppression as i've said many times the islamic republic is one of the most well well oiled orchestrative um systems in the world and are able to you know really clamp down on 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 large-scale demonstrations from the green revolution to last year to the ones in 2017-19 so um i i think despite that though the the iranian people are not deterred and Iranians more broadly is you know it's one of the oldest cultures Persia in, in in history and and they're very well educated most of my Iranian friends are some of the most intelligent people um just just well read you know it doesn't have to be related to what they do professionally they're just very intelligent so they're they're not opposed to standing up for something that they believe in and I think that there is a a lot of sympathy uh, with what the, what is happening in the situation here and also because they want to make it clear that the government or regime and what it says and what it does is not a reflection of them as people um, so you know Iran obviously is is a country that's been outcast for a while and and, and, and I, people you know we can postulate we can we can speculate about what the goals of Hamas were and are but a lot of people think strategically one of them was to deter this normalization between Saudis and Israelis and they seem to have succeeded in that. And, they, and from the Islamic Republic perspective, that's because they don't want their two arch nemesises being on um, the same side, basically. Um, but enough. again, the, the people don't want that to be associated with them. So that's what I would say. Um, there is another thing in the Islamic regime's perspective. In uh, the Iran-Iraq war, they did the same. And they're going back to old tactics, I guess. When they want to establish themselves, uh, stabilize themselves and the country and unite the country, quote unquote, which is not going to work this time, uh, they bring out an enemy. It's always an enemy with these guys. If you listen to any of the uh, Khamenei's speeches, he's going to say Dojman a thousand times. So they have always been ruling and, you know, by two rules. One, they divide and conquer which is what all of these terrorist organizations do. Two, they make an existential threat to the country so people would shut up. 
So they committed to this war with Hamas because they needed to stabilize the country in their eyes, and this would help them do that. Also, attacking Israel and, in their words, destroying the Zionist regime is uh, what these bastards have been blabbering about for 44 years. Yeah, um, yeah right, so yeah. But my question, but my question is this: If truly Palestinian people exist outside or inside the country that are against this, why is there no sign of it to be found? That's just what I wanna want yeah, to answer. Let's let's leave it as a let's leave it as a comment for now because there's a whole bunch of people with their hands up to cut us. So let's keep we'll circle back. Lots of love and respect. Let's go to David and then Andreas. Go ahead, David. Hey everybody. Um, thanks. Uh, for always doing these spaces, Yehuda and M. Um, and uh, thanks for not kicking me off because one thing that um, we've seen or I've seen over the past uh, nine, 10 days now is a lot of the spaces that'll be hosted by either side. Um, people are kind of getting themselves up into this um, really scary fervor where if you join a space, but you haven't uh, on your timeline, if you don't have some, you know, tweet that uh is pinned or you know somewhere in the top you know last 10 tweets that you made that's strictly supportive of either side and i like to listen into both sides um then uh you'll be brought up pilloried and then summarily summarily kicked off without even being given the chance to ask a question which i find to be really unfortunate because um you know you you can see this you know taking sides that's spreading really really hard to um both the uh, you know Hamas supportive side and the Israel supportive side. So um, just be on the lookout for that, everybody, going forward. It's really scary development. Um, I had two questions. Uh, the the last one was was kind of uh, addressed. I wanted to ask about Iran and um, the uh, just some you know little history lesson. Uh, you know what are the what are the demographics of Iran right now in terms of number of Jews versus number of um, non-denominational people versus number of people who are supportive of, um, you know, I guess the IRGC. What is the IRGC? Are they a paramilitary group that effectively controls the government? Why are we seeing all of this coming out of Iran if there is, a, you know, a, a group within that country, which I've always wanted to visit, and I hope that one day I'll be able to before I die? Um, you know, what's going on? All right. Let, so, let's, let's just answer it real quick and to grab some more hands. Dakota can explain more later. The IRGC is a revolutionary guards of Iran. They're kind of like the, the stormtroopers uh, from Empire Strikes Back. Islamic um, Revolutionary Guard Corps, not Iranian. My apologies, yes. Uh, so, yes. Uh, at any rate, they, they represent the ruling class. Uh, they're considered a terrorist organization by most, by a lot of countries. Uh, they fund drug trades. Uh, they sabotage peace processes. They, they're the military terrorist wing of the Iranian government. They do all the dirty work. Uh, not a bunch of good people. Then, and, and primarily, they suppress the Iranian people. These are the people that are, uh, you know, hurting, murdering, uh, beating Iranians who disagree. Um, definitely a force for evil. So, um, and you're welcome. Uh, we're, we're like, we always try to be ecumenical and give uh, points of view. Um, uh, and, you know, you don't have to have an Israeli or a Palestinian flag in your bio to talk. That would be silly. Uh, let's go to Andreas. I want to just hit off the last few speakers here. Then we're going to circle back to Piotr and Dicato. By the way, check out Piotr. 
he is into geopolitics and current events, and he runs a, his own uh, space uh, called uh, the Global Gambit. So when you do have a chance to go check him out too. Um, let's go on over to Andreas, and we're going to try to do some shorter questions. If you have questions specifically for Israel and Palestine, um, I, we could do an IRGC space another day. I uh, totally respect that. Uh, but in the meantime, let's go to Andreas. Yes, yeah, so uh, I just want to say I condemn these heinous attacks, stand with Israel, uh, defeating Hamas, and uh, as an American, brings me great joy knowing that we have U.S. carriers and destroyers off the coast to bring some solace to uh, the state of Israel and the Jewish people in this trying time. Um, I didn't have a question. I just had a comment that expanded on another person's question um, that you touched upon, Yehuda, which was, um, why is the other side saying we're not against Jews, uh, we're against Zionism? And there's more to the story. So in Islamic ideology, uh, once the land becomes Islamic, um, then it is sort of always Islamic in their eyes. And under Islamic like law, uh, Jews and Christians are allowed to live um, under the rule, but there are certain stipulations. They can't have synagogues or churches that are higher than mosques. They have to pay a certain type of tax. And throughout time, it was and less oppressive, depending on the time of history. And so when they're saying they're against Zionism, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they see Israel as, it's like a state. It, it's not allowed in Islamic law. Uh, there can't be such a state where like the Jews are kind of a powerful force on a land that they consider Islamic. And so I, I think that's an important thing to remember. And it's very easy to sort of fester um, because it's so widely known like thing within the religion all right well fair, fair enough thanks andreas we're going to go to m for that we're going to go to m for that but just for a point of information so uh, the Khilafah, an islamic state has certain rules uh, luckily for israel egypt and jordan sorry these aren't islamic states in the sense that they're states with muslims um i don't know what saudi arabia's official policy is uh, but I think that we need to obviously differentiate uh, who Daesh or ISIS uh, says they are um, and the state that they wish for. The Hizbut Tahrir guys, a marginalized group of, of, of terrorist supporters who believe in, in this concept. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think M could um, uh, expound on that a lot more with greater grace than I am. Yeah, so there are three points to tackle here. The first one is, what is the concept of an Islamic state according to which school of jurisprudence and how you go about achieving it and how you go about the set of rules and laws that you will observe and enforce? That's the first one. The second one, when it comes specifically to Jews and Christians paying tribute or jizya to the Muslims, that was in a paradigm where the Muslims were responsible, the only ones responsible for the defense of the state. So the Christians and the Jews wouldn't be conscripted in the Muslim army that is waging war or the Muslim security force that is responsible for policing the community. That concept fell with the, uh, with the nation state. So, for instance, I've been living in Egypt all my life. We don't uh, make our fellow uh, Christian Egyptians pay tribute or jizya to the Muslims or pay that to uh, the Ministry of Endowment or Al-Azhar or any other religious authority because they, too, get conscripted in the army. They, too, uh, partake in the police force and they pay taxes as well, as much as we do. 
So therefore, there is no legal, uh, juris, uh, there is no jurisprudence in any Islamic uh, Sunni school or even Shiite school to take uh, uh, tribute or jizya money from them. Like I said, even even the uh, old rules within those four schools of jurisprudence in Sunni Islam, uh, even if the old ones prevail, still they get updated and they get negated and they get discussed. But when you are discussing a manifesto released by a terror group online, you'll find that they are trying to go for the maximalist explanation and interpretation of everything. Why? Because they need first to recruit. And in order to recruit, they have to drive a wedge between the population and the government. Like they do in the West, they also do it in the East, but they do it in the East using religion. Your president is an apostate. Your president is an agent of Zionism. Your police are uh, corrupt criminals. Your army are, uh, you know, infidels who are helping the Zionists and the Americans uh, control your natural resources and uh, blockade your brothers and, and, and steal your lives and your futures and allow bars and restaurants and nightclubs to open in your cities, right? So let me give a, let me give a corollary. So here, here might be a, a similar story. You, you, you might have heard in Christian Europe 500 years ago, someone saying that Jews were Christ killers and responsible for the, the murder of God's only begotten son, and they're eternally damned to hell, etc., 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 because they don't accept Jesus as a savior. You might say that, that, that you, know, you know, different religions mature, and they change outlooks and views to suit the reality that they, they live in at that time. So, so maybe that's a similar, um, I don't know, M, if you feel that's a similar situation, I think, uh, I think, uh, you've explained it well without me. Well, more or less, but uh, the, this is, I mean, the thing about, you know, the, the, the sad thing is you get a lot of misrepresentation in the media, you get a lot of misrepresentation in academia, the language is difficult, and even the people you send here to come learn the language, they yeah, hook up with not really the right people or not even form a full opinion. But that's oh. not to take away from, from the presence of very well-established academic communities across the globe that have studied Islam and studied Arabic societies and the Arabic language and are more than capable to produce 100% spot-on uh, analysis and products. It's fair to say there isn't a huge movement of Arab Muslims in Egypt or uh, in, 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 in Lebanon or wherever uh, demanding that Christians pay the jizya. That's not a thing anymore, is it? Hell no. No, no one, no one is doing it. I mean, you'll, you'll get the stupid students, you know, in, in universities, first year and second year, saying, discussing ideas like that, that, you know, the Muslim nation will not be uh, better or will not move forward until we all go back to the orthodox rules and carry them to the letter. But no, we're 104 million people here. No one is taking to the street asking for the Christians to pay tribute. Couldn't fuck care. There you go. All right, let's go. Hey, um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for that question. Uh, I actually learned quite a bit there. Um, it, it was very interesting. I tied it to the terrorist groups who sort of hit the, the, the maximum extreme point of view as a means to get recruits. And I think that's a very, that was, that was a very, um, Big thing I just learned right there, so I really appreciate you know, that. But Islamism, Islam, Islamism is communism without beer. That's it. There you go. Speaking of beer, let's have one. No, it's too early, or is it five o'clock somewhere, John? Let's go over to. I think we had uh, uh, 
Iran nationalist, followed by Iggy, followed by Geo Pole. Go ahead, Iran. Iggy. Yeah, so, so thanks again for giving me the opportunity. I'm not trying to make this about Iran. I, I know you mentioned that initially that it gets hijacked. That's not the purpose. But you brought up a point stating that these protests now on the streets of London um, in U.S., they're all just a bunch of privileged kids. But I want to tell you that's not actually correct. This is an infrastructure that has been built for almost 40 years. If you look at Al-Qaeda's war in Afghanistan, when it started, it started actually initially with social media. If you remember the beheading of Daniel Pearl by this Islamic terrorist, that was the start of recruitment and utilizing social media in order to create fear. And for 40 years, the Islamic fascist Iran has been investing in the infrastructure of lobbyists and putting money into social media in order to divert public opinion. And that's scary. And if you just make this very simply, simplify this whole notion of public opinion changing, and you just had one guy coming in on your, just your space, shouted the name of that murderers who killed six million Jews, and you you actually made fun of it. I actually, uh, no, I listen, listen. <clears throat> okay, so this is and my I field finish, of expertise. Yes, yes, yes. I know you. I know you know more than I do. I get it. I respect. It's it. not that. It's not. But that. let me listen. finish my thoughts, and then okay. you know, right. I, I waited for almost an hour to talk. So let me just finish my thought. Yeah, go for it. Just so, M, um, don't don't get always. In, I know you have these uh, strong opinions. But let Dude, forget about speak. me. Just continue. Then let please. me finish. Then let me finish. Yes, finish. Go ahead and finish. Dude, why are you Dude, you sound more like a dictator, man. Just calm down. The thing is... David, go ahead. Oh, me again? Yeah, why not? You have your hand up. Whatever. Uh, go ahead, David. All right. No, no. Well, there, uh, there, there's, a, there's a list. No, we have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um... So regarding this space, I'm, I mean, I don't understand whether it's um, if it's if it's attempts to be neutral or or not. Um, but one one the couple of things I want to raise for the awareness of the audience is that while the events of the last just over a week now seem to be um, contained within the Hamas attack, as if that was the genesis event of the last. 15 days worth of activity that's not necessarily the case depending upon what you know and whose analysis you listen to and what i would point out is that if you don't know what the third temple movement is then it's worthwhile looking at because essentially what that is is the um attempt by certain um sections of uh, israeli political and uh, ethno-political and religious society to destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is um, in no, Jerusalem, no, 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 on no, Temple no, no, Mount, no, no, no. and then rebuild rebuild the temple on that point. And and because of that... No, before you go on... Before, no, 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 I, I won't no, allow no, this. this. No, 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 this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. Please, please. You get you get the other ones, I get this. Uh, Iggy, uh, sorry. Um, please tell us how many people in this quote-unquote third Temple Mount uh, project are you talking about? 
So according to former MI6 officer no, and no, no. British Who's, diplomat Alistair Crook, yeah, yeah, according okay. to MI6, <laughs> according to the British MI6 officer and and uh, British diplomat Alistair Crook, who um, has been heavily involved in the Israeli-Palestinian no, no, please, situation please, please, for most Iggy, of his Iggy, career. Iggy, Iggy, we want to just get to the points because I, I have to dissect it because Emma's going to go off the chain. The comments you're making. Are uh, I would impressive. just want to ask if yeah. you're Iggy from Kingsman or some something else. Just, just. No, 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 no. Just the, 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 look. So the audience is listening. This is very important. We talk about disinformation. We talk about propaganda. We talk. About yeah. Okay. Hang on a second. But you're just basically yeah. using a very basic tech. No. No. What I'm doing is I want to, you to verify a your source. B give context. So what you just heard from M was that there is a terrorist group. ISIS, who use maximalist views, they're a very small minority, and you've just managed to find one of the smallest groups of people in Israel, and now you're trying to create an equivalency with Hamas. There are lunatics on both sides of the equation. Those from Israel are so surprisingly small and so surprisingly marginalized that it's not funny. So you now, if you want to say, hey, there is a core of about 50 people in Israel that are nuts and they think they want to blow up the Al-Aqsa Mosque to build a third temple, that they have no legitimacy in the Jewish faith or the Israeli community writ large. If you wanted to say, start with that, to give an example of Israeli extremism, I would be all for it. But when you start to contextualize, when you, when you come in without context and you mention it, it's as if someone was to come up here and say, ISIS says they're Muslim, they want to behead everyone and kill all the Jews and Christians. Therefore, Sorry, I didn't say any of that. No, but but you were getting there with uh, your third. There is okay, no wait, third no, 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 hang on. But, yeah. but I so didn't go, say go any of what you just said. No, no, you're getting there. I, I'm cutting you off. No, I didn't. Saving us some time. I, answer me one question. How can you say someone's getting there? Some some bullshit, bro. How are you predicting predicting what the guy's about? So what I'm because is, actually because his no. bio says that the global history is fiction. So that's that's sometimes okay. sometimes uh, that's a red flag, you bus, know. Bus, 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 bus. Listen, I I Iggy, it's very simple. How many people are in this cancerous movement that you're referring to? Do you know the number? And don't give me a story about MI6 and Alistair Crowe. I know I know everything where you're coming from. So how, if, if we're talking about Israel and Palestine. Uh, you made it clear your intentions or your thoughts when you came in there to doubt our sincerity. Is this really neutral or is this a Zionist thing? You didn't say Zionist. We know. No, I didn't say. Again, this is this is this is exactly what I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand whether you were tolerant, right, to to basically pointing something out because I haven't. Sorry, sorry. I, we both can't talk at the same time. I'm sorry. You came in here to say you wanted to know if this was a legitimate space. I'm paraphrasing. You then started by saying, I don't think you really know. This is not about Hamas murdering and butchering and raping babies and burning them. This isn't about that. We need to talk about the ominous, nefarious Third Temple movement where Jews want to blow up the Third uh, blew up the mosque and build the third temple. This, if you want to have an academic discussion, that's fine. Is this worth 600 people's time to listen to? I'm not going to platform that. M knows what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. And listen, like Yehuda, it's fine. Iggy, Iggy, can you give me just one clear question or one clear statement, Iggy, that you want to make? Just one, one clear question. What, 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 what is, what is your concern? Let me, let me just point out something. Everything that has just been said, then, is is not true about what I was saying myself. I Why? never said. Let's 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 give that to the side. You're asking about the reference point, ge the genesis. You know where's what's the genesis no, point I'm, of all wait. this? 
the genesis point of all this the genesis point of all this is that the jewish question was born in france and then it moved to russia and we had a world war and the ottoman empire collapsed or they or moses do you want to go back to the ancient egypt you know moses crossed the the sea stop 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 man man man. we're losing it here it's very simple we're losing focus here iggy what's your point is really the question he's asking you've mentioned you've mentioned a fringe point you've mentioned if let me finish my context then you can go back you've mentioned a fringe group and what and what's the so what about it so what about this fringe group what's your point okay so one thing is that nothing that you have said about what i was saying is true that's your projection okay thank you uh, if you want to come back up and answer the question, what is your point about the third temple movement? Uh, I, I will tell you what it is. So there are some uh, crazy people not sanctioned by, say, Jewish law or any Jewish movement who believe. And actually, it started uh, with an Australian Christian Zionist who tried blowing up the Al-Aqsa Mosque with a uh, rocket launcher. Uh, he was arrested. didn't happen. Uh, there are people in Israel under constant surveillance. There's about a group of 30 to 50 of them who believe they can start you bring back the Messiah, start World War III, Armageddon, blah, 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 blah. But these people are very, very, very uh, unwell, deranged, some might say, and they're not a political force. So the reason why I don't want to cut off Iggy is I really want him to say what, what was the point of it. Um, he doesn't like that I put words in his mouth. I apologize if you feel that way. But when you mention Rez, if after, you continue after, <laughs> after, after, uh, yeah, you do what you need with him. Uh, if you mention that after talking about, you know, 13 to 1500 murdered Jewish babies and Israeli Arab babies and, and, and Druze babies, uh, and then that's your, your talking point, you're just wasting our time. And I don't want to disrespect the space uh, by having uh, you do that. That's not right. Um, thanks for that. If you want to check it out, a third temple movement, it's a bit of a joke. Um, under Jewish law, under all forms of Jewish law, whether you're Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox, Reform, Conservative, um, there is no belief you can force the hand of the Messiah to come back. Um, in Jewish eschatological belief, uh, there is a belief that when the Messiah returns, the third temple will come down from the Bible there. It's quoted in Ezekiel. Third temple will come down in a chariot of fire, and it will be reestablished. Now, when that was written, there was no mosque on it, so it's not really the point. Uh, there are people who are anti-Semitic or anti-Zionist, whatever, take your pick, who will say things like, oh, the Jews, and it's a big thing in the Arab world, and M can talk a bit about it if he wants. I don't know if we have to, but actually maybe we should. There are people in the Islamic world who have this conspiracy belief that not only did the Jews do 9-11 and yada yada and cancer and who knows what else, but they also want to blow up the mosque. That's what we do at night. We just, you know, we think of this mosque that we could blow up. And in order, and we're going to do that in order to get, in order to get, um, you know, what do you call it? The, a third temple. It's silly. It's childlike. It's not worth it. I don't want, I don't want to lower the discussion. We were doing so well up until then. So uh, on that point, M, did you want to talk about uh, Al-Aqsa being destroyed? It is a bit of a clarion call in parts of the Muslim world. Um, over to you. Yeah, well, the the main focus of this conspiracy theory is the archaeological effort being uh, carried out in the area. A lot of people are trying to say that the state of Israel and the archaeologists are basically trying to bring down the mosque and destroy it. No one wants to bring down the mosque. No one wants to bring to build the third temple. No one wants to bring about the end of days. If anything, there must be some player out there who's just manipulating all those religious texts and driving everyone insane. But you know, we're all, all rational right, so, right now. No, yeah. no one is. No one is working actively. The only, the only entity right now that is actively working towards bringing about the end of days, at least 
according to their actions and their rhetoric and their messaging, is the Iranian regime. That's it, according to the Shiat eschatology. So, 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 M was referencing archaeological digs in Jerusalem. It's one of the most ancient cities in the world. Uh, so, when the Israeli antiquities authorities conducts digs in and around that area, uh, there often are claims that they are trying to um, destabilize the mosque under the ground to collapse it. Untrue. Um, all verified by independent archaeologists from all over the world. Uh, it is truly an academic endeavor. Uh, but no, they're not digging under the Temple Mount to destroy the mosque. Uh, that's the key. All right, that was a little hairy. Let's go over to Geopol for uh, for some more. Please Can you... <clears throat> don't talk about space lasers, Illuminati, or anything like oh, that. My, oh my! The top, whole, and we have lizard people at least. The whole top is lizard the people. Whole top of my list. Lizard. Lizard. So, uh, <laughs> geez, um, I just really wanted to to get uh, make a statement and see your response. And just two really quick areas. The the first one, which I just wanted, and I, I bring it up a bunch, is I still feel like the the board, and it's horrible to say game board, but it's a good analogy, but the board that we're playing on is still a board that has been set by Hamas. You know, the, the uh, in many ways that, you know, post 9-11, we were going into Afghanistan to a certain extent. So the, 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 the reaction, the planned reaction was still there. So uh, it still feels like that, you know, that attack was intended to bring Hamas land ground troops into Gaza. So I just would love an idea on that. But it's the larger cultural question that I'd love some insights or historical context on a little bit more is how much are the Palestinians themselves capable of being good um, negotiating partners? Because they've been offered statehood four times. I think that's accurate. Um, or some semblance of the beginning of statehood and rejected it. And I'm wondering, is, is as the Palestinian political side painted themselves into such a corner that literally they can't negotiate, they just have to continue conflict. And that, that is an industrial cycle that becomes entrenched and leadership takes over in much more like a, a fiefdom and, and just feeds this coal-burning furnace that eats humans. Um, and and I, I, I'm just curious, can they can they negotiate, or does I mean, do, does someone have to occupy? Um, if, if not Israel, then you know, Arab states or whoever. Yeah, let's uh, go to M for that. Yeah. So this is a very good uh, question, actually. Working according to the enemy's plan. The first step is getting off the chessboard. So Hamas' calculus was that we will attack, we will take hostages, we'll go back into the sector. The IDF will not respond because we have hostages and therefore they will not launch a land incursion. There is a potential for one blind or a double blinds here regarding Hezbollah and Iran. So whether Hezbollah was going to participate on the first day or Iran was going to wait to see how successful Hamas is before they deploy Hezbollah. Now, the, 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 the variable, the other variable in this equation was that the, the Ford was deployed to deter the Serbs from acting against Kosovo. And it was during, uh, it was towards the end of its deployment, her deployment, right? So they didn't expect that the Ford would be redeployed to the East Med and the Eisenhower to be deployed quickly also to the Med and that the U.S. response would be so robust that it would achieve strategic deterrence and deter Hezbollah and Iran from joining the fight early on or from following on their promise to open a northern front, right? So that was, that was the first step towards 
towards finding a solution to this. You want to establish deterrence on the northern front, and you also want to tear up the playbook that Hamas is still playing according to, because they thought that they could get out of this, right? This, their calculations didn't end in their own destruction. And now because their own destruction is becoming more and more possible, you're seeing the maximalist rhetoric and you're seeing the threats on the Iranian side, on the Hezbollah side, but you're seeing no actions because they are still worried about the U.S. deterrence. So the first step of getting off the, 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 the chessboard that Hamas, the game and, that Hamas and Iran built, right, the game that they designed, the first the first step to get off their game was to just basically blow it up by seeking or defining a whole new objective. And that objective is destroying Hamas completely. And that's why the IDF has no other military option right now except pursuing that option. You know, if they do anything less than destroying Hamas, dismantling the armed Palestinian factions inside the Gaza Strip, they automatically lost. And they realize that. So... That's why you're seeing the attempts to inflame the international public opinion to pressure Israel so as not to prosecute this campaign, because that's a strategic loss for them in this round and maybe in future rounds as well, because if, if it ends here, you've undermined the, the, the very concept of the state of Israel. So th th that's not going to bring about peace or stability or save the Palestinians or stop genocide or save the region. That will actually push us to an, an, a game of annihilation further down the line. Could I fo follow up really quick on that? Just because I'm curious. And uh, like, I, I agree with you somewhat, but I'm also very concerned um, that hump, like in a weird way, if, that, if the scenario that I agree with that, uh, that Iran was a player, Hamas was peace, uh, the board... The board is unfortunately potentially not even in Iran's control fully because if if the if the Israelis invade on a ground invasion, the, the true purpose, the, the product that Hamas wanted, which is the, the photographs and video of civilian dead, of their own people's dead, that will still get unleashed and the Arab street will burn. And then I think the game but, the game the game becomes but a that has been control. the no, no, no. But that, that has been the case for 10 days now. The, the photos have already been out. The, the aerial campaign is already producing enough content, and that's why the IDF was quick enough to ask the, uh, the residents of the northern sector of, this, of the Strip to evacuate to its southern sector, to, to the southern part of it, right? So as not to stop the stream of, of this content. The content is already out there. The, the, my, for, I, I, you're, I don't you're get moving or already moved. Enough. Like we, there's already, yes. know, so the, the next, yeah, the next already, phase isn't going to be anymore. Yeah, they have enough material if that's what they're looking to do to set up the streets ablaze. And it hasn't happened because cooler heads have been prevailing because uh, the Americans and the Brits are talking to the PA and Egypt and Jordan and saying, hey, it's in no one's interest to uh, to kick off with Hezbollah. Uh, and if, if that happens, we're going to be there for Israel. And, and if in case you don't believe us, here's a couple of carrier strike groups, right? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's go to John. John wanted to chime in. John Spencer. Hey, thanks, Yehuda. Um, lively, important conversation for sure. Uh, I, I agree with everything M said about the operation. There's no other way that can be done other than execute the operation. It 100% can be done. Um, I, I agree. Hamas strategy is that human shield, international condemnation, just like almost every war 
um, the IDF have had to fight under that ticking time clock. But I do not think personally that 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 is what has been out there already is almost like a test of that um, Hamas strategy will work, nor IDF strategy will work. The the number comparison, which I think is ridiculous, uh, you know, that somehow proportionality of you know two thousand Israeli civilians slain is not um, politically uh, of value, or is almost like this revenge and retribution aspect of well, you've killed four thousand of theirs, as those numbers will will in the nature of this operation continue to increase, especially when Hamas is refusing to let civilians leave, that that is still one of their strategies, that, you know, the body count, the videos, the photos, the stories that uh, even the Western media are helping with. Like, I, you know, um, interviews with, with uh, civilians who've lost their families and things like that. I still think that's a strong strategy and, and not necessarily as a way to achieve victory, of course, but to buy time and to make their plan fall together. I know the Hamas strategy is to, they don't care how many they lose, but there is, there is a measure, there is a, there is a number that, that is politically relative that does matter to the international community when everybody will publicize. Like this is how many so-and-so, the United Nations so-and-so is reporting the, the cost of civilian, you know, non-combatant loss of life, um, despite the history of this operation, despite that while... The IDF did give 1 million people 24 hours, although they actually started get, making those calls a day after the, the terrorist attack. But they did that cause like, look, I'm, I'm not, you know, this is a very grave situation for your safety evacuate. And they still have done that. And then after 24 hours, they did not execute that. There are many reasons for that, but I, I believe the strategy on both, on Hamas, the size is unchanged, and I agree with him, who is always saying that the Hamas signed its death Hamas as a medical with with military capability signed its own death certificate, and Israel tore up the playbook. So the the aspect of the Hamas strategy of using human shields, inviting all the international media in, international media even getting killed because they're in the in the crossfires is their playbook, but with complete even regional aspects like there is no reasonable response other than israel to stop the playbook has been approaching gaza with over the last 20 plus years they have to go in and remove that military capability to ever be able to do an attack like that but the the principle of proportionality is not well this many israeli civilians died seven days ago so the, the, it's not a right that this operation is causing this amount I mean, it's just so, apples so and oranges. Yeah. The, the fellow that came up, I, first of all, my apologies, I hate cutting people off or having to remove them from speakers. Uh, so, John, you're lucky. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the previous person I cut off, uh, you know, I, I try to give people a wide berth, right? And if someone, um, I just wanted to ask John, like, when not, someone says, oh, let's not talk about it seven days ago. Let's, let's, let's talk about the root of the problem. I thought he was going to say 75 years of occupation. That's usually the starting point from from that perspective and that's fine i i know that you talk about that or you might want to talk about you know far right uh, parties and government in israel that's fine but when you bring up a fringe group of 50 lunatics who have no support not not government not public and then you use that as a cudgel to to wield in an argument over israel you're just wasting everyone's time and your own 
So it wasn't that I wanted to cut him off because what he's saying is so truthful that it hurts my fifis. No, um, it's just not relevant. I mean, there's plenty you can no, attack Israel. Yeah, I raised my hand right when he said that this isn't about the attack. Seven day. I raised my hand, although you know, like he went on to go into the crazy, and I would have cut him off. You guys, um, I, I don't agree with giving them the, the chance to speak once they say those crazy things. Like, yeah, that's it. But I raised yeah. my hand when you said, and this is why I feel it's frustrating. Look. I you, you know, taught strategy, teach the history of wars. Um, there's always enduring causes of, of wars, which, you know, like, like M and you would know way better than me in the, um, between all the different organizations and, and, and societies and everything. There's always enduring causes, but there's always a trigger. Hamas's terrorist attack on Israel was the trigger for war against Hamas from Israel as a state actor. And that is bound now. That's where the time clock that I get involved in as a military person. And even when Israel said, it's not like, okay, now we're going to do the same thing to you. No, that was the trigger to declare war, which is again, in the Westphalia ideals of nation states and has the right for survival to can do and then is bound by the laws of war, which the IDF are following. And now let's talk about the current operation. You know, that's my field. I, I just learned from you guys about everything else. Yeah, you know, you know, if this, so I think the point that that I was trying to make earlier, and I think John nailed it right here, is this was a seminal event in the history of the Middle East. This wasn't a cross-border raid that killed thirty students and children in the Mahalot massacre in the seventies. This isn't a cross-Fedayeen border raid uh, from Palestinians uh, from Jordan or or wherever. Uh, this was something that has that changed uh, irrevocably the landscape in Israel. Um, Left, right, religious, non-religious are all on board with removing Hamas at all costs necessary. Because um, if you can manage uh, to lull Israel into a a sense of security, which they did, obviously, um, and, uh, you know, increased permits, the Israeli commentators on the news are talking about how permits went up to, you know, 20,000. So they realized that they thought, oh, Hamas wants peace, right? Hamas wants their workers to come here and have a living. I mean, that's money we could pay our laborers. Instead, we're paying them, right? So this is something that lulled them into that security. And then, boom, you don't just get hit with an attack on military bases. M actually said this to me in private. If Hamas had attacked those two military bases, took a couple, 15 military uh, personnel hostage and went back, that would have been considered a coup and a victory uh, to, to, to a level that is unheard of for Hamas. That in itself would have been uh, their victory. But they went and slaughtered and burned alive civilians because they're Jews. And the ones they, they you know, the ones they thought were Jewish, were, some of them were Muslim. Uh, they killed them too. In some cases, they spared. Um, this is a barbarity unseen by Israel uh, since the modern day state was created. So you can't ignore and say the seven days. Well, let's talk about. I thought he was going to say occupation, John, or I was going to, and it's a fair point. But he went on about some fringe group. It's like me saying, let's talk about um, you know Christian American, you know faith and let's talk about westboro baptist church a very fringe crazy group uh you just wouldn't do that it's just a waste of time john back to you and then let's get some other hands yeah i mean i think it's, it's really important um as we've heard in other spaces that again in the context of this operation named operation against hamas in the military arm of hamas uh it was is a named operation in response to the terrorist attack bound by the laws of war and despite all the 
really, I will say from both sides, yeah, politicians, military leaders will say a lot, like, but look at the stated national strategic and then military objectives given to the military. Um, you know, we have the crazies on one side saying this is just a chance to do ethnic cleansing. It is ethnic cleansing. They're, you know, kicking everybody off their land. No, let's put it in the context of the military operation we're talking about. And, and then as soldiers, of course, have personal feelings, but soldiers in a military, unlike Hamas's military who conducted terrorism immediately as a war crime, as a method of fighting. And I agree with him. Had this been a military attack against a southern Israel outpost that I've been to almost all of those that were attacked, it would have been completely bound by the laws of war. And, and, and yes, there would have been response, but not maybe not this level of response, but that's soldiers don't get to go and commit revenge and, and things like that outside of the laws of war. It's a named military, oper military operation with clear military objectives that are achievable. And I think that's one of the reasons, this is like Piotr and all you guys, it's one of the reasons that there was, I, we, I believe there's overreach from Hamas and it, it's puppets, you know, the fact that it's a puppet of other people, overreach, sealed its death warrant. Um, if the puppet masters have a strategy, that one didn't work because even in international observation, Israel has the right has, and, and has the requirement to respond to that attack and the name military operation to do it is actually not a historical, reasonable, a, a very typical military operation. Thanks, Ron. Um, let's uh, let's see if we're we're in the period. We have a couple of new guests up, and I I'm sorry for typecasting you. Maybe perhaps you have an opposing view, Said. We're going to go to Piotr, and then uh, we're going to say go to go, uh, go ahead, Piotr. Yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground, so it's a bit hard to really stay in continuity uh, throughout it all. But what I would say is, um, you know, um, from just a broader macroeconomic geopolitical perspective. Um, we are witnessing a seismic um, event in, in the Middle Eastern region, um, to both yours and John's points. This isn't any old sort of skirmish. It's not the 11-day war, which in itself was a horrendous event. Um, it is a something that I personally do not see how the Israelis can come back from in the sense of they can't simply sit down at the table with the perpetrators, uh, with Hamas, and, and treat this as sort of the status quo, treat this as, well, you know, this is another nasty attack. Um, you know, uh, sort of skirmish or something. It, it's it's more than that, and so I I, I look at this very broadly in, in in the repercussions it has longer term. Um, I look at this in the context of the what viability of a two state solution, which I just don't think is really there at the moment. Um, you know, land swap is something that's always been pushed by other people. Again, I can't really see that possible. Um, so, you know, and, and then we've touched upon Iran. Uh, you know, I could go on about this for ages, but I'll, I'll be respectful to the to the other hand. Um, encourage people to come and join me in my spaces if they want. But um, I would say my main question for you guys then, and probably M is more geared to you, but, you know, Yehud, I'm always curious for your perspective, is, you know, the uh, the Jordan King Jordan uh came out and basically said that, you know, we will not be taking any refugees and neither will Egypt. Um, but there's a lot of emphasis on humanitarianism and access to supplies. So one of the questions I think a lot of people have is, well, why, why are Arab states, why are neighboring states not willing to do that? 
um, surely they appreciate and want a independent Palestinian state, but at least in the immediate term of um, reducing the the pressure and and humanitarian crisis, um, why is there not more of a willingness to to, to support uh, at least through temporary you know relocation um, and more broadly just what do we think about the potential for Arab states, the neighbouring states, to be leaders in helping to find a long-term solution? So two-point question. One, response to the humanitarian refugee crisis, and two, the role of them in neighbouring states in longer-term solution to uh, to state Palestine, Israel, and so on. Thank you. Regarding the refugee crisis, potential refugee crisis, because there isn't one so far. It hasn't unfolded so far. That's number one. Number two, do you remember Black September? Do you remember what happened in Jordan when the PLO decided to hijack commercial uh, airliners and land them in the desert and then blow them up? And then when the King of Jordan decided to take control of what's happening on his uh, lands, uh, Black September happened. And that gave birth to the Black September organization and the Munich attacks. So that's uh, the headache and that's the... Uh, nightmare scenario for the king of Jordan. Jordan cannot assimilate more Palestinians into their territories without causing socioeconomic, sociopolitical, and security problems. That's the first point. The second point, Egypt is more or less the same. Hamas is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. They were founded after or during the, was the first intifada, I think, 1987. Uh, yeah, the first intifada is... Uh, terrorist organization to counter the impact of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which was aligned with Iran back then. So Hamas is connected to the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood, and not just that, Hamas operatives crossed the borders into Egypt as per the official uh, narrative of the government of Egypt and provided logistical support to armed militias inside Egypt, attacking police stations and attacking prisons. Uh, during the 2011 uh, uprising or revolution or instability, we'll call it whatever you want to call it. And then there was a huge wave of terrorism that killed thousands of Egyptian servicemen, uh, commissioned officers, non-commissioned officers, conscripts, uh, you name it. And, uh, they attempted, they even killed the uh, prosecutor general. Uh, they attempted to assassinate the Minister of Interior. They attempted to assassinate the Minister of Defense and the Minister of Interior using uh, Cornet ATGM uh, in, in the Sinai. So we are not going to allow 1.1 million people. Let's see. Let's say that we're going to divide them amongst us, you know, 1.1 or, you know, the, the people living in the West Bank going to live in, in, in Jordan and then the people in Gaza going to live in Egypt. How do you assimilate 2.3 million people into your country? different culture, different language, different educational courses. And if it's going to be temporary relocation, what is the governing treaty for that? I want the word of the state of Israel in a treaty signed by the state of Israel saying that those Palestinians will be allowed back into the Gaza Strip until the end of the hostilities. They will not do that. Who's going to guarantee this? The United States and the EU. They will not do that. So it makes perfect sense. Instead of displacing 2.3 million people outside of the Gaza Strip and into the Sinai, to divide the Gaza Strip into two, one is an area of operations. The other one is a safe zone agreed to by the state of Israel and the United States government and monitored by the UN, where they administer the uh, distribution of humanitarian relief effort. And IDF, happy hunting. We're all, we got your back. There you go. Uh, let's go to, I want to just bump uh, 
jump to Saeed. Uh, do you have? Did you want to opine on this, Saeed? Yeah. Hello, and um, how are you all? I hope you're fine. And uh, I'm just amazed by the um, the title of the room because it's hosted by a Muslim and a Jew, and this is not about religion. This is the fight between Palestinians and Israelis and states as one occupier and an occupied nation. So why is the bringing of the religion thing here? And the other thing, sorry, do you want to answer that? Sure, we can answer that. So just because of our backgrounds, obviously, we feel that Hamas is trying to uh, make this a religious conflict. Uh, Obviously, the rhetoric and their use of hadith and um, and all sorts of uh, you know things that, in my opinion, uh, blaspheme Islam. They make they try to paint Islam in a bad light. So we like to approach it head on. Uh, this okay. like, when, um, when, when you hear itbah al yahud, when you hear death of the Jews in, in, in Palestinian crowds, even in Canada or in the states, uh, we're calling it out, right? So I think I think if we address yeah. it head on. Um, we're doing us a service. That's that's why. Em, did you want to comment, and then you can go ahead. With Com- completely, completely. Like uh, you, you. Okay. That, that explains everything. Sorry, but the ahead. sentence is not complete. That. So when you say like that, Hamas is. Sorry, can you hear me? Yes. So the sentence is not complete. That. So you say like Hamas says like kill all of the Jews and everything. Did you hear what Ben Gavir is saying on the other side? Why don't you complete the sentence then? I have no problem. I have no problem. We, we, we've made our position on Ben Gavir. Okay, then complete the sentence then. Say like that on the Palestinian no, no, side. I, I, there is, he, no, no, complete the sentence. He, like let, That's the basics of talk. like having let, a... Let, let me, let me, let me okay. talking. You asked me a question. So Ben Gavir, I don't even know what he says because I don't listen to him. But Ben Gavir is a party of three. Hamas is the government of, of Gaza. So there's a slight difference, right? Like we have uh, crazy people on the Israeli side. But those numbers are far less than the entire elected government of Hamas. So there's a big difference. So if you want to say, you know, uh, there are are there cra- are there crazy or retrograde forces on the Israeli side? Absolutely. Do they constitute the majority of the government or the people? Absolutely not. You know that if you've been to Tel Aviv, you tell me. Those no, but just uh, just in, in terms no. like in terms of, co- of having a conversation that is normal. Mm-hmm. It's good that you complete the sentence and you say like on Palestinian well, I side. What, I, I don't know what you're asking me to say. I, mean, I don't know how you talk about Palestine if you're not interested in, say, in hearing what Ben Gavir is saying while he's in the I ministry. Don't, I don't, I, why I this don't, is I the? Don't, I don't listen to crazy people. That's why I don't listen to him. No, but you report news, right? I'm a, I'm is this like I talk about geopolitical thing or not? Sure, but, but yeah, then but, then every every opinion counts and every sentence needs to be completed. None of this That's is, the basic of like a geopolitical like analysis of a situation. Right. Not that there's any reference to geopolitics, but I suggest you change your. No, no. I've I've been listening also to military opinions from John about what's happening in Palestine. So let's let's tackle every step by step. So or if you say like that, this is everything. Hamas. There is the extreme right on the other side that says like kill all of the Arabs. And kick them out and ban all the Arabs and throw them to the sea. Okay, so that's okay. Let, let's let's address that. How many Israelis do you think hold espouse those views? How many Israelis, honestly, do you think believe in what you just said? How many numbers? By, by numbers, the people who elected Percent. the government, Percent. the majority. It's the government now, by the way. Hello. No, 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 no. Hello, yourself. How many Israelis? Yeah, it's the government. It's the government. How, they're how they're elected by the majority of the Israeli population. 
This is correct. the government of Israel right now. You're correct. You're correct, sir. With respect, yeah, yeah. Have, so the majority. No, you're incorrect. You are not correct. Not you are correct. You are incorrect. Correct me then. Okay. So how the Israeli government system works is it goes like this. For those who don't know, the Israeli population uh, votes for parties. Parties are allotted a certain number of seats in parliament based on how many votes they get. So representative population. So rep by pop. So what, what they do is I think the threshold is 50,000. If you get 50,000 votes, you get one seat. Every party is required to make a list of their potential candidates for parliament or Knesset. So what happens is, because Israel has a lot of parties, um, the major parties split in the 70s, and you had what was mostly a, a social labor government, actually always uh, split, and you had Likud form, which was considered right wing. Now, never has an Israeli government been formed on a majority, on, on a contrary to what you said, Saeed, not just this current one, but never. In other words, there's never been 50 plus uh, of, of votes for one group of people. However, there is there are coalitions that get formed. Now, the problem with this, I once said in the 90s to myself, Israel's greatest threat isn't Hamas or Iran, it's political fragmentation. Because what ends up happening in Israel is so many people um, don't agree to agree, they don't agree to disagree on certain topics, so they go ahead and start their own party, which is crazy. Because you end up having the ability or the, the, the situation where kingmakers can be formed. And what I mean by that is when you need 60 votes, 60 seats plus one, you might be the biggest party with 32 seats in Israel. So the biggest party sometimes in Israel is 32 out of 120. That's nuts. That's like a third opposition party in most countries. So what that may, so the, the, the party, the way it works is the party in Israel that obtains the most amount of seats is the one that's asked first by the president to form a coalition. That party leader is given an X amount of time. I think it's 30 days. I could be wrong. If there are any Israelis here, let me know. And if they cannot form a government with those uh, with, within that time frame, the president asks the next largest party. That actually happened within the last five years, where a party wasn't able to form a coalition with smaller parties. So it went to the party that had less seats, which was 32 to 30. So at any given point in Israeli politics, you've got about 60 seats that are mainstream, center-right, center-left. Then you have parties that are far-left. Then you have parties that are exclusively Arab. Um, and then you have parties that are, you have a communist party. I've seen the rhinoceros party, for God's sakes. And then you have the religious Jewish parties, which used to only come in at three and four seats, and they've doubled to six and seven and eight. Now, Ben Gavir uh, and Smotrich are racist homophobes by their own admission who were able, because Netanyahu did not maintain, get as big of a majority in the Likud as he thought, and he had to bring on these guys into government. When I mean bring them on, he needed their, and again, forgive me, I don't know the number, it could be three, it could be four, he had to bring them on into the government. The whole country was aghast that he worked with them because they're absolute racist, crazy people. By their own words, they don't say crazy, but they say racist and they say homophobic. Um, Israel is the gay rights capital of the Middle East. Some people might say the world. Uh, to the to the 80 to 85% of Israelis who are secular and don't think you should be thrown off a building for being gay, the fact that Ben Gvir and Smotrich are in government is insane. The comments they've made about Arabs are bigoted, racist, and any normal Israeli or even Jew uh, does and should abhor them and condemn them, and we do. Now, if you want to come up here, Said, and then say 
attribute the beliefs of been two people that have, you know, 50,000 followers or 100,000 followers. If you want to attribute that and say the majority of Israel or the majority of the government believes that, I think there's a word for that. It's called lying. And I hope you don't believe that because it's not true. So you can get mad at Ben Gvir just like I do. He's a disgrace. He's a human okay. Um, okay. That, that was long, but like, okay. But well, then... I, I, hope, I hope you learned something. Said, there's, there's, another, there's another aspect here. Okay. So you... you can, I, can, I, can I respond Hang to on. that? Like, yes, yes. yes I, I'll listen to you. I'll listen to you. I'm good at listening. I'll listen Said, to you. Said, 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 Said. You go on, you go on Facebook. You go on Twitter. I will listen to you, you but like I, I need not to forget what I want to respond okay. to. Okay, you. you know what? Just respond. So. I wasn't asking a question. I was giving. No, no. I went. Yeah. Yes, which is a good go statement. So, right. if a group of people was elected, so the election is your your measurement. So that that's how you you dissect that, like the whole like political system and the election system and the voting system in Israel. So in Palestine, most of the votes went to Abbas. So most of the people voted for Abbas. Abbas controls Fatah. Sorry? Where? In Gaza, most of the... In Gaza and in West Bank. In, in Gaza and West Bank. Go, 17, go back... 17 years ago. Okay, well then Hamas is 17 years ago. It's the same election, by the way. Yeah, but what I'm saying is... So, so yeah, let, let me continue. Let me, let me continue. Let me... Like, wait a minute. Like, you've been... You've been... I have to interject. We're hosting... No, no, but please, please. I've listened. I've listened to you. Let me finish, and then you can respond. Sorry. Sorry, sir. We're moderating the space for the benefit of the listeners who don't know as much about this as you. So you made a comment, and I'd like you to respond to it. I'm going to interject. That's the, that's the purpose of, of, of moderating. It's not just let's all say what we want for as long as we want. I'm sorry. Um, what I want to ask you is we just had a lot of people say that Hamas is the democratically elected government of Palestine in Gaza. Now, you, do, you, do you reject that? There was an election in Palestine. Hamas was elected for, for, for by 44,000. For, there was the election. Most of the majority of the, the votes went to Abbas. There, there is an election system in Palestine that allowed Hamas to do what, whatever they've done. But Hamas doesn't represent all Palestinians. No, they represent Gazans, is what I'm asking. No, no, no. They don't represent Gazans because also Gazans were for Abbas. And Fatah, Fatah, which is the other major party in Palestine, they have Jews inside their revolution-like assembly. They have real Jews, like you. I think you're a Jew, right? I've been accused, yes. Yeah, there is a Jew inside the revolution assembly of Fatah. So, I see you're laughing. I don't think, like, you know the Jews in Nablus? Yeah, yeah, Saeed. You know them? Make the point. Yeah, so there is Jews in Fatah on the other side of the conflict, which is not a conflict between Muslims and Jews, it's between Palestinians and Israelis. So let's keep the talk there. So I'm, I will leave these to, to the audience and I'll move to my second point. So my second point is, in two years of aggression by Russia against the Ukraine, they've managed to kill 500 kids, children. In six what? days... What? Do you know the number of kids stolen out of Ukraine into Russia? Do you know how many kids died in Mariupol? There, there, is, there is like public data. Like you can search up the public data. There is public he's, data, man. He's, he's saying, I don't want to hear your impressions about the data. Yeah, I want to hear the low. data. It's too low. Your numbers are wrong, he's saying. No, it's too low. It's your impression. There is numbers. 
by the no, UN, by everybody. We, like, there we, is Reboys. We, 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 like, let me finish. Like, you can't, like, you can't. Sorry, 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 sorry. If disinformation is one thing, opinions are another. There are, we actually run a 24 space on Ukraine. Uh, the death toll of Ukrainian children is, is gargantuan, and it's not 500. But yes, go ahead. Go ahead, Saeed, unmute yourself. So there is the number of 554 children that was killed in the Ukraine. If you have another number, please let me know. Okay, the number give is five, okay, sure, sure, sure. The number is yeah. 500. And the number in six kids. days, in yeah. six days in Gaza City. Isn't this a standard rule you agree to? Can you listen? Can you listen? Isn't Hamas the sovereign in Gaza? Why do you scream? Why do you scream? You hear me screaming? Like I'm a Gazan, I'm not screaming. I don't think you're Palestinian nor Israelis to scream. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I'm Egyptian, I can scream. So keep calm, keep calm and listen. Isn't Hamas the sovereign? I'm not talking about Hamas now. I'm talking about something else. Can you listen? Is Can you listen to what I'm saying? No, no, no. You're trying. If you don't want me to talk, if you don't want me trying, to talk, you're trying to build a false equivalence here. You know what? What's happening in Ukraine is that regimental forces of a democratically elected government of a sovereign state is fighting against the regimental forces of a rogue state that invaded their territories after deploying hybrid warfare against them since 2014, okay, and doped their regimental forces with private military contractors and convicts seeking to cancel, destroy the state of Ukraine, Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian language, because their president- We're talking about numbers. Can you listen to numbers? Listen, Saeed, for the sake of brevity and the other hands that are up, let's... No, 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 let me finish my point, man. Let me finish my point. Like, you can't scream to people. Like, you can't... Okay, I'm going to speak to you, Saeed. Let's skip the numbers because, unfortunately, we're not going to agree to disagree. You have some other numbers. Uh, Colonel John Spencer is an expert on Ukraine. He gave you... Okay, let me finish my point, please. No, don't let him finish his point. I mean, Let me finish my point. You come with disinformation, wrong numbers... Give me your number. Like, okay, all right. Let me. I'll get the the mic here. John, how many how many Ukrainians uh, how many Ukrainian civilians and children have been killed by by Russia so far? Do you know? Can you give us a number, John? John, can you give us a number? I can give you the uh, number if you want. Go yeah, ahead. Please. Yeah, I mean, I know that a number of kidnapped babies in the hundred thousand yeah, range, but Joe, the, let's get a number. What's the death count of Ukrainian civilians? Is it 500 kids? I don't have some. I just have. Kids. I, I just have children. I just have children. Children's 596. That equals less than one a day. Uh, and there, this was two days ago. It was 614, which is 76 per day. Thank you. That's the numbers. So in six days, Israel killed almost a thousand kids. 970 children in six days in oh, Gaza. Where, is the, where are those numbers from? This is very important. Like, come on, John. The, Do you the have numbers, the numbers for Gaza now? The numbers I'm using have already been confirmed by UN. They're no longer just reported from, from Gaza. Can you support, like, yeah. do, I, do I speak like this? Do I speak like Saeed, fake news, John? Saeed, Saeed, listen. Uh, th- thank you, Yehuda. Hang yeah. on, hang on. Listen, Saeed. The false equivalence. No, you're not. Oh, my God. Listen. The false equivalence here is that you're trying to build a construct based on comparing numbers. Which number is higher? If the IDF number is higher, 
in a number of days than a larger number of days in another conflict, then the IDF is not conducting war appropriately. And they are, con you're calling it, what Russia is doing, you're calling it ethnic cleansing of Ukrainians, but you're not calling what the IDF is doing to the Palestinian ethnic cleansing. I know yeah, exactly so, what you're trying yeah, to, to we, say we know, here. But, but, but not everyone in the audience knows. So, so the argument, there is a conflation that certain people are trying to make that Russia is Israel and Gaza is like uh, Ukraine. Um, the difference is uh, Hamas is the terrorist organization killing babies. Israel is the military trying to stop future attacks. Israel isn't doing this, as John said, for revenge. Israel's doing this because they need to protect its borders. And if you needed proof, well, there's about 2,000 dead civilians and hundreds of children. I'm not sure the last time I heard of a report of Israelis tying up, you know, Gazan children and their parents and lighting them on fire. So I, I think we need to be cognizant of the fact there's a very big difference today uh, in Israel, in the Middle East, than there was uh, a week ago. Uh, my question, if uh, if he didn't interrupt, would have been um, to Said is, do you think Israel would have attacked Gaza randomly on the 6th of October? I suspect the, any reasonable person would answer, no, they wouldn't. All right, so let's just be honest um, that he, he cannot... Did we just lose Yehuda? I think I might have received a call. I don't think anyone would disagree that kids dying on either side is a really bad thing. Um, M, do you want to continue this, or should we take another? No, 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 no sure. Said, can you put me down? Like this is not a conversation. Like at least, like less than. But please try to make try to make your point, please. Said, Said by the way, no one here is supporting. Uh, no one here is supporting. Uh, That's your impression. I don't have this impression. Cause... I think you're supporting. No, no, listen, listen, listen. listen your listen, argument listen, is listen. supporting. Listen, no one here is supporting emptying the Palestinian cause. No one here is supporting deporting Palestinians. No one here is supporting displacing Palestinians, either from the West Bank or from the Gaza Strip. No one here is supporting the fact that Palestinians are dying. But you need to be, you need to be non-hypocritical about realizing and seeing who's bringing all this upon us. No one here supports the displacement of the Palestinian people. Here are your disclaimers. No one wants the Palestinian people to be displaced from the West Bank or the Gaza Strip. No one wants the Palestinian people to die. No one wants the Palestinian people to be in the situation they are in right now. No one is supporting the fact that more children died in six days than more children died in another conflict in X number of days or months or weeks or years. No one is supporting that and no one is trying to push that. That's what you need to understand. So yes, please make your... This isn't the misery Olympics, right? We're not competing with other people's deaths. I mean, I think if you want to address the issues, you have legitimate comments to make about a failed peace process. You have legitimate comments to make. Can I can I finish one point without you guys interrupting me? Anything above that? Can I can I can I say something? Is this a space where people can talk, or do you want to talk? If he wants to go real quick, there are a bunch of hands, and I think we're yeah, I know there is a bunch of hands, but like you can't be interrupting me. Like, like just let me finish what I'm what I wanted to say. No, let me finish what I want to say. First of all, to um, I don't know what's your name. You can teach me what to do or what not to do. You can listen. You can agree or disagree. That's the maximum you can do. Like there is no point of teaching. You're not like the Almighty. So just listen to the numbers. And by the way. When I said 554 children, you said this is fake news. And it turned out it's not fake news. So why don't you learn something by listening? That's, how, that's for you. So you can understand how to talk to people next time. So I wasn't making a comparison 
between Russia. Oh, Salama, the battle. I couldn't hear him, so did yeah. I miss anything good? Or Joe, uh, I think Joe is going to make his case for him. Joe, by all means, go ahead. I, I didn't hear a word because his, mo- his mic was cut. I could. Like, I, I don't know hear. if I can hear any longer because his mic is so loud. But that's another. That's Please. another story. Um, look, I, I, I get your guys' perspective, and and I believe. Um, I, I assume it's Michael or Malas. Yeah, you're you're correct. Like I don't think anyone. Just call me M. Okay. Just call. I'm not yeah. Michael. I'm Muslim. I'm oh, not sorry. Michael. Call me M. Sorry. Um, no one is pro Hamas that I know of or seen or seen people talking. And just because someone says free Palestine, which is the rallies that was happening in New York in uh, in London, that doesn't mean they're pro Hamas, which is what was being reported in Israeli news and was even being reported in in London news, saying that these people were pro Hamas. They were just calling for free Palestine. And when John says, oh, this war started with this conflict, I disagree. This this war, st- this war started when Le- WikiLeaks showed proof that Israel kept Gaza on the brink of economic collapse for decades and on the brink of a humanitarian crisis for decades. WikiLeaks showed the cables of Israeli government communicating with U.S. officers of doing exactly that. When you put someone in a cage and keep them on a brink of collapse, you're the one who's creating the keg that's going to go off, right? That's how I feel. Mm. Oh, let's get John. Let's get, let's, one one, let's one get last John's point, one last point, because I'm only let's, making let, two let, points. Let, okay. I'm only going to make two points. Yeah. One is that, the other one is, when over 50% of the casualties are women and children, you're not targeting anything. You're just free free shooting. And when people... All right. You're gonna, go ahead. We're, and let, let's admit, you know what? We're going to just shorten up the comments. We don't want to get into rouse back and forth. This is a very emotive uh, topic. Uh, you know, I, I'd like I to appreciate that. To remember. Yeah, I want people to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want people to understand that numbers, um, you know, I, 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 no one supports. I've never met a, a reasonable person that thought anyone being murdered is uh, good, a child or a civilian. I have a hard time believing the stats that you're putting. Um, I think we can all agree that civilians it's are with the UN. Killed. It's with the UN. And even in look, but even in 2021, Yehuda, no, 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 that that civilian casualties are bad and we're going to go to john for his input and i'd like him to address the two points you made the second point especially about carpet bombing you didn't say that word uh but um i would vehemently disagree with your uh, assessment of willy-nilly uh, launching rockets uh, and i and i don't have any data that says that more than 50 percent are civilians but let's go to john Yehuda, first. can i let's ask something about numbers let's, no no 2021 no, 2021, no, 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 go 67% casualty. Sir, 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 we're going to go to John to respond to your comment, and you can speak again later. Let's go to John. Yeah, so one is the, the question on war, right? So definitions matter. I teach strategy. I teach war. Um, you know, we often use war um, inappropriately, war on drugs, war on this, war on terrorism. Um, I, when I say war, I, I'm talking about the current declaration of war for a named military operation responding to the October 7th terrorist attack where, where Hamas militantly, um, savagely massacred civilian noncombatants. That's the bounds of when I say where the war, what triggered the war, what started the war. Now, the war on 
other things is misappropriately used, and, I, and I, that's not my field of expertise. On the perhaps, element of per, per, perhaps people are conflating the origin of the conflict with, with not even yeah, I was going to say that, but no, I think it's just I mean there is a a global misuse of the word war um, to mean struggle, to mean resistance, to mean all this stuff. I'm a military guy. The current Israel nation named um, declared war against Hamas started on October 7th and it will end on a certain date. And then that, that, that is the bounds of my definition of this war. There's been a struggle for, like you said, we were talking about before. So, so mis, misuse of words and definitions. The second one on indiscriminate bombing. Again, I, I am not a fan about what about isms and misappropriating statistics from casualties versus kill from number of civilian casualties with the, in, the inability to say in different wars who was a combatant who was not um there's no way to do that so i really dislike what about isms when um numbers can be conflated and, and misused however you want uh, comparing the yeah. number of uh ukrainian children killed versus wounded the number of ukrainian children kidnapped but it doesn't matter ukraine has nothing to do with the number uh and what about isms of a current named operation john has has the u.s ever come close to over 50 percent except for when we dropped two atomic bombs have we ever come close to over 50 percent casualty reports absolutely i mean that's the name when When, you do it when when what do you okay please tell me the definition of casualties Casual, I'm talking about deaths, killed, that were civilians. Listen, oh, civilians. Point, 90, so here's a statistic for you, Joe. 90% of, this is the one that the United Nations and others currently use. 90% of casualties in war are civilian casualties because of urban combat. So 90%. So, so run with that. So absolutely. As a statistic, you know, there's only three types of lies. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. 90%, that's the one the UN uses currently right now to stop wars from happening in urban environments from Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, any war, Vietnam, you name it. Of course, the casualties are going to be civilians because a weaker enemy embeds itself in mixed into the population on purpose to gain strength from restrictions on the use of force. So 90%. So if you want a statistic, there you go, 90%. All right. The, so the other thing here is the geographical density. Look at the area of the Gaza Strip. Look at the area of Ukraine. Look at the area of operation in Ukraine. Look at the area of operation in the Gaza Strip. Look at the launch pads placed in dense urban communities in the Gaza Strip vis-a-vis force-on-force conflict happening in Ukraine in open territory and after the Russians had managed to destroy entire civilian population centers. So I, I'm going to address another issue. You made a comment, a free Palestine. I let, let's expound on that. Uh, you said it's not a bad thing to say. Sure, it's a nice thing to say, free Palestine. Uh, you're going to have an Israeli say, Are you, what do you mean free Gaza? I mean, we left in 20, 2005. So how about say free the West Bank? And you can say that. Who knows? If you believe in that, you can say that. But the other comment that you didn't make, which you, which I regret, is from the river to the sea. Hassan will agree. So um, I think we need to stop the nonsense in public. I think when you're the person speaking, who's, are you speaking to me? 
Uh, in general, I'm speaking, yeah, you can take it uh, yourself and, and, and anyone. Well, you did say free Palestine. So I said, what I wish you had also said is that one of the chants that many of these protests around the world are from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And then they'll say, that's not a genocidal call. That's just, you know, our feelings and blah, 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 blah. Now, the river is the Jordan River, the sea is the Mediterranean. Uh, let's not trick ourselves. We're smarter than that. And, and I don't want to waste listeners' time or mine or yours uh, to dance around and do mental gymnastics. Those who say from the river to the sea are saying that there's no two-state solution. There's just one. And it's going to be Palestine. And the Jews will be either guests or they're, we're moving them back to Poland or we're cutting them off and uh, burning them as Hamas did. So when you don't recognize, right, when you don't recognize to an Israeli or a Jewish person, when you say from the river to the sea, uh, that you are you are making us feel in our lived experiences, Joa, that you want to murder us. So to, you could argue it all you want. But, you know, if we're telling you that's what it's making us feel, maybe if, you know, you really want to support a Palestinian state, maybe, just maybe, you want to make the other side comfortable too. It's a thought, right? It's a thought. There are Arabs and Palestinians around the yeah, world. You, you who want a the problem, the problem is, is there, there, are is Arabs an... and, there are Arabs and Palestinians all around the world who want a two-state solution. Why do you and keep they, muting they, me they every time Jesus I want to rebuttal you? You can, you can rebut in a minute. Just wait. I'm not going to talk forever. If I just said that there are Arabs and Palestinians around the world supporting a two-state solution, and they avoid rhetoric that inflames the other side. Why? Because they want Israelis to feel comfortable. The only people that don't want Israelis to feel comfortable are Hamas and their supporters. You see what we're trying to do here? We're trying to make things better, not worse. Go ahead, Joa. Look, to, to make a statement like you just closed off with, that if you don't make the other side feel comfortable, you're a supporter of Hamas, is absolutely ludicrous. And you're anyone listening to you you're, you're, is a joke. Pra- That's exactly what you just said. It's a joke. And, okay. and wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Let me rebut, right? You said that you were rebut. Yeah, go for right? it. Okay. There you was an agreement it, you know. done in you, 1967. You, you may- yeah. There was an agreement done in 1967 that Israel then backtracked on, right? They went over the land that was agreed. The 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 what? accords that were signed, the aquifer, we're supposed to we're supposed to go to we're, uh, we're supposed to go to um yeah. what, what the West Bank. Sorry. Hey, what, what agreement you're referring to? The Oslo Accords. The, the Oslo Accords were supposed to go to the West Bank. In, 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 Israel in 19- overdrilled completely. Oh, the- in, in, in 1967, the Oslo Accords were signed. Can you go ahead with that? No, Please tell me more. again, I, 1967 was the agreement, was the accord with the UN. The Oslo Accords were much later. They were not the same uh-huh. thing. Never said they That's were. That's why I asked. Well, you did. You did. You said in 1967, then the Oslo No, course. in 1967. He means, 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 Right, that's why Gaza doesn't have so drinking they, water. They, so if they, you want to make people on, comfortable, actually, actually, oh, Gaza, actually, Gaza, actually, Gaza, Gaza, six only six percent of its water resources from Israel N- because they are sitting water. on. An, Don't change because it. Are, because they are sitting on an, because they are sitting on an aquifer that Hamas hasn't been spending any money on making sure that it's proper for the so, Palestinians because they are busy spending all the money on building. Tunnels okay, under the nice. ground. That's okay, complete but, but, BS, by no, the way, not, because that, that, it's drinking. That's true. 
Oh my God. You guys can look it up. You you read yeah, no, the statistic no. all the time, and it's not okay. drinking stop, water. Stop, stop, So, so just for the audience' sake, you, the speaker's made a he's confused the West Bank and Gaza. The aquifers in West Bank aren't meant to support Gaza. It's on the other side of the country, Joa. So yes, I understand wanna... that. I I'm okay, quoting so, so, now so, flow of cores. Well, I know them no, well. No, you're, you don't you're need to quoting... explain. When I say West I Bank, do. I mean West Bank. When I say Gaza, I mean Gaza. So, so how, how I understand the difference. How, how is an aquifer in the West Bank? I'm just showing Gaza. you the amount of time okay, Joe, that Israel Joe, Joe, has gone Joe. back on an agreement, and I'll do fine, my fine. final one, and then I'll shut up, yeah. and you guys can rebut all you, you want. Have to shut up. And then just... Wiki, then WikiLeaks showed that you WikiLeaks guys is not a source because a lot of a lot of them. No, it's not a source because there are but a lot of edited cables that were caught. Yes, I want to discredit them because a lot of plants were planted in those in those cables, and a lot of alterations happened to the text. So as long as the United States government doesn't release the entire record of those cables, I don't have two sources to compare to. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. For the so, 857 pages of communication yeah. back and yeah, yeah, yeah. forth with the U.S. Joe. to keep Gaza on its yeah. economic brink right. and we're gonna go to a hairline away we're from gonna, a humanitarian go crisis is bullshit. That's what you're basically saying. I'm so not I'll saying it's bullshit. Listen, listen, Joa. Listen, Joa. WikiLeaks is something that happened, and information came out we're of it. Go to John. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joa. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Joa, you, you talk, you're making, started with a good point. You're talking about Israel reneging on an aquifer deal. Um, the next question I was going to ask you was, so what? What's your point? Does that, does that make it okay for Hamas to slaughter babies? Obviously not. So, and, and I don't think you were making that statement because that would be ridiculous. Go ahead, uh, John. Go ahead, John. You wanted to jump in there? I don't enjoy um, people that want to, do what about them and, and, and not fact-based things. The one question I was asked is what U.S. what uh, what operations have the U.S. been a part of where civilians were the preponderance of the casualties? All of them. World War One, World War Two, Vietnam. Um, the ideal that people fight wars on open ground and the only people that are casualties in war are the two militaries is ludicrous. I mean, hundreds of thousands. Um, have died in wars that the U.S. has participated in, um, to include even operations like the battles against ISIS, like the Battle of Mosul, which U.S. air support very discriminately um, assisted in Iraqi security forces taking back the city where there were 10,000 civilian casualties, you know, un un unknowable, the total amount. So it's just ludicrous. That I don't enjoy John, what about them. What about we're going to put about what aboutisms aside and and reference? Look, uh, if if people are so the, the disparity between numbers is so great, I, I'd rather not just get into you know 542 and 1050. Um, we've accepted that there's a lot of uh, disagreement on numbers, but John, uh, speaking as a professional military professional, uh, would you say, would you how, without how would you characterize the Israeli air, even though you're not Air Force, the Israeli military? Is this a professional army? Do they try for precision? Um, or is are some of these people uh, who are hinting at it that Israel's just randomly and indiscriminately trying to kill as many civilians as possible? I, I know the answer, and I think I know your answer. But if Israel was trying to indiscriminately kill people with the military and the equipment it has, would it be one or two or three or four thousand? Or could it be hundreds of thousands if they actually were trying? Do you see what I'm saying, John? I mean, because the, 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 the premise is so crazy to me that people actually think that Israel's in this to, like, 
because they want to kill kids. What do you know of the Israeli army's professional? That, that's in your that's not it. That's not it, Yehuda. Thanks, Can I just clarify? Uh, it's uh, it's shooting, no, it wasn't... shooting through civilians, not not targeting all civilians. There's a big difference. So, so hold on. So do you think it does target civilians? Do you think it does target civilians? Do you think the Israeli army thinks? I think it doesn't. I don't. I don't. I think it doesn't care. I think it's okay, regardless enough, of life. You know fair enough. That which is different. Which is different. Which is different than let's try to kill as many people as possible. Uh, Very different. Well, well, well. At least that's a progress of a kind. So, John, can you speak to the efficacy, uh, precision of the Israeli military from your personal experience, if you can? Yeah, my personal experience in studying war, not my personal experience as in being in war. Personal experience in studying war. Um, the, the IDF are some of the most discriminant um, military and air force in engaging military targets in accordance with the laws of war. Um, that doesn't mean there isn't often civilian casualties because of Hamas embedding in pop, dense populated areas. But uh, Israel implements many of the steps of protection of civilians that other countries don't do. Uh, as a U.S. military, I don't call a military target beforehand and say, hey, if there's any civilians in there, I need you to get out. Uh, th there are legal obligations, take all steps feasible to protect civilian populations. Absolutely. And there's nobody that I've studied who is more aware of that, more in adherence to that, more restrained on what targets they execute than the idea from my studies, unlike other militaries, even on the battlefields of the world today. Okay. Uh, Craig, you want to jump in? Yeah, no, I, I only wanted to add a, a sense of context, right? A sense of premise here. Th there is a lot of conversation in regards to what is happening to the Palestinians and whether they support Hamas, they don't support Hamas, they have indirect support, etc. But the, the key thing is here is that we don't know because there have not been elections in Gaza for almost 20 years. And so the idea that you have a group of people that is Hamas that hijacked a state after they won an election in 2006, 2007, then they canceled all future elections. There are no more elections in Gaza. And so there's no way to determine at a fundamental level whether or not these people, whether it be civilians or civilian support or, you know, a tangential support or direct support, because the Palestinian people in Gaza have not had elected representation for nearly 20 years. And you cannot say the same thing about Israel. So you have a terrorist group that hijacked a certain geographic area, then canceled all the elections and then said there will be no more elections. We are speaking for the Palestinian people. We are Gaza. And then the Palestinian people never had any way to say, you know what, uh, Hamas, I need you to stop uh, next election next year. We're going to vote on whether we support Hamas or not in this war going forward. Hamas is just telling you that everybody in Palestine, everybody in Gaza supports them. They're just saying everybody supports Hamas. Everybody, well, there's no way to actually tangibly prove that. And so if you don't have elections- There's also no way to disprove it, right? So there, it's, a, it's a black figure in statistics, right? So the polls that everybody wants to throw out, like, yes, they've done polls and 80%, but those polls are done at gunpoint. Um, they aren't you know, uh, third party polls, things like that. It's almost unprovable on the opposite other than the the sanctuary Hamas terrorists have gotten right. One hundred and ten percent. The I'm not I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to argue the negative or the positive, I should say. I'm trying to to illustrate the fact that 
there's no way to know what the Palestinian people or the, or the people in Gaza actually want because there's no actual legitimate standing government that is responsive to the needs of the people. And without that, there's no way to, to say um, they're for it or they're against it. We don't know because a group of 40,000 people hijacked a geographic strip of land and said, we speak for them and nobody can ever go against us. Or to John's point, we, this is tangible support for us. There's no way to know that. And without that, Hamas is essentially arguing in a vacuum and saying, we, we represent them. We do that. Well, how do you know? When was the last oh, time? Not, not just that, though, Craig. Hamas claims to represent all the Palestinian people, not just the yeah. ones in Gaza. So, oh, yeah. Like, they can say a lot of things. And, and I think the real point of this all is if we're, you know, we're going to get into the conversation of a, a, a terrorist action and a government reply. Uh, that's what it comes down to. You might not like it, but the bottom line is... They, they speak on behalf, on behalf of all Muslims sometimes. Like, yeah, uh, we okay. have a mandate to do this. We yeah, have a mandate point, yeah. to, to see it through all the way to Judgment Day. Well, I don't want to follow you, my dude. Exactly. That's, yeah, I, I, that's the point. I think the, I think the key is, in that regard, our previous speaker, Saeed there, uh, you know, was saying this isn't about religion. He's right. It's not about religion. It's not about Islam versus so-and-so. This is, we need to call terrorism out. We need to be comfortable to do so. I, I will backtrack to one point, and uh, this is my my, my, my uh, time to do a little soapbox uh, for Joe and some other people. When I said, I put myself in the Palestinian shoes all the time. I'm not Israeli, but if I was Palestinian, I, I think to myself, gosh, if I wanted peace, what are the Israelis afraid of? Well, they're afraid of terrorist attacks. Okay. So what if we started a totally peaceful movement where we weren't doing a peaceful movement and running guns, but just we're really serious about peace. We want to let the whole world know we're ready for peace. And we want the Israelis to know. And if I hear my neighbor saying death to the Jews, I'm going to say, hey, dude, we want a country. Right now, they're the people in between us and the country. So how about we chill out on the, you know, kill the Jew part and say, instead of teaching our kids that they're the descendants of apes and pigs, why don't we teach them that they're our neighbors and we disagree on history, but we need to live together and learn to love one another. Now, it sounds corny, but you know what? It's not far from how things actually change. That's how progress is made. When one side, uh, you know, Israeli, I, I say this, I've seen Israeli texts, but I have cousins in Israel. Um, they talk about the Palestinian view of what they call the Nakba. They talk about Palestinian concerns. They talk about the concerns that the Palestinians have with different political factions. Um, we don't see that on the Hamas. Hamas isn't teaching their kids uh, that, you know, you can, you can Google your own. You can, there's plenty of documentary evidence online from Palestinians in Gaza themselves that show the inculcation of people from childhood. Um, that the education is the most important part. So we could sit here and talk about numbers, how many Israel, how many bombs Israel dropped. I can assure you, I'm not an Israeli, but I can tell you from the ones I know, including my family, they don't relish hurting people. You know, they have no problem going after that terrorist that just uh, burned a baby alive. But the last thing they do is want an innocent Palestinian to get killed. I think the argument would be rightfully thrown back into your laps, whoever thinks this. Uh, who's responsible? Hamas. Why is Hamas not protecting its own citizens? And why aren't they in their terror tunnels? Why aren't they protected? Why are, why are they launching rockets from UNRWA schools, as you can find plenty of documentary evidence online? Why are they embedded in civilian areas? The answer is because they want casualties. You might think that's cynical. It's the only explanation. Why on earth is there, why is Hamas's headquarters under a hospital? Ask yourself that question. The, the Israelis, as John said, literally tell the targets, we are going to bomb this building, please leave. You know, it's, there's, no, there's no right answer. There's no winner here. Let's be honest. There's no winner. 
But to deny reality and turn this into a Israel bad, just bloodthirsty, want to bomb people, ha ha ha, and look, the world is a hypocrite, is hypocritical because they support Ukraine but not Russia. You know, you could yell that into the ether all, all you want, but I promise you, you won't advance the cause of peace. From a Jewish side, if I ever hear anti-Palestinian bigotry or anti, God forbid, anti-Muslim bigotry, I, I'm the first to say, what are you talking about? What are you saying? You're not, don't be like that. And if more people on all sides did that, I think we'd be at a different place. That's just my opinion. Um, let's go over to M, a quick word, and then let's go over to Very Gio. quickly. We, we have a conflict here, and we're all working towards conflict re resolution. Right. So you have two options, a military option or a peaceful option. That's it. It's zero or one. 50% military option, 50% 50 political option. And, and peace resolution, right? Let, let's... In, 19, in 1973, in 1973... Oh, no, no, 1973. No, no, no. 1973, something happened. And they were called for peaceful negotiations in 1979 so that they can establish an independent state within the 1967 borders. What did they do? They boycotted Egypt because Egypt decided to go for the peace, go for the peaceful resolution of the conflict, for years, until President Sadat was assassinated, until President Mubarak worked for seven years or eight years or nine years so that Egypt can return to the Arab fold. And now we're seeing Hamas pursuing the military option against Israel. How do you take it forward from here? This is the right. question. Fair this enough. is the question. Let's, let's grab some other hands. Uh, missed opportunities is another conversation. Let's go to Geo. Hey, Yehuda, hold on one sec. Um, I just wanted to bring background in after geopolitics. Um, but I just wanted to remind everybody, too, so when you do come up as a speaker, we do have a lot of requests right now. So please put up your hand so that we know that you're wanting to ask a question or make a comment. And then once you speak, we'll either bring you down or please drop yourself because we do have a lot of requests. I also want to remind everybody, um, don't forget Yehuda and M are co-hosting. So I know some people feel like they're being silenced and this and that, but um, we want to make sure that we keep the flow of conversation going. So thank you for your patience. And also, if you like what you're hearing or the type of discussion, please do uh, consider visiting Maria Report. We're a 24-hour space online. We've been covering Russia's genocidal invasion of Ukraine for uh, over a year and a half. And uh, we have a great group of volunteers who discuss the topical points. We have analysis. We have experts like John Spencer, a whole bunch of too many people to mention, Chuck Farr. And we, we do it out of the goodness of our heart to help out um, and to fight in disinformation and misinformation. So if you are so inclined and you want to learn about Ukraine and what's going on, do visit mariareport.org. Um, and you can find us there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, please feel free to come up. Uh, eventually, we're going to have a segment with M&I on Maria Report proper, but because today was the first day attack comes were authorized and used by Ukraine and Bertie Ants, um, we decided to not um, steal the thunder, obviously, because this is an important topic and it's topical because the same people who support murdering Ukrainian children are the same people who want to destabilize the Middle East and cause division between Arabs and Israelis. So it's one, uh, two, one side of the same coin. Thanks so much. Let's go over to geopolitic and we'll go uh, to background. I just wanted to follow up with some of the what was said, and I'll drop down after this and room for more speakers. Really enjoyed the conversation. Um, but, you know, this goes back to sort of John. I feel like at times we're talking under the conversation where I don't think people understand fully the paradigm shift that has occurred. Like, we are now in a declared state of war. A state, a nation state has declared war on Hamas. 
and that's going to prosecute militarily. And uh, Joa, you know, who was speaking about you know civilian casualties, I mean, the, and and Yehuda made a point about you know what could be done. If, I mean, they could have carpet bombed the young in the north and carpet bombed without warning. Uh, everything. I mean, a B-52 Stratoforce fortress holds 28,000 pounds of ordnance. The way modern warfare can be prosecuted is, is I mean, absolutely genocide. Uh, and that's not how it's being prosecuted. And in war, there's casualties. Uh, it's an accepted part of it. Um, you know, and I think the paradigm shift of, of talking about counting is now over, because now it's about objectives. And um, so I, I'm guilty of this also. And I, but I also just wanted to really just kind of bring it back and speak two things, which is um, Joa brought up the Free Palestine movement and, and how that's not associated with Hamas. But it needs to be very clear that the day after Hamas attacked, the Free Palestine movement was out marching. So it was the Free Palestine movement that was declaring their association with the Hamas attacks. So there's no way to be around that. And I don't think those people understood that. But that's what they did. And that's, that's what they're doing. Because the Free Palestine movement, you know, didn't have anything to do with the attacks, and they associated that. So that was their problem. And the movement's problem. And this goes back to what I said, and I think that you're here to confirm that, but that didn't really get to, which was, you know, peace, which is, you know, now there's been, I don't you know, multiple wars, decades of conflict, and, and it feels like now the Palestinians are saying, well, let's go back to 1967. So now they're accepting the original uh, accord. But meanwhile, they're not accepting the reality of where things are today. Which is the state of Israel has declared war on Gaza, on, on effectively Hamas, which is in control of Gaza. That's, there's no acceptance of that reality. And that's why and I just ask the question openly, what is a reality that Palestine, which says from the river, the people say from the river to the sea. What reality can they actually accept? Because if that's their declared goal, I just don't understand. We're not a negotiating partner, and that means I don't know what that means. But I mean, there's just no other position on the other side. And I would love some transparency on what that is. Um, but yeah. Oh, and the last point I wanted to make is I'm not clearly want uh, casualties. Because we had a perfect example in Ukraine of what it looks like when the population is evacuated and how effectively you can defend in the city of Bakhmut. Right? The Ukrainians have evacuated their population and defended them inch by inch with military assets without a civilian rapper. And it was still incredibly, incredibly, incredibly costly from, uh, uh, from a military perspective. So, this is not exactly the, the, the product here is civilian death and it's their own civilian death. And we, you just cannot ignore the, the evidence of that. I, I'm, I'll drop down after this. I'm sorry for grabbing the microphone. But I'd love to hear what Em or John or other people thought and give them the All right, go ahead. Yes, sorry. John. No, I think, uh, again, I don't want to what about those ones, but um, there are plenty of examples when a uh, uh, of both sides fulfilling their legal obligation to protect civilians to include evacuating their own territory, uh, not so that the civilians aren't caught in the threshold. I actually am not against militaries being urban trained. It makes sense. It's defendable. But not militaries that 
use protection, protected populations and protected sites as a form of warfare to prevent the other side from attacking them, that is a war crime. Almost everything about it is a war crime, where there are plenty of examples, and I won't even give them because then I don't want to be doing what about isms, where a defender has evacuated their own population, prepared for the fight, because they don't want to sacrifice their own citizens like Hamas does as a strategy, as a method of warfare, as a war crime, as everything um, in opposition to this named operation and both sides having a legal obligation to do everything they can to take, to minimize civilian casualties within wars across the time of war are the brunt of militaries clashing. Doesn't mean I don't believe that Israel should attempt to execute their military operation to prevent Hamas from ever attacking citizens on Israel again, but that, those are just facts of war. There's, it, to me, every civilian loss of life is a travesty, and it should not happen. And both sides have the legal requirement. Uh, I'm a realist, so I talk in le- legal sense. There is bounds to war. There is no bounds to a savage terrorist. There are bounds on nation states and militaries to follow the laws of war and the execution of political objectives. But I agree that's a great point. Both sides in any war are responsible to get the civilians out of harm's way as much as feasibly possible. Thanks for that. All right, let's go over to background with this question. He was waiting patiently for a long time. If you're new to the space, again, just raise your hand if you have a question, and uh, we'll we'll circle back to go ahead. Background. Thank you. The, oh wait, wait, wait! You're in the foreground. You might have to change your. Oh my God, Yehuda, the punster! You never change, brother. Um, first off, I, I want to thank you guys for for this space because in these times, it's really critical to have clean information, and. Um, that's why I'm in this space, because there are not a lot of them like this. Uh, the second thing I wanted to do was um, sort of talk a little bit about for, for, for people who are listening and feel that it, they're trying to solve a Rubik's Cube that keeps moving under a kaleidoscope. You're not wrong. It is confusing. And I've been involved in this. I'm a Jew from New York. Um, I've been involved in this, working with Palestinians, looking for peace for over 40 years. Okay. Um, and it is confusing. And for many years, I was confused about why, invariably, the Palestinians we would be working with, when they would make progress, would always get undercut. And, and I could give concrete examples. Um, and I know people will pick their point in history. But... For a long time, this really confused me. And it's only recently with this late with the Iran situation that it has become clear. Um, there is no interest on the part of Iran in solving this. And they're happy, just as Saddam Hussein was, to fight Israel to the last Palestinian. And I've been using the hashtag Cozy in Qatar because it's easy for Hamas leadership in Qatar to say, oh, 
we are willing to die. The Israelis love life. We love death. It's like, yeah, dude, you're living in a posh luxury place in Doha. Shut up. Um, what I wanted to also point yeah. out is yeah. that that what John's, John's points, the point John Spencer was making, are very important and 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 save lives. And and when I say that, I mean that specifically. John was there at the beginning of the Iran conflict when it popped up and, and delivered the urban defense guideline. Ukraine. Which, which, no, no, no. But that was, but you translated. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, right, yeah, right. And, and that, that, that saved lives. People did not die. There were some people I know did not die because they had the benefit of your experience. And when this popped off in Gaza, one of the first things I did was contact some of my Palestinian friends who have family in Gaza who are freaking out. And I pointed them to you. And I said, you're going to get a lot of information. And, you know, people are going to tell you not to move. People are going to tell you to move. I said, this is the guy to follow. And that, I pointed them to you. And they listened to you. And their family moved south. So there are people alive today listening to your advice. And so I thank you for that. Because good information is hard to find with right, regard to, to but oh, so the comment, comment that i wanted question, yes sorry. well well the, there was a comment just, and a question yeah. and 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 um i appreciate it's i'm, yeah, I'm trying respect, to there's a lot of hands so i just want to no i know i know I, back to, but well, well but yehuda if i may yeah. if i may yeah I'm, I'm i'm intentionally and you know you know we've talked a couple times in the past you know i'm moving a lot slower than i usually move and I'm doing that intentionally because the heat in the room, I'm trying to help bring it down. So oh, that no, we can... no, it's OK. No, please don't do that. Intentionally. OK, OK, OK. So let's get. OK, well, then if I can make my point quick. Yeah. yeah, my comment was regarding something M had said much, much earlier about the difficulty with Palestinians who are citizens in France and citizens in the UK and, you know, and, and the difficulties that that brings up. I wanted to point out that there are Palestinians who have lived for generations in Saudi, in Qatar, in Kuwait, etc., who will never be granted citizenship. They're generations of Palestinian families living there. And these countries, again, are happy to use them for, you know, indentured servants, you know, to hold them hostage, to keep them in an underclass, and to use them as part of what you called, you know, the misery Olympics. And right. I was wondering if the thoughts about how, what role, I, and I think Arab nations have a role, an important role that they have to accept in in helping resolve this conflict because there is Fair no enough. military solution right. to this conflict. So the, the opposing, and then the opposing but, the opposing point of view from the Arab side will be, well, why do Palestinians in Gaza or the West Bank have to leave their homes and come here? Uh, you know, why do they have to be made refugees again? That's going to be their response. Well, you, I think right? the answer to that, there's an answer to that. And, and this gets back to, again, the point that John was making about the difference in the military sides. The Israeli side, there are people, and again, just because I've been working, you know, for decades on this, there there was, back in the early 2000s, there were the refuseniks. There were the, the there parts of, in re most recently, the Air Force, who refused 
to accept what they consider illegal orders from the government. I, to put this in context for Americans, that would be as if SEAL Team 6 refused an order from, you know, that they thought was illegal. We've never there heard of that. Sm- smaller portions within and not entire groups. Okay. Well, of course. So, so, so but that's get, indifferent. That last point, place. last point, if I may, to, okay. in contrast to Hamas, when they took over in 2006 in Gaza, they took the Fatah members and threw them off the roofs. And you can find these videos online. Yeah. And that's why that's why that answers the question of why, if you're a Palestinian in Gaza, you're not going to speak up against Hamas because that would be like being in a mob controlled town trying to go against the mafia. Fair enough. enough. Thank you for that. We're going to have to we're going to have there are a lot of hands. You stick around. Okay. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appropriately, Fatah. Yes, it's in Arabic, but it's Fatah as well, uh, according to how English people sometimes refer refer to me. Thank you so much, Yehuda. I think this discussion is really, really, really interesting. And um, having said that, I'm not going to be long, hopefully, under two minutes. I think what what we should really consider if we are going to talk about, um, you know, this situation from someone who actually um, studied international conflict and resolution. And I remember this in 2005 when I was completing my master's that I I remember the sort of uh, this notion. I kept saying to my lecturers at at university in London um, that Hamas was going to win, um, you know, against the Palestinian Authority. But and they wouldn't believe me. But I mean, the writing was on the wall. Um, that when people are um, sort of when the leadership uh, is in trouble or, or is stagnates, uh, same thing that's happening or to corrupt. Netanyahu at the moment or right. corrupt. We know what, what's happening right now. Netanyahu, you know, uh, is corrupt. We know that. Two weeks ago, the Israelis were up in arms. The Israelis were upset with their democracy being diluted, undermined by the current leadership. So you had Gantz, you had Netanyahu in trouble, you had people flip-flopping around. And then you also have, have Biden, who is supposed to be elected um, in, you know, next year. And you have, um, uh, the, you know, the UK as well, which will have an election in 2024. So, you know, you can imagine emotions in terms of international uh, leadership. Um, you know, there, there is a political... Um, there is a political complacency about this, which I find really, you know, when it comes to international law and international regard for human rights, um, that um, that ha- no one is actually talking about it. What Hamas did sure. was it imploded the Middle East. The Middle East now is is in a two sort of situation where they can't decide. Shall we open the Rafah crossing? And then you have um, Egypt, uh, you know, having a start a stance on this. And then what you have is the U.S. pressuring both, um, you know, the the Gulf countries um, and Jordan and Egypt to kind of get involved, to kind of uh, find a solution. But what's happened was absolutely what's happened was there are interested parties that actually are thriving for this conflict to go beyond Gaza. Let's ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, You know, Whilst people are, you know, screaming happiness on the streets of such and such city, do you would you also agree that the leadership of most countries in the Middle East are in a panic right now because of the possible what what they expect could happen? They have been in panic. The Middle East have been in panic since uh, the Arab Spring. Let's not, you know, let's call the spade a spade. Everybody is what, but but this is beyond that. But this is beyond that because this is about. 
I mean, I mean, people are comparing Hamas to ISIS, and I can tell you this for a fact: as a Somali uh, Somali person um, growing up in Qatar and being educated in in in, in London and living in London. Um, I can I can attest that ISIS is a whole different ball game to to Hamas. Hamas is a is a is a is a sort of a byproduct by Palestinians um, losing hope with you know uh, after Yasser Arafat losing hope in 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 some sort of um, a leadership that basically represented their interests. But what's happening is that Hamas itself has become corrupt within itself. And this, perhaps, this attack on Israel was um, a, a sort of a last moment of, you know, let's retain this this momentum that we have with the people and let's just, up, you know, upset the apple okay. cart. And so, now so, what you have so, but, but, is Iran. Iran has been sanctioned. What you need to understand, Iran has been sanctioned to the Dark Ages, but they still are thriving because right now there is a huge conflict that no one actually is thinking about in context, which is the Ukraine-Russia war. We, ha we are living in a multipolar world. China is silent on. Uh, China is too not far, too far. We're going to go address the other points. So you made a lot of good points. We're going to go so far. We're going to not have anything to talk about. So let's go back to the other comment. So some people, and I think M is one of them, would take umbrage. The association with ISIS and Hamas is just a reference to the brutality of their attack, and this is what has changed the the calculus. Not not that there wasn't uh, uh, you know uh, dissent on the streets in um, you know since the Arab Spring. But this is now Arab regimes and, and, uh, and the Muslim world may be looking at what will Israel do? Because this is a watershed moment. That's what I think we're referencing. I know M wanted to jump in real quick. So let's get his take on it and we'll go back to you to, for your follow up there. Fathir, I've just mentioned the headlines of what's happening in the world right now. It's not connected. It's not connected. There is no, there is no, I mean, okay. Does Hamas have agency or not? Yes or no? Hamas does not have agency in terms of how you, you can't simplify it does Hamas that, have agency in deciding to launch an attack yes or no to launch an attack against you they've already launched an attack against this so yes yes yes, yes. So the answer is yes right so Hamas the, had agency to look to plan to plan and launch an attack against Israel yes or no yes it, well, yes, they did. I mean, uh, what happened on the 7th of October Fathaya, is, Fathaya, is Fathaya, obvious. Fathaya, let's, Fathaya, let's just take it a step at a time. Hamas, as an organization, they are an organization. They are a top-down organization. Do they have agency in their decisions? Yes or no? Of course they have an agency in their decisions. How so they, they decided. So, so they decided, they calculated that they should, that there is a window of opportunity for them for, for various reasons. They decided to launch an attack against the state of Israel because their calculus arrived at whatever, you know, all the headlines that you mentioned right now, which are not connected whatsoever, but it well, is how Russia, the world Russia is going. On the contrary, no, 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 hold on. What, in, what, in what terms can you not understand that it, 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 there is a connection? There is I'm a, afraid there actually is a, that there you're is the one who is, don't understand this. Well, no, hang on. well, well there so is there a leadership are, vacuum. Are, I think there is a leadership yeah, yeah, vacuum. Yeah, there is a leadership vacuum. There sure, is a leadership a le vacuum. There is a leadership vacuum. That's why there is a country of 360 million running and people are living there and they have aircraft carriers and they have the diplomats and they have uh, 
a president and they have functioning organizations and they have a functioning well, economy and so on and so forth, but they have a leadership vacuum. Yes, let's, let's assume that there is a leadership vacuum and Hamas decided to exploit that leadership vacuum. Who bears the responsibility of exposing the people in Gaza to the decision to pursue an attack, to pursue a military operation? The people of the people, the vast majority of people of Gaza were unaware of what Hamas was planning. Who's responsible? Who's the sovereign in Gaza? Who's responsible for the fate of the people in Gaza? Who's responsible for exposing? Who's who has developed? Who has no, 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 politically, who has politically, politically Gaza who has controlled on, by Hamas? Who has, okay, who okay. has, let, let me stop, 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 stop. I don't want to, I think Fatria just answered the question. Politically, yeah, yeah, hang on, hang on, break, 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 guys. So, listen, listen. So, uh, what what M is trying to do is he's been hearing a lot, and I think you'd hear the frustration there. It normally what, what we're hearing is, uh, from certain speakers, and I don't think that's you, is that Hamas, um, has agency sometimes. It was forced to do it. It wasn't forced to do it. It's not really responsible. This is Israel's fault. Ergo, their their airstrikes on Gaza is also Israel's fault. And it was a thing. But I, I think we should move past that. I don't think that's what you're saying. Uh, why don't you f finish up with 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 your you're talking about the yes there there's populism and authoritarianism around the world uh growing you mentioned russia we all know that russia supports iran uh, iran has most likely been emboldened by by russia uh hamas is, takes its you know gets material support from iran obviously it takes certain direction but in the end it's the one that pulls the trigger i guess it's fair to say uh, being reasonable and civilized people here that you would recognize i think this is what em was getting at. hamas started to fight that it couldn't finish, I think, is a fair thing to say, no? Indeed, Hamas has begun a fight, but what, but the importance, you need, to put, you need to think in terms of wider region. If this actually gets out into the wider sphere of, you know, in the current situation, particularly with Syria, you know, the, 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 the things that has gone on in Syria is just, you know, emblematic of the current situation, you know, that has given rise to even Hamas, for Hamas to actually be planning this for a whole year and to, to take advantage of the, of the Israeli Syria intelligence. Syria is a risk because at the moment what you have is Bashar al-Assad, who actually has been, you know, told by the uh, Arab League, you can come back into the fold. He has gone to China. He is hoping that the sanctions are lifted so he can rebuild the, his country. So you can understand that all those Syrians refugees uh, or, or the people who have been sort of displaced, of course they would be angry. They would. They can see that their chances so, of, of a regime change in Syria fading away. So then what you have is Hezbollah. This is not about Syria. Iraq. So no, I understand. I understand. My, 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 my interest, my interest is for Hamas to do this, what they did on the 7th, is that they're actually looking at the current situation that's happening in the Middle East. They saw that the normalization with Saudi, between Saudi and Israel, was not in their interest. But, but it's almost, it's like a footnote in history. Because what's really happening is the question of Palestine and the question of Arab-Israeli conflict has come to the fold once again. But this time, there is a real serious issue, which is Israel sees Hamas as the ultimate 
threat to its security. But we need an alternative to Hamas. So what is happening now in Fat with Fat um, uh, uh, leadership? It should be actually be mobilizing. It should be looking for solutions to come to terms right. with the fact that Hamas is going to, if it gets annihilated uh, by, by Israel, then then the Palestinian people they need a leadership that will actually put put Fair their enough. case forward. Hey, so hey, so so enough. you have to think big. You have to think long term. Yeah. You can't just listen, think short term. Personally. Yeah. Personally, I believe that the PA taking over with another leader, maybe Mohammed Dahlan, is a great idea because they need Perhaps. stability. And they, yeah, I mean, it's an option. And before we go on, you said uh, international conflict uh, that you studied. You, would you did you know of a way maybe to get my mother-in-law into some kind of conflict overseas? I'm just curious. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We all need to actually lighten the mood because currently it really has been devastating watching the yeah. news and every social media is full. It's full of children's faces, you of know, course, from both course. sides. But not the children's sides. faces on the no, sevens, no. right? And, and, because Hamas, oh, because, because, because you're allowed to go pictures? and kill 3,000 people. Wait, 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 wait. You're allowed, you're allowed, you're allowed to go, you're allowed to go to kill 2,000 people, and then you expect them to roll in a hole and a die and say, oh, we're not going to do anything to you. For every action, there is a reaction. Opposite, in direction, and equal magnitude. But, you don't but, go but, and challenge a state, okay. a nation state. You don't go and challenge a nation state and kill 3,000 people in one so, day and expect them to do nothing. Yes, the civilians You're, plus you're the, shouting. You're really shouting. You need to calm down. Oh, you yes, need to calm I need down. to calm down because I've been hearing a lot of stupidity, but I'm trying to okay. calm down, but I get right, hearing well, more I, stupidity. I, I, I there are, listen, in terms of international law, you have to abide by international law. This is the very uh, reason. We're actually, okay, okay, we're okay. actually abiding no, by no, no, international no. law because are, Hamas uh, is a non state no, actor. Hamas is not a sovereign state. It will not be treated as a sovereign state. And one second. Sorry, everyone calm down a bit. So, Fatah, I think you're being misunderstood. I assume that you recognize, obviously, the slaughter of Israeli babies and women is obviously disgusting and abhorrent. And I'm sure that you understand that. That's I condemn it. I condemn it. Okay. And I always oh, thought go. and I always thought that violence yeah. really, especially in this context, was yeah. actually disproportionate. It then was learn, then learn uh, about it, it white phosphorus. Learn about but, white phosphorus before, know, before the white posting phosphorus. about white phosphorus because but, they are not using white it, phosphorus because white no, phosphorus is used. But they, White phosphorus is used in incendiary munitions. It's not and, used and, against. No, it's not used against. It's yes, yeah. and an illumination. Okay. It's not being so used I, I against really, civilians. I, I feel I know. Where I, I, I want to. I want to talk about. Sorry. Uh, One second, please. Sorry. I don't read people's timelines, so I don't know what people wrote. But I mean, I sorry, I, I had a phone call. As they get here. No worries, you didn't miss anything. We're fine. We're gonna park that for a second and go to a couple other hands. We'll circle back to you, okay? Um, I'm sorry. Remember. Can we talk about international law for a second? Because that's a sticky point yeah, that I'm. No go. Everybody's really with. impatient. Yeah, yeah we're gonna, like we. Everyone who was... raise your hands. Everyone um, raise your hands. Uh, everyone yeah, raise yeah, your yeah, hands. Yeah, you guys have to know hang, that. Hang on. Next... Everyone raise your hands. I will yeah. get to you. We'll no one is going to talk over next? anyone. Yeah. Let's go to Noga and then we'll take it from there. We heard we heard one side, let's hear the other side. Let's go to Noga. Go ahead, Noga. Sorry, on a technical issue. Those of us who are now using X on the computer, and I do because my phone sound is horrible, we no longer have the possibility to raise our hand, which is why we're waving like crazy half the yes, time. Yes, you can wave. Okay, no, yes, yes. Ahead, Noga, uh, okay. no just so you know. Okay. Yeah. Inter the way that international law or Let's talk about the rules of war for a second. The way that they work is as follows. Nobody has 
immediate immunity for any reason. The reason why the rules of war allow the rules of war allow you to limit certain actions when they are not necessary to achieve the war's objective. You have to remember, out of four Geneva Conventions, three do not even deal with civilians. They deal with uh, wounded soldiers at land and at sea and with POWs. This is not a question of innocence. It is a question of ability to hinder the acts of war, which are legitimate. And boy, are they legitimate in this instance. If there is civilian population that is being used as protection for a military target, it is legal within every possible interpretation of international law that exists to harm them. It is definitely legal to harm them. And I'm not saying Israel wants to, but it is definitely legal to do so when they they deliberately choose to stay there, despite the fact that they were told over and over and over again to leave. And it doesn't matter if the reason they're there is because Hamas is keeping them there by force or because they choose to be there. The action is still the same. It is not incumbent upon an enemy to protect civilian population that their own army won't protect. That's not how international uh, laws work, nor would they. So one second. So the laws laws of armed conflict are clear. The the last statement, not so sure of, but it is truly, uh, you know, a civilian target becomes a military target when combatants use it as a military asset. That's a fact. I think most people, though, will still be able to lament the deaths of Palestinians. I I, I want to be very clear about this. I lament the death of every innocent. I'm I'm not. I, I lament it entirely. The difference is that I condemn the people who put them there and not the people who are defending themselves. You know, there, sure. there are a few and, people, and hang on, a few people just shared with me the attack on Al something. I'm sorry. I'm horrible with, re- with reading names, even in, in my own language. Yeah. Um, it wasn't attacked. You know what happened? A missile misfired. Yeah, I know. And Hamas know. Okay. just well, killed 500 Palestinians. Yeah, that is a war crime. Yeah, Israel no, attacking no it to defend itself is not no, no arguing one, no one, that. No one is saying that, though. I, I think I think what Fatria was saying, and <clears throat> you know what, I don't want to argue with Fatria. I want to say something yeah. else. Yeah, I, I want to, and and I will wrap up. The problem with the complacency with Hamas, the problem with allowing it to become as strong as it did and not stop them earlier because of our compassion, because we did not want to hurt the civilians, they were hard hit hiding behind. That is how we got to this situation right now. The reason why we have so many dead on both sides is because we didn't stop it when we were when it was much smaller, because we didn't want to hurt the population Hamas was hiding behind. And I'm not saying that I want to hurt civilian population now, because I don't. What I am saying, however, is if we don't put an end to it, it will put an end to us. And Israel is going to be the start and not the end of a war yeah. between good and evil. You will not be able to stop because I, you have one more I sentence. Yeah, no, because okay. you've you've rejected the moral compass that allows you to react to something like that. There, there is no right. absolute. Let, let, me, let me jump in there now, um, and you can talk. You don't have to go anywhere. So, why I think it's important to hear Noga's point of view, especially to those perhaps on the opposing side, is I think. All too often, 
our, our, our Palestinian and our Arab cousins and brothers on the other side um, have a view that the Israelis relish and rejoice in the deaths of innocent people, or God forbid, they purposely do it. I, I think it's important for you to hear voices like hers that demonstrate that like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, yeah, it's crazy. We don't want anyone to die. We also don't want to die ourselves, and we don't want our children to die. And if we have to attack in order to not die in the future, it's a choice that we have to make. Now, when it comes to fifteen hundred civilians minimum so far being slaughtered and murdered by Hamas and whatever terrorist groups that came in, they have that reason in front of you. Now, they've been saying this for years. Israelis have been saying, we need to blockade Gaza because if they get enough stuff in there, they're going to attack us. And some of you, some of you listeners might be, uh, it might have been those people in the camp that said, oh, no, that's silly. Hamas is just a peaceful, they want resistance and they want to have peace. Well, listen, they have North Korean anti-armor weapons that they've captured from the Hamas terrorists. They have, you know, anti-tank and anti-personnel mines from Russia, uh, from Iran. They have rockets from Iran. Uh, maybe now you see the logic behind why Israel was trying to limit stuff going into Gaza. Uh, and I only mention this because I really, I, we're hearing a lot of Palestinians and their supporters talking about it. Uh, and I want to just do my own disclaimer. I'm a supporter of Palestine. I'm a Jewish guy. I don't see this happening without a two-state solution today. Just no one wants to talk about it, and that's fine. But I mean, you know, regardless of whether... I accept or believe that Palestine was a country or a place and there was a, you know, blah, blah, and whatever, whatever. It's irrelevant what Palestine was. There are several million Arabs, Palestinians, call themselves Palestinians, who live in Palestine, who want a state. And, uh, you know, we could talk about Israeli intransigence under certain governments that weren't very, you know, receptive or, you know, helpful with peace, with the peace process, but nothing, nothing can justify the wholesale slaughter and murder uh, of women, children, babies, a family of t two toddlers and uh, parents tied up and doused with gasoline and set on fire while Hamas terrorists laughed and videotaped it. That video will come out. If you think, and this is why M is so passionate and because he's a very reasonable person, a good friend from Egypt, um, there are people that have come up here and, you, and said that doesn't, you know, the occupation, therefore, what Hamas did was okay, or I won't condemn it, or it's Israel's fault. And so I want to remove emotions. And I, everyone who comes up, I don't look at your profile. Uh, I don't even know how to really. Uh, I don't look what you typed about Biden or about Osama bin Laden. I don't care. I'm going to treat you how you treat me when you talk on the on the space. So I hope that's clear. I don't want to, um, you know, you might have said something dumb once. And, and you know what? I've said something dumb a few times. Ask my mother-in-law. And let's uh, try to get ba bounce back and forth from different voices. And I really want to thank my co-hosts, Michelle and Em. Um, it's a tough job. And you're doing great. And also, Maria Report, we've been broadcasting for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Started with random 50 volunteers from around the world. How else do you think I met Em and Michelle? Uh, we, uh, we do our best to fight disinformation. Um, we look at the uh, axis of, of evil here between Hamas and, and Russia uh, and the funding and the green lighting. It's no coincidence that as Russia's losing uh, seriously on the battlefield in Ukraine, they green light this against Israel to export violence, to distract. Um, let's all try to stay on the right side of history. And I think I like to look at you all as uh, good and good faith and well-intentioned people. So when you do come up, please remember uh, that there's another person listening who might not agree with you at all. In fact, 50% of the people here might think well, you're totally wrong. 
And if you want to try to convince or to put your argument forth, you might want to temper your language. Uh, Joubert is a French philosopher. I don't quote them often, but he says the purpose of a, a, a debate or conversation shouldn't be victory, but progress. So let's progress together. On that note, who can we go to next, Michelle? Let's go to Dakato first, because he's been waiting for a while, and then Tired Kitty. Go ahead, Dakato. I have to do is say Ayatollah three times, and Dakato will come out. Yeah, if you say Ayatollah three times, he might throw up, actually. Um, yeah, but he's in Iran, so his internet is kind of shitty. I don't okay. know if he's glitching we'll or down. not. Yeah, we'll, we'll cycle him down. Go ahead. So, I just wanted right. to say... I also, that... have to, I also have to drop off. I'm, I'm really, really sorry. I'll try to come back later. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for your uh, input there, uh, Noga. Um, I just wanted to say um, thank you so much for the space. It is very important to have these conversations and it is also very important um, to be civil. And um, it is also, I do not have a religion myself, but um, I know that um, Muslims and well um, Jewish people come from the same family. They have um, the same brother, actually the same brothers. Um, and um, it is very important that um, this hatred um, that could be sometimes based on religion stops at some point. Um, I am very sorry uh, for all the pain that you are going through um, and um, since Iran was mentioned um, a few times I just want to say as I'm an Iranian I'm really sorry about the Islamic Republic having a role in what is happening please know that it isn't the will of um, the people of Iran and um, that um, we do not want this to be happening uh, we have our own problems with this regime and um, please know that the chaos that is taking place uh, by the hands of this regime is not something that we wish for in any shape or form. And um, if we can um, help you in any way, we are here for you. Um, so that's all I wanted to say. And thank you so much for thank letting you. me talk. Thank you very much, Tired Kitten. And in the interest of peace, I'm so committed. We trade my mother-in-law. If you want her to go to Iran, that's fine. And no, I'm just kidding. Thanks so much uh, for the sentiment. Um, let's go ahead and she'll kill me. Oh, thank God she doesn't know what the internet is yet. Uh, let's go. Uh, who, who was next? Did you? I think I think Sammy was next. Uh, Sammy, are, are we in a? Are we in a, Off to the races here. Hey, yo, how are you doing? Thank God I'm all you. I appreciate you uh, hosting the space. I appreciate all the minds coming together and looking for progress. Um, I would like to illustrate some points you were mentioning earlier militarily. Um, after days of cutting out water and electricity, the IDF suggested that the resins from the north go down to the south. And as those resins went down south, they were bombarded with bombs, everything. You, you can look at it. They're actual photos of people dying yep. as they're fleeing for their this safety. Video. Yes. Yeah. And when you, we talk Sammy, about you, you the morals that? and ethics wait, wait, of a, a military, sir, sir. when they Sammy, when they ask Sammy, for Sammy, let me ask you a question. Sammy, people, they are separate. Sammy, regarding me, regarding the evacuation bombings, there are separate incidents. And is this man not allowed to talk without being interrupted? Uh, I mean, no, yeah. no, no name, he is allowed to talk, Noga, but, but because of the BBC, Noga, it would be. oh, for God's sake, okay. let's no, not no, do no, this. No, no, Listen, no. The M, M, there M, M, are separate M, incidents. M, I remember our deal. I moderate your people, you moderate mine, okay? All right, 
That's our plan. That's our construction. I'm sorry. How are you, um, representing Please don't be sorry. Please don't be sorry. Please don't be sorry. Please, please just rather be quiet. No, it's okay. It's okay. Sammy, it's okay. I so, Sammy, I, I want, I want to get to the bottom of, of. So, like, if I interject, I'm not, I'm not attacking you, and I, I'm not shutting you down. Um, remember, we talked about progress, right? So, people shut Correct. off when they hear things they vehemently disagree with or know to be untrue. I want to ask you some basic logic questions, and I'm not. It's not a gotcha moment. Um, Israel, you, no, you're good. Do you think that Israel's? Do you think Israel's concerned with a civilian deaths? I mean, I'd like to think that you realize that Israel does not want a huge civilian casualty while attacking. Hamas. Israel's that, been killing we... civilians for decades. Oh, okay, so that's it's been the killing civilians is... for decades. Well, okay, so, so you made your comment. So, so you don't. It, think it has Israel's... though. It has. Though. Uh, I, I, they could be concerned answering... with civilians, but they've no, killed but civilians for decades. It wasn't the question. Let's try to just answer. But it was the question. question. No, I said, do you think Israel? It wants to kill civilians. It's yes or no. Not do they want so the to kill no. civilians? Yes. Well, if we yes. look at pre, yes. if we look yes. at the okay. actions, so the if yes. we look okay. at the actions okay. over no, no, decades, no, 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 no. you would stop, suggest stop, stop. that we're already we're we're already failing at a very simple task. I'm trying. I'll get to you. I'll concede to your point. So let's just, just stop. So you believe Israel wants to kill civilians? Well, I'm trying to explain to you. Fifty percent of the people in here think that's crazy. They're going to say, of course, they don't want to kill civilians because they want there to be peace in the end. And if you kill civilians willy nilly, Sammy, guess what? There isn't. There isn't peace. So what I would suggest is in the in the comment you made, when you just say it and then roll through it, you have to understand no one no one on the other side believes you. So if you like yelling into the ether that Israel sucks and I'm right and I'm oppressed, you you could do it, but you're going to get tired. So what I'm trying to say is, you would you be open to the suggestion that perhaps Israel doesn't want to act, does not, does not target civilians, but it has killed civilians in targeting of terrorists? If you want to say they're not doing a good enough job, that's a legitimate argument, dude. But when you say 100 no, percent, that's what I'm trying to say. Fair that enough. is exactly. Okay. And then you have getting cornered okay. into saying if they okay. they, they so, want so, to kill civilians. That's yeah, exactly so, what I'm indicating. Is okay, that so? He, so here, but your point about the evacuation. Yes. Okay, so what, what I'm saying, let's leave the logic here. Israel wants America's support, yes? It wants Europe's support, yes? I, I think the answer it. is yes. Okay, and it wants, it wants to retain it. If American public thought that Israel was literally telling poor, innocent Palestinians, hey, we want you to go to this area to evacuate, and then they're like, Haha, watch this, and they're blowing them up on purpose, that would be bad. I think we'd all agree. and mouse game. It's a cat yeah. and mouse game they play. So you think they actually want Palestine? So here's my here's I think my it opposing, happened. I, I, I here's my opposing point of view. Don't you? Is no, I, I don't think Israel. You don't think people target. were killed no, I, I, on their I, way fleeing after an issued I, statement I, by I, the IDF. I, 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 I I'll answer the question. Uh, no, I don't think the IDF killed them. I think Hamas killed several. There there were roadside explosions, IEDs on the evacuation route that killed a fl- that hit a flatbed truck. So it must have been command detonated. And 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 yes, I think Hamas from my actually I, I want to ask Sammy, 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 do you yes, have sir. do you have yes, do you have LNG do you have LNG conversion in in Gaza? Do you convert ca- cars uh, working on gasoline to LNG in Gaza or not? I don't know. I'm asking. عندكم حطات تحويل غاز بتحول العربية من غاز من بنزين لغاز ولا لا? Listen, I, I'm not in Gaza. I'm not in Gaza. Do you know? Do you know if they convert cars I'm, I'm, from I'm, gasoline I'm to LNG? I'm aware of what they do with their cars. I'm aware of their 
wanting I am to asking. I don't know. I don't okay, know. Sammy, I'm That's asking you a question. Sammy, Sammy, I'm asking you a question. Do you know? I don't know. Do you know if know. there I is? I don't know. I don't okay. know. And I, I so one of the cars on that blew up, one of the cars that blew up, one of the cars that blew up in a convoy had an LNG tank in the back and the tank blew up. The video so the where the car... What's the source on yes. that? Well, is this hearsay or is this the BBC? Reported? Everyone is analyzing BBC, it. Every single one analyzing it and saying that that specific incident, we, that specific we. incident. You were you were talking specific... about different sources. Fact no, Sammy, 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 please, to... please listen, please listen, yes, Sammy. Everyone right. analyzed that video, 30 frames per second, and they didn't find any projectile. They didn't find any air-to-surface projectile hitting the vehicle. That's one incident. There are other incidents, by the way. I'm just saying that there was one incident where there was an airstrike, but there was also an incident where a car suddenly blew up. And everyone trying to analyze it through open source because we don't have access to the Gaza Strip right now and we can't visit the site and we can't collect the, 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 the evidence and go through forensic analysis to find out exactly what happened at that site specifically. So everyone looking at that video, analyzing it by 30 frames per second, didn't find any air-to-surface projectile attacking the convoy. So... The agreement or the consensus that it's either an IED, an, an improvised explosive device planted on the side of the road, or a car that was converted to work on LNG instead of working on gasoline, and something happened when the guy was filling his tank up before he started driving, and the tank blew up. Because the Brother, combustion we itself is not consistent. Is. The combustion you, Earlier in this conversation, you didn't want to engage yeah. in what ifs. And now you All are. Right. So, 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 so. And it's okay. I understand. You're sticking with passion, and that's that's good. I, that's what's going to progress. That's Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. Balash al-Tanaha Falastuniya di lausabhat. Sammy, isma ba. I'm saying there are separate incidents. So when you make a statement and say they are bombing convoys, this statement is not 100 percent true because it is separate incidents, and one of them had been analyzed, and people arrived at a conclusion that it's either an IED or an LNG tank blowing up. That's that's the only interjection that's I'm trying okay. to add here. Fair enough, fair mm -hmm. enough. So, 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 so Sammy, I think, I, yes, think, I think what I'm trying, what if it's anything I could give you, it's not going to be to convert you to my, my frame of uh, reference. It's just I want you to understand, when you start the conversation, I think people are so used to being in echo chambers by saying, well, since we know the Israelis told them to go here and then they killed a bunch of them by playing cat and mouse game. I want you to understand you, you've now alienated, not me, but the majority of people that you want to understand I, I, your perspective. I don't believe I alienated anybody. I, I illustrated no, you, you something did. that happened. <laughs> I Listen, no, I, because, I, I really because I condemn reality. all the innocents lost from all over the world. But, all Sam, over the Sam, world, Sam, not exclusively to this conflict. Work, work, work with me. Work with me. Yes, work with sir. me. If you That's want, if you want, us. if you want to have progress with Israel-Palestine, the first mm -hmm. thing that I always do, and I have many Palestinian have, friends in Canada, I don't start with Hamas killed my cousin and then mutilated his brother. Body. I didn't say I'll, that. I did not no, say that. No, you no, keep no, you, you no, keep exacerbating my claims. No. And I, sorry, sorry, you're not you're not you're not understanding me. Maybe there's a delay on the mic. So I'll just say this clearly. When I I, I had a family member murdered by Hamas and mutilated, I have never once looked at a Palestinian friend of mine and said, "All Palestinians, or when you people did this, or when you did that, 
because it doesn't get me anywhere. I'm not going to I'm not going to influence anything if I do that. So what I'm asking is if there is a statement and the Israelis, for example, the government denies it. And maybe you should start with, well, the Israeli government denies this, but I think that they purposely sent them to do that. Then that's something we can address. But you can't say it as as de facto reality or truth. He's sleeping. Brother, you brother, but you, speak on, you speak on right? other issues with de facto reality. So it's okay for you to do it, but it's not okay for me. And that's a hypocrisy. And I, I appreciate you, Brother Yehud. You're a very good guy, and I understand. I'm not trying to lay nearly any, anybody. I welcome everybody. Yeah. I want I, everybody I, to receive I, great I, information. I, but also, I, I, it needs to be great information. I'm a hypocrite. No, you're the, not. The you're not a hypocrite. The, not at all, brother. Yeah. We all yeah. do things. I, right. I myself engage yeah. in hypocrisy at times because we're not perfect. We're not perfect. Right. And I no, appreciate so, so what I'm you 100%. Is, what, I'm, what, I, what I'm saying is I, 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 ha, I don't say things that I don't know to be true. So in other words, I don't know how many babies were killed by Hamas. I don't I don't I know there were, but I don't say a number because I'm not sure it's irrelevant as well. So in other words, I, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here. But when you say something that no Israelis ever admitted to doing and no one's verified except for, say, Hamas radio, I think that you should be cautious. That's all. So let's go on with your with your rest of your point. I, I will say this, actually. I was going to say this earlier to you. From what you said, I would argue and say the, the following to you. I think that Israel's strategy, and you know what Occam's razor is, I think Israel's strategy is to uh, remove as many civilians from northern Gaza as possible to attack Hamas with impunity, and then switch them around, moving the north and do the same in the south, and then turn over the Gaza Strip to, the, to Mahmoud Abbas. That's my thing. And I think they will do what they can militarily to achieve those aims. I don't think they're trying to expel the uh, Palestinians. And that would be my response to you. So your, your thoughts or anyone's claim that Israel is purposely telling Palestinians to go to an area just to bomb them, it makes no sense to me. No, no, no. Nobody said that. We, we, this is a reality-based claim. They asked them to flee for their safety. And in their fleeing for their safety, they were bombarded. And it could be from anything. By okay, I'll give you that. But however, okay. this, is, this is an atrocity. And these atrocities have gone on for decades. I I appreciate the space. I really do. Um, I want to indicate this point. When you cut off water and electricity to people, there's many things that go on in their mind, the food, everything. You know, the, this thirst deprivation, and to do that to a people, people, everyone around the world think that it's it's wrong. And these are things. I mean, I, people live in fear. Either you, you're different. I mean, it's good that you differentiate. Hamas from all of the Palestinian people. But there's people in the West Bank right now where its water supply is being cut off. It's being cut off in the West Bank where there's no, they are not with Hamas at all, and it's being cut off. They're, 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 they're living in a state of fear. They cannot communicate. They can't communicate like you or me because they're going to be targeted because they cannot have that type of communication letting out those true stories that people can relate to like you and I could. And that's that. That's a travesty. The the the, the silencing of information and sure the of the Palestinian people has not gone unnoticed. And even though they're being silenced, they won't be silenced for longer than okay. this. Okay. Well, thank you. We're thank you for your time. Comment, Sammy. We'll take those comment. Thank you for your contribution, uh, Michelle. Who is next? Let's just go to Craig first, because I think you wanted something to add here. And if that's a totally different topic, Craig, uh, we'll come back to you. 
No, not at all. It's 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 pretty prescient. The the I think it would be helpful if we just played role reversal. Let's imagine for just a moment that Gaza, the West Bank, are full of Israelis and Jews, and let's imagine that Israel is Palestine, and though they are full of you know it's a Muslim majority area, right? There are some Jews that are in the Palestinian parliament. There are some Jews that are allowed to vote in in the Palestinian elections and things like that. And it's two million Jews. And and these Jews run across the border and slaughter 2000 innocent Palestinian people. Let's just imagine that for a second. It was the Jews that broke out of Gaza and said, uh, we want to kill. They declare it in their statement, in their charter and everything that they've written down. This group of Jews that has not held an election for 20 years says that the state of goal is to kill all the Muslims in this area. That is Palestine. The people in the West Bank at a, at a popular level support that same idea. So now you have a lot of popular Jews, populist Jews in the West Bank that support killing all the Muslims that exist in the area that now is Israel. And then you have a, a, a 50,000 Jews in the south of Lebanon with sophisticated rockets, with sophisticated technology, with the ability to activate tens of thousands of fighters with the support of a very large Jewish country that we'll just call Iran for right now. And Iran is a very Jewish state. In fact, they've called for the death of all Muslims that exist in Palestine, and they fund all three of those areas, the West Bank, Gaza, and and Southern Lebanon. Let's imagine that world for a second. After the event that the Jews broke through the barrier and slaughtered thousands of Muslims because they were Muslim, right? It would be relatively difficult. I'm just going to hypothesize here. It would be relatively difficult for the government of Palestine that is majority Muslim to say, you know what? They got a point by killing all those people that, you know what? That's a really good point. And, you know, we really have been mean to them and we haven't really treated them fairly. And, and, you know, I understand they say they want to kill all the Muslims and they want to do this and they want to do that. But you know what? Let's sit down and negotiate over this. Let's sit down and talk about this. Hamas at no level, either Hezbollah, has said at a fundamental level that they will sit and negotiate with Israel for a peace. Not a single one of them. So if you have all these Jews that are surrounding Palestine and Palestine is Muslim, at what point would that government of Palestine be incentivized to talk, sit down and talk with all these murderous, slaughtering Jews who broke across the border, raped your wives, killed your children, killed innocent men, broke up a music festival and did all the rest of this stuff. At what point are they incentivized to negotiate with people like that? Because there is no incentivization. The only incentivization they have is to protect their people from another group of people, let's call them Jews, that want to slaughter every single Muslim and have said as much since 1988, and I'll even go back one step further. In 1941, there was the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem that met with Adolf Hitler in 1941, met with Adolf Hitler and said, our number one stated goal is to kill every single Jew that exists in what we call Israel now. That was his, that was exactly what he said. And Hitler said, great idea. That's exactly right. And you can't get past the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem going to him. And guess when he died? He didn't die in the world. He didn't die in World War II. 
He died peacefully in his bed in 1974 as a de facto leader of the Palestinian movement after the War of Independence in 1948, after the Six-Day War in 1967, after the Yom Kippur War in 1973. He was leading this movement not to affect a relationship with Jews that lived in that area. He did it because he said, the Jews just have to die. And a guy in Berlin at the time thought that was a really good idea. At no yeah. point. Sorry, that's it. Yeah, Yeah. no, 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 no. Some point, Hajimina Husseini, who Craig is referring to, was the uh, titular head of uh, eventually the Arab Higher Committee and uh, was made Mufti of Jerusalem through his family connections, wasn't the most scholarly person. And unfortunately, he was a rabid anti-Semite. Um, a lot to talk about uh, Hajimina al Husseini. At perhaps a later time, I do want to get some other voices here. We have Tawab and we have Saeed. Why don't you two fight it out instead of you and me? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, who's first? We'll go Tawab or Saeed. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you so much. Uh, Yehuda, thank you for holding this space. Since it is recorded, I'm not going to speak about my wonderful, amazing mother-in-law, but I guess... You're smarter you than me. <laughs> uh my master's is in political psychology, and I give religious sermons in my area, uh, Islamic religious sermons, of You're course. Yes, uh, uh, I could be a far better person, but I'm working on that. So this past Friday, I gave a sermon. I made it an effort to go to the university. Um, the, it was a 45-minute drive to go to the university and give a, uh, give a khutbah or a sermon there. Uh, just because I thought it very important for the youth to hear what I had to say, because emotions run much higher with them. So to make it's a long khutbah, a long sermon, so I'll I'll give you just a, a slight uh, one sentence of it. My overall message to the group was that look, use this opportunity to reach out across the aisle and hold forums. Reach out to Hilal or whatever Jewish organizations there and hold a forum and rise above this us versus them mentality as difficult as it may be and listen to each other's side of the story. I swear to you, this is like not just for them, for all of us. When we listen to each other's side of the story, oh my God, the light bulbs go off, go on and we see a completely different uh, side of everything. So, unfortunately, politicians, for the most part, has failed us. And I believe that, that there's not going to be a silver bullet that overnight you're going to have peace. You're not. You need a grassroots movement of made up of from people from both sides who, who put, come together and actually pursue peace. And that will be far more effective than any state pursuing anything. And I'm not, I don't believe in pushing for normalization as uh uh what's his name um as netanyahu pushes for i believe there needs to be harmonization if you don't harmonize you can't have sustainability uh this normalization is putting a lipstick on a pig and it's just gonna eventually backfire unless you harmonize at a grassroots level now more importantly hamas is a symptom of a much deeper ailment Making the Israeli-Palestinian issue just as a Hamas issue is not going to solve them anything. If, if there was no Hamas today, I guarantee you there would still be a conflict. 
You know, the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank, they signed the Oslo Peace Agreement, uh, peace accords, 30 years ago. They recognized Israel as a state. They ceased their military resistance. They have no military, and they only have a police force. But they got them nowhere. They're still occupied. They're not free. Even their kids are at times jailed. Settlers have continued to usurp land. And uh, there's 56,000 Palestinian homes that have been demolished. Um, the international community, the, every U.S. president in the past four years have pushed, have uh, constantly pushed that you need to stop the settler, the settler confiscation of land in the West Bank. And yet it has kind of gone on in deaf years. Now, when it comes to Gaza, since 2006, Israel con controls complete access to air, land, and sea to Gaza. Amnesty International refers to it, and Human Rights Watch, as an open-air prison. It, others call it a cage. There are no airports that I can take a flight and go land in Gaza. All travel needs to be, anybody who's going in and out, needs to uh, all all that travel needs to be approved by israeli intelligence and sometimes it can take months so people who want to pursue their education they can't they miss out the semester because the approvals don't come in time so tell them, let, let, let's address that you made a lot of points so let's address that so what's the I, israeli response to that let me may, may i just finish my uh, sure. few more, couple more thoughts so many good points then, but okay because i just don't want to i don't want to lose sight of them Sure. Uh, uh, so electricity, water, food, medicine are all controlled going in and out of Gaza. So from and from what I know, there's only like two hours of electricity that they get per day. And unemployment is at 50 percent. They live an impoverished life Why? like animals. Why, I'll, get Why, I'll get there. I'll Why? get there. Why? There was an agreement. You're not supposed to speak. Yeah, who that's supposed no, to manage? No, no, no. <laughs> let, let, just let no but finish. seriously, why? But why no, no, are no, those no, conditions in place? No, we can, I, can, I can, I can, name you so another hundred conditions. Why are they in place? If any one of us were living there today, we would be suicidal. I kid you not. We would be suicidal. So scholars and experts have kept warning that Gaza is a ticking time bomb, and no one cared. And between 2006 and 2023, there's been five separate wars between Gaza and Israel, and it didn't go anywhere. Now, having said that, uh, I, I mean, not to, uh, not to, there's a professor, his name is Professor Dmitry Shumsky. He's, he teaches at uh, Hebrew University currently. He basically said that, look, Netanyahu for years developed and advanced a warped, destructive political doctrine that strengthens Hamas at the expense of the Palestinian Authority. And, it would, and he basically thinks it would be good for Israel. It would divide the Palestinians, undermine the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank, and make it easy for Netanyahu to claim that there is no path to a Palestinian state. You know, uh, Tal Schneider for the yeah. Jerusalem Post basically said the same thing in a 2019 we did get that we did this by a previous speaker we are aware that if you if this is a conversation of netanyahu is not interested in the peace process you you win the argument no one's arguing with you there but let, let's just go back this is what this is let me just ask you and, and m wants to talk about it because the why is a big deal we keep talking about let's talk about the roots let's talk about the why but let me ask you something have palestinians wanted a state for a long time yes or no just i'm not trying to trick you they wanted to stay for a long time? 
Yes. Of course. Right? Okay. And, and, and they've really, they've really wanted to exercise their sovereignty and to be a player on the world stage. Yes or no answers. Yes. I'm going to answer for you. Okay. Um, to the Israeli mind, which is the mind that you need to get into, not mine, not, not M your mind. You you want to get into the Israelis mind. The Israelis look at 2005 and say, you got Gaza, no strings attached, no blockade. Here's an international airport. Here's a port, a naval port. Go, go get her. And they feel betrayed because within two years, Hamas officials, um, Hafata officials are being thrown off buildings and a genocidal terrorist organization takes over. You talked about blockades and intelligence and all the problems that Gazans have getting in. Well, you, you know the answer to that. It's last Saturday. That's your answer. So can you understand the Israeli disinclination to assist in traffic across the border when that border is run by a group of people who ostensibly you would call a terrorist too. I don't think you'd want to kill me. And I don't think you're going to quote Hadith or irrelevant or, you know, not, not relevant Hadith uh, to talk about uh, trees uh, telling you where I am so you could kill me. That's what Hamas chose to put in their charter. No one forced them. So, you know, to the listener who's not from the region, to the listener who hears, you get, you know, I, I, I hate it when we go through this list of grievances. You know, this would happen. And I could say before that happened, my family were second class citizens under Muslims. And every time if there was a farhood or anything that wanted to happen, there was no recourse. We just had to deal with it. And there ergo Arabs, Muslims back. I mean, you, and you can't argue with you. I could list the grievances off. I have cousins from Lebanon whose grandfather was kidnapped every month or two and ransomed. This was in the 70s. And that's what would happen. That's how they, the, his neighbors made money by rants, by kidnapping his grandfather. Now, do I say, you know, well, let's, no, we can list grievances ad nauseum. You want to talk about change and progress and peace. There has to be a coming, there, there has to be a demonstration of the Palestinians, like the West Bank, uh, Fatah, uh, Abbas initially came out and said, oh, I support Hamas, I'm, I'm, you know, Harakat Hamas, Mukawama, this, that, and the other. And guess what? He had to walk it back because smarter people said, are you dumb? Well, how are we going to have two states if we're, if we're gleefully enjoying the murder of babies? So, the, you know, we can list grievances, but, you know, I would argue every grievance you've just said, I would I would lay, I would lay solely on the squares of Hamas. You talk about Netanyahu. Yeah, you got us. If I'm an Israeli, you got us. Netanyahu doesn't care. Netanyahu doesn't care about Israel, I would argue. Personally, he doesn't care. Judicial reforms alienate the whole country, take a bunch of lunatics into his government. who No one likes or respects. One of them is a convicted terrorist. Uh, hello, you're not gonna. You don't have to prove to me nothing or anything. Don't even, I don't even want to hear his name. But you had Rabin, you, you know, you had Barack, you had Omert. Gosh, that's a lot of opportunities you had. Not you personally. I'm not attacking you. So, so all I'm saying is, even though this doesn't change the the fact that a Palestinian life is taken, an uh, innocent person dies, or an innocent Israeli, it doesn't change any of those facts. But it should change the way in which we view the situation. I personally look at Hamas as absolutely over the moon when civilians die because that's their currency and you should know that you know they rejoice and they, they said we love death like you like life like it's an insult i'd like to think they're lying and they love life too you sound like a person who loves life em is a person who loves life why are we kowtowing why and my mother-in-law and my mother-in-law don't forget mother that there you go both of them maybe we should both give up our mother-in-laws for the sake of peace uh, M wanted to respond. Let's be kind to each other. Uh, M, and then I'm going to have to drop off. That's a bit. as difficult that may be. I'm willing to consider that sacrifice. Thank you, sir.
I appreciate it. You and me both. All right. Uh, I'm going to uh, turn it over May to Michelle and Yeah, yeah who oh, you want to fit? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to add a couple of points. Look, I, I, I grew up uh, in Long Island, New York. So, uh, you know, there's a large Jewish community there. So I grew up with Jews and I had friends and worked uh, with them. So I know I even, you know, during my college years, I was in a Jewish suite or a fraternity that was completely Jewish, uh, part of the Jewish fraternity. So I do have a intrinsic uh, understanding of the other side, a, a better understanding of the other side. And, and um, one thing that is a legitimate concern that needs to be addressed, and this is why I keep saying harmonize, not normalize, is that you know, from the Jewish perspective, they're saying, look, if we allow a, 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 a Palestinian state to arise, it may be only a matter of time for them to get strong and then attack us. And that's a legitimate fear, concern, vulnerability. And that's why I think the harmonization is more important than the normalization. That, that's one. Subsequently, to your point, I wish that, you know, Gaza is... Hamas is terrible. They've done all these terrible things. And you, whatever you want to call them, just like uh, you said about Netanyahu, let's say I agree with you and that's, that's fine and uh, we move on. I wish Israel then made a, an example of the West Bank that's to the Gazans to say, look, if you pursued peace, this is what your life would be like. You would be free and you would have all these rights. But that's not the case in the West Bank, right? They're still suffering. They're still under occupation. Settlers still confiscate their land. So it's not just a Gaza issue. It's a Palestinian issue on the West Bank as well. And that's what I'm trying to say. And yeah. look, I and the, know... Israel, the, the Israeli will respond to you and say, well, we weren't in Gaza, yet you came over and slaughtered 1,500 of our babies. Exactly. So that's the, what the, I wanted the, to the, say. The, the work permits out of Gaza. The work permits were increased. Look, listen, let me explain something to you. Um, Just as terror is used as a revolving door uh, with the PA in the past and less so now, um, settlements are used by Netanyahu governments usually. Um, When it comes time, Ariel Sharon was the champion of the settler movement. If you don't know that, you don't know Israel. I'm not saying you, but to a listener, Ariel Sharon. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Ariel Sharon was the, he he made Netanyahu look like a Boy Scout. Okay. When he said, you know what, there are people that will hate me, uh, we're getting out of Gaza. You know what, let's, let's rip the band-aid off. Let them, get, let them have at it. Let them go and do it. They say they want this peace, they want this space, let them do it. Well, Gaza failed. All right, so you're going to have to, you know, you, you, can't, you cannot ask Israel to say be less lenient on Hamas in Gaza when they gave it to them or gave it to the Palestinians to return it to the Palestinians, if you want to use that language, and nothing came of it. The international airport, Gonzo. All right. You know, you had all the opportunities there. That side had all the opportunities and they squandered it. Who got rich? How many billions of dollars does Suha Arafat have? How many billions of dollars is Khaled, Khaled Mishal, Ismail Haniya? They're not poor people. You know, you know when, 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 the, when the leadership of the Israeli state retires. They usually go to a farm and milk cows. Ben-Gurion died on a farm. 
Sharon on a farm. They weren't living at large. And we're going to get our own Netanyahu to join Ismail Haniyeh soon with his billions. Maybe not it's just a bit of a joke. But but you know where are the, where is the commitment from the leadership at the Palestinian side and the governmental side to say, hey, we need to make those sacrifices. We need to tone to tone down that 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 education. And you know exactly what education I'm talking about. You know what the, I'm I'm sure you know what's in those textbooks, whether it's in West Bank or Gaza. Um, if you there, want, no, I would push back on that, Yehuda. I would push back on that, Yehuda. Which part? I mean, if you t- uh, on the fact on the West Palestinian West Bank side, look, since two two thousand, sorry, nineteen ninety three, when they signed the Oslo Peace Agreement, they they recognized Israel as a state. They ceased armed resistance completely. There's been not one encounter of a West Bank military offensive against Israel. So I think, yeah, it, are they perfect? No. No. What about what you know, about the We have Karine? to deal with no, the, uh, neither, is, neither is neither Sharon or or, or yeah. Netanyahu no, but, for that matter. So, but, but, but we but still on. have you, to. You, there are far better to easy deal with than Hamas. There's but a major. Not, there's a major point. To deal with them. There, there's a major point that I can't agree with you. And you said they didn't do anything. They totally accepted peace. That's not true. The Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade. You know, there are lots of. It was not. It wasn't happy sunshine rainbows um, after Oslo. We all know the second Antifada was kicked off. We all, you know, if you want to really get granular, just look at uh, Barack and, and 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 Arafat. Barack was giving everything. He he's the one who said we're going to seed uh, the Temple Mount, the holiest site in Judaism. We're going to say it's yours. We have everything under the ground. You have everything on top. That was the bridge too far. So you had the opportunity, or not you, sorry, the Palestinian leadership had the opportunity. Arafat thought he could wait it out and win a demographic Yuh- war. That's, Yehuda, that's who, was the, say. who was the Israeli prime minister that was assassinated? Rabin. Rabin. And when was he assassinated? 94. So he was assassinated by a Jew, if I'm not, if I'm, if I recall yes. correctly. Obviously, yes. Uh, yeah, so, so Itzhak Rabin was trying to make peace in the in there, and the orthodox, a uh, very, very orthodox, very conservative Jew, killed him because he didn't agree with it. So you don't see people in the West Bank or or in Gaza say, "Hey, you know what? Leader of Hamas is trying to make peace. Let's go ahead and uh, oh nope, sorry, the extremists went off. The, oh wait, they did that too, right? Except Israel didn't put into their charter we need to kill all the Palestinians." It was the it was Hamas that has kept that in their charter since 1988. And they cannot it, you, it can be glossed over. It can be waxed over. It can be painted over. But no matter how many layers you put on it, how much shine you put on it, there is a regime that exists in Gaza that exists for one purpose, and that's to kill Jews. So yeah. until Hamas is ready but, to do that, there's no intention. To what made a good point, it's tough to conflate the Palestinian movement writ large with just Hamas. So on that point, let's just go to Intel Schizo and then we're going to go over to Fateha. Go ahead. Yeah, Huda, thank you for hosting me. I'm going to head out, but I appreciate Thanks, at man. least hearing each other's side. Thank you. Thanks uh, for that, Tawab. Uh, Starving to feel left out. I know. You're, you're still my my favorite. Um, and 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 a very quick uh, note to our listeners. You know, if you're going to send me uh, messages, if you're going to say that I'm Mossad, if you're going to say I'm not Muslim, if you're going to send abuse my way, it's not going to change my position. It's not going to make me feel bad. It's not going to make me feel sorry for myself. Grow up. You've yeah, been doing this for years. And yeah, you know what? Of anyone isn't I, you know, so I, I'm, I'm happy to hear voices from New York. I'm happy to hear voices from London. I'm happy to hear voices from all over the world. 
I have been living in this region for 40 years. I have been the one reading the news about uh, the Arab-Israeli conf conflict for 36 years ever since I started reading. I've been the one watching the massacres every day on the internet, on television. I've been the one who had to see my uh, father do this, my grandfather do that, my uncle do this, my uncle do that. I am the one in the family that lost, what, three, five, seven men dying for war in wars, fighting this conflict. So please, for the love of God, you know, Keep your abuse to yourself. You're not making me feel sorry for myself or feeling me bad about myself. You're not going to shake my position. If anything, it says more about you than it says about me. At least yeah. I have something to stand up for. Yeah, no, no abuse is tolerated. If you're going to bother people and, 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 and then you get blocked from the room, that's on you. Um, Emma is uh, one of the most, uh, you know, caring and, and, and educated Muslims I know. Uh, he could talk to anyone. He could compete with anyone. Um, on, on matters of faith and, and belief. Um, so there's that. Um, let's go to Intel. Well, well, my grandfather wrote a book about it. I doubt that they would challenge that, but yeah, Intel. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Adi. I'm just on the road. Uh, so if I drop out due to the bad cell service, I'll uh, just go to the back of the line and try to come back up again. Uh, yeah, so I don't know who the speaker was uh, just because I'm driving. Uh, the speaker earlier that was kind of going through some statistics, right, of uh, the Gaza Strip, you know, like unemployment, the water. It's like, you're not wrong on those statistics, but we go back to kind of the, um, the, the mechanisms on, like, the why and how, the infrastructure, the way it is, right? When Israel occupied the Gaza Strip from 76 to 2005, right? They built a desalination plant. They built uh, wastewater treatment plants. They built um, uh, wells to tap into the aquifer that sits underneath Gaza Strip. There's a really large freshwater aquifer underneath Gaza that was tapped into. And when Israel pulled out, they handed all that infrastructure over. There's also a giant uh, nursery, the largest nursery for growing uh, plants in the Middle East. The Gazans tore that down within a year, and you're not wrong on the statistics of you know like you know the unemployment, the, uh, the water. Uh, but what happened to the let's say the water infrastructure in particular, right? There's a, a water pipeline that goes from Israel into Gaza, correct? Um, but what happened to the wastewater treatment plant and the aquifer? The Gazans destroyed their own infrastructure. They destroyed the wastewater treatment plant. They have not maintained the desalination plant, and they've rerouted their sewage lines into the aquifer, so they contaminated their own freshwater drinking supply, making it so that Israel, and Israel doesn't even provide the majority of the water into Gaza. It's Egypt, just like Egypt provides about 20% of the electrical needs. Uh, so when people go, oh, the blockade from Israel, it's only somewhat effective because Egypt's been having to pick up the slack due to all the infrastructure that has been destroyed since 2005. Uh, again, 20% of the electricity, most of the electricity is going to the hospital. So when you hear like all oh, the hospital is going to run out of electricity, the 20% of that electric supply from Egypt is going into critical infrastructure such as hospitals uh, in the Gaza Strip. And the majority of the water doesn't even come from that pipeline from Israel. It comes from aid from Egypt. Um, and again, there was infrastructure in the Gaza Strip 
and the Gazans elected to destroy their own infrastructure because it was built by the Israelis. Um, and so it, it's a horribly humanitarian crisis, but this was self-inflicted on themselves. They had the infrastructure, they didn't maintain it, and Hamas specifically has bragged in terms of water pipelines uh, within the past two years. They've made several propaganda videos showing them ripping up the water lines given to them by the UN and um, uh, a European Union aid mission that rebuilt the pipelines for the aquifer. And Hamas bragged about ripping apart the pipeline and turning it into rockets. And they also bragged about taking components from their desalination plant and turning it into rockets. Um, but that's kind of like the mechanics of the infrastructure and what happened to it leading to the awful conditions with the statistics, you know, 40% unemployment and the uh, vast majority having issues with water and electricity and poverty. These things were not in a vacuum cut like that just happened. It wasn't Israel that Israel built all that infrastructure. And since 2005, after the locals destroyed their infrastructure, Egypt has been a really great partner to the Palestinians in assisting them in meeting basic needs. Grand Egypt's built a giant border wall and has made very strict uh, migration measures. But Egypt has really stepped up on the infrastructure side uh, over the past 15, 20 years. All right. Thank you. I'm going to have to turn it over soon. Uh, but uh, was it? Uh... It was me. You, you missed me. That's right. <laughs> uh, thank you, Yehuda, for um, for the space once again. And I'm really sorry um, that M is actually getting trolled. But to be honest, I mean, everyone these days is getting trolled. Because the first thing that actually just it gets lost uh, in a war is the truth. And everyone has their own truth or their own understanding of what the truth is. And then if they don't like, you know, to hear what, what's been said, you know, you, you do get attacked. So it's, it's, it's sad. But free speech, to be honest, is, is really uh, the, the cornerstone of democracy. And on that point, knowing that, say, Israel is known democracy in the Middle East. And yes, there are pitfalls for every democracy, which is if corruption becomes, uh, uh, you know, proliferated and, and it becomes sort of the, 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 the thing that actually um, destabilizes society, it can happen. I mean, corruption exists in every country around the world. No one can say that they are corruption free. Um, but in terms of the Middle East, really, it's an essential thing that we need to kind of reflect upon. So in terms of what we've been discussing today is what the situation is for both sides. And we really have to think about this in terms of humanity and in terms of what govern us um, uh, as a human being to kind of to kind of we shouldn't even be taking sides. We should be looking at this from a very you know, objective view. And anyone that has studied history understands that history itself is subjective. We have our own interpretations of past events, but we need to learn the lessons the lessons from, from the Second World War. We have a Geneva Convention. How did that come about? Something dreadful happened in the Second World War. And that's why we have institutions today that have, you know, that has evolved from, from you know, from the, the aftermath of the Second World War. So, in, and when we're looking at this conflict in particular, it's been going on for too long, 75 years. And when I think of the words of someone like uh, 
Hannah Arundas, for instance, who talks about banality of evil. You can't stand aside and ignore um, an injustice. Uh, or in, in, in terms of in terms of how how, you know, she wrote that she wrote her, her works based on what was happening in Germany uh, at the time when the Jewish Holocaust was happening and, and the persecutions and the oppressions and the ghettoization and all of these things. She was wondering how could normal people, normal, regular Germans would stand by and let this atrocities just happen. And what we have today is something similar. What we have today, not just in uh, Israel and Palestine, but across the board, because there are conflicts happening around the world. There, are, there is an inhumanity, um, you know, because the inhumanity of our situation as people is that their humanity itself is under pressure. We are under pressure to conform to specific ideas or ideologies or values um, that sometimes don't align with some of the things that we grew up with. And I can understand where M is coming from. I can understand how he kind of perhaps wants to view particular events in history and applies them to his own kind of way of thinking. We no, are progressive. No, I well, don't function uh, that way. I'm an, I'm an analyst. I'm ideologically promiscuous and I don't take sides. <laughs> well, excellent. You see, that's good for you. But not a lot of people have actually evolved to that level of, of, of kind of uh, uh, self-actualization. Uh, well, well, but to be honest, to be honest, this issue, what it brought into our attention is what govern us as, 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 you know, as an international community? Because what's happening in Israel cannot be separated from, uh, from, from elsewhere. Because any conflict that, has, that happens now, today, in the world, particularly when I look at the situation of Ukraine, a country that is fighting for its sovereignty against Russia, it's like a David and Goliath uh, uh, situation. And, and when, you, when you bring that back into, um, you know, uh, the Middle East in terms of Israel and Palestine, we can discuss the, you know, the, the sort of uh, the economics, uh, uh, you know, discrimination or the lack of trade, you know, in terms of the Palestinian. But that really goes down to the state built, building um, essence. In essence, the Palestinians, have they come forth and, and, and developed a state? I mean, we're talking about... Is that about even 19... an option? And exactly. You- exactly. So, so we really need to understand historically what has been going on. How have how have the lessons been learned? What support has been given to the Palestinians? Does, does the arc, uh, uh, as Craig said, does well, the said- arc of does the arc of development of this conflict uh, with the ex- watershed moments uh, and the missed uh, opportunities absolutely. and the missed opportunities? Hang on. The, hang and, on. And, and, who and, has and, agency? Who has agency? The people, the, the, did the Egyptians the, did the Egyptians tell the Palestinians to ditch the Oslo Accords? Did the Egyptians tell the Palestinians to ditch uh, the roadmap? Did the Egyptians the or the Jordanians uh, or the Americans or the Brits or the Irish or the Australians or the Japanese tell the Palestinians to assume that the only option is the military option? Who has agency? Who has what, agency? Who speaks so, for the Palestinian people? Well, okay. So let's 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 uh, think in in a few months' time. However lo- along uh, the Israelis will take to kind of uh, annihilate Hamas in eighteen months' time, what will be the options? I mean, look, endless wars. Inshallah, we have, we we'll end- have a conference, have- and then they can elect someone to speak for them, and then we'll decide. Okay, so then in terms of proportionality and in terms of uh, the the humanitarian aspect, what you need to understand is what will Israel do with 1.1 million people? How will it? Nothing. I mean, the, the idea a, of displacing here's, here's, them. Here's, here's displacing... a better question. Here's a better question. Gaza has 2.3 million people. Mm-hmm. Hamas has 40,000 militants. That tells you everything. 
Okay, so basically, you're going to route forty thousand people out of this, um, out of the, in an a situation where com combatants, where, where, combatants in, in an urban warfare scenario. Combatants I understand, in an urban but warfare scenario. According to international law, you you cannot not international law because they Hamas is a non-state actor. Hamas is a non-state actor. They are not a sovereign state. They are not a sovereign nation. They are not a sovereign state. They are not a sovereign nation. Hamas is a non-state actor backed by a state sponsor of terrorism. If you're going to lecture me about international I law, am not, then I'm the not, arc I'm of not lecturing you. I'm not lecturing you. I'm telling The arc of development but, but Israel of international is, law, the arc of development, the arc of development of international law is that we have a government called the United States government and we have a government called the United Kingdom's government, Her, His Majesty's government, and they mm -hmm. have terrorism lists. And those terrorism lists are not made out of the out of thin air. Well, well China, China, uh, oh, China. I'm not going. I'm not going to. China, I'm not China, going to discuss it. China I'm has not, not listed Hamas as a terrorist organization. China That's is what... a communist country. China, I had, China, China killed 43, well, 24 million people because they were going through whatever they wanted to do, and they have no problem whatsoever with killing two or 24 million people. But it has a an ideology. Uh, but it has a seat in the United Nations Security Council because they it's have a, a nuclear it's a weapon, PFI, a permanent one, a permanent one, and so does Russia. So you really need to think. How do I persuade everyone to get it on board is, to solve sure. this situation? Sure, sure. But it is not a multipolar world yet for several reasons. Okay? If China is pursuing predatory lending to control resources and to coerce governments to give up their sovereignty over their state assets and their state resources and their natural resources because they're engaging in predatory lending, okay, and telling them that this is an alternative for the international financial system, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to equate them to someone else who's trying to engage people based on democracy, human rights, and proper rules of finance and economical relationships and international relationships. If Russia is going to invade another country and say that, uh, oops, Ukrainians don't have the right to exist. There's no such thing as Ukraine. There's no such thing as Ukrainian language. And by the way, it's not the first country. Chechnya, Georgia, Ukraine, Syria. Oh, and you want me to deal with them as peers and as equals, mainly because they export different forms of violence, seeking regional hegemony? I'm sorry, this argument doesn't fly, but carry on, please. Fatia, anything to add? Otherwise, we're going to go to Hans. Okay, let's go to Saeed, because he's been waiting for a really long time. Go ahead, Saeed. Well, thank you very much, participants. Uh, indeed, again, uh, your discussion is about the Israeli and Palestine. And uh, unfortunately, news coming from Gaza that uh, uh, Israeli Air Force had again the, uh, I, I don't know, the, our civilian brothers and sisters, and they had uh, a hospital. Indeed, he had question raised that why our public and specifically the democratic states, uh, they are not having uh, likely the such kind of strict action against those as they are involved in uh, uh, such kind of crimes. And unfortunately, they are going to support their sending their uh, military personnel, the military equipments. In these all situations, being as uh, human activists and expert, that um, our responsibility uh, to bring such kind uh, a real facts and figure and say some words about those likely they are uh, involved in uh, crime activities. And unfortunately, likely it's responsibility of the global world, especially from the, those all as 
they call themselves as they're more democratic. Democracy is just a term to make your public as school because we have seen their rule, their uh, conspiracies, their military uh, insurgencies, and especially their financial system, how they are trying to control uh, some uh, insurgent groups uh, for their self-beneficiaries. And unfortunately here in current Sandro, in, across the West Bank, Gaza Strips, if they are having problems, issues from uh, Hamas, so why they are not killing the Hamas leadership and the Hamas fighters and militants? They are just behind to hit uh, 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 the public apartments, schools, hospitals, and especially the uh, public residential areas. Just to bring pressure. I don't know. On, uh, I don't know. About, well, I don't know about you, but you haven't haven't you seen the list of the Hamas leadership taken thus far? You, you're not aware of well, Hamas leadership well, being well, taken. Well, 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 please, taken? well, please, please, please let me, uh, uh, let me complete, uh, complete my point of view about. All right, uh, Elika, please go on. Then Craig, Elika. Hi, hi everyone. Thanks for having me. Um, so. First of all, I just want to say, um, oh, I'm, in, I'm an Iranian, so we've been dealing with our own issues that we've had, which has been a nightmare in and of itself. Um, but just from an outsider's perspective, you know, uh, I'm just, uh, first of all, deeply sorry to everyone, because this has been very, very painful. And I think, um, I think it's really difficult to get that perspective when you're so deeply involved. Um, it's difficult to see that so much of this has just been uh, you know, from from outsiders looking in, it's been a really, really, uh, you can see how frustrating and painful everything is. I think uh, a lot of the problems that have been happening recently come to come down to the international community's um, inability to grasp the nuance of the situation, inability to understand the history of the situation, spreading a lot of misinformation. You know, this is a land that has been subject to a lot of uh, conquest, imperialism, rape, pillage, divide. In truth, everyone who's on this land now has settled there. You know, everyone has settled there. So using these words like settlers and this and this, it's it's all such inflammatory language and it doesn't really reflect the nuance of, of this situation. The reality is that the people that were originally there when after, you know, the Jews were kicked off of the land, nobody who was on the land at the time is there now except for the people have, who have returned, right? So you have, everyone was expelled and then people gradually settled back onto this land, whether it was during Muslim conquest, Ottoman, whatever it is, um, Jews returning to the land, everyone has settled there at some point. So these lang this language that is so divisive about um, settler and colonialism, it's, it's really been unhelpful. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, you know, it's really... To me, in my in my personal opinion, it's really helpful to remember that it's difficult when two people believe that they have a right to a land and both of them are right. For whatever reason, whether you believe it or not, under every legal principle, they are both right. OK, first in time, Jews are first in time. They have that right. And then you have physical presence. People who have a physical presence also have a right. This is difficult. When you talk about when you talk about a house, let's say, for example, and you say this house belongs to me. No, this house belongs to me. When you l lament the fact that there has been no divide of the house, please first recognize that it is very difficult to divide a house that you believe is your house. 
That is not easy. That is not easy to say, oh, okay, well, you have this room and you have this room and you take that. So first of all, there needs to be a lot of grace for the fact that people have struggled to accept that this house that belongs to me, everyone who is right, everyone in this situation is right to say this is my house. It is very difficult to say I have to give parts of my house away. And this is why so much of this conflict that has derived from failed leadership, failed leadership. Now, that's that's just the people who are involved in this. But then you have the outside community and the international community is not motivated by anything except for contempt for the other side. Those who are whether they will say this or not, whether they will say this or not, there are people who are actively very, very pro-Palestine because they are anti-Semitic. That is just a fact. There are people who are very, very pro-Israel because they, I mean, I don't even want to say Islamophobia because it could be more than that. But that is a lot of what the international community is driven by. And then you have the complexity of the people inside it. But this is all to say one thing. Um, From a perspective of somebody who is Iranian, what we have struggled with a lot is that we chant in the streets um, democracy for Iran, but we as a people have really struggled with democracy because we have always had this idea that we all have to think the same. And this is kind of uh, what has led to the occupation of our land by these terrorists, okay? Um, And we haven't quite figured out democracy. And I can say that as somebody who's inside that community, but looking at this situation, When I look at it from an outsider's perspective, I can see that there's the same sort of problems of an unwillingness to accept the same thing that has led to this point, which is that both sides, whether they want to admit it or not, they dehumanize the other side. They do. Whenever there's a tragedy, they say, well, that wouldn't have happened if this, this, this. And realistically, there will be no peace There will be no togetherness. There will be no safety. There will be no comfort until you listen to the tragedy of the other side and you say, oh, my God, that's awful. Not well, but, but, well, that is ideological. And we have lost humanity to ideology. And that is why we are where we are, because everybody in this situation is right. And nobody has the right to tell anybody in this situation that they're not right. And until everyone recognizes the other's perspective in this, there will be no peace. And that's really just all I wanted to say. I wanted to say that I have so much compassion for all of you in this situation. I really hope that you not only, you know, have a moment to have grace for others, but also for yourself. Because I know that my land is currently occupied by terrorists, but I can't even imagine the pain, like the unimaginable pain of, you know, somebody else claiming a right to the land that I believe is mine. That is really, really painful. So please have grace for each other. And um, I really, really hope that there will be a two-state solution. Thank you. Thank you, Alec. Well, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, That's the whole point of having this space. Craig, go ahead. Yeah, so so I have to follow that. My goodness, that was amazing. So I, I, I think that we need to zoom out And I think that we need to look at property rights. We need to look at freedom. We need to look at all the things that most people on the face of the earth probably would like to have, but a lot of them don't have. And it seems like to me that Israel, if they're smart, they will take a leadership role here and they will ferret out these people that don't want the things that I just mentioned for whatever reason uh, and get rid of them 
and give the people that want freedom, that want property rights, give them a way to exist in, in peace, right? And, and if this means that they have to roll into Gaza and get rid of everybody that wants to, quote, kill the Jews, that that's what they live for, that, that, hey, kill or be killed, okay? I guess they just have to kill those people, right? And then the people that want to live there in freedom with property rights and so forth, they can do that. And they could do the same thing with Iran, with Iraq, with all of these places. They could roll in there and get rid of the zealot people that just want to kill because they hate Jews, get rid of them, and hopefully give those people a, a state of their own, the people that want to live with property rights and with freedom, give them that opportunity to do that. I'm an optimist, and I think that people, given that opportunity, will seize it. And now maybe that's just overly optimistic, but you have to get rid of these batshit crazy people. Excuse my French. you got to get rid of these people that just swear that the, the only reason they live is to kill a certain type of people. Uh, it just seems like to me those people have to be eliminated. I don't see any other solution. It's like the, the example that was just given with trying to share a house, right? If I'm trying to share the downstairs part of my house, with somebody that's swearing openly that they want to kill me first chance they get, I don't think sharing that house is going to work. So anyway, that's my, my two cents worth on this whole thing. I think it comes down to property rights and freedom um, and having those things versus not having them. I'm surprised with the property rights. They have property rights in Gaza amongst themselves, but I do take your point. I will say this. Um, it's not, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not up to Israel to do that. The Palestinians themselves, who are afflicted by Hamas, unfortunately have to do that. There has to be that conversation that's had, right? We do it, at least in my community. Uh, if I've ever heard crazy ideas, I, I'm not saying this doesn't happen ever elsewhere, but I know that people, if they've ever espoused, I've never met anyone that's espoused genocidal views, but within you know my, my group. Um, but if, you know, I've, I've met people who have espoused bigoted views and I call them out on him. So that's crazy. You can't condemn a whole people. You know, what, what's wrong with you? Give your head a shake. We need more of that. So it's like bystander training. You can't be a bystander. There's no such thing. If you see, you know, someone going down a rabbit hole and, and getting all crazy and you know this person, approach them. What's going on? Well, I think these other people should all die because, of, well, no, that's, that's a horrible thing. But let's, let's talk. Right. We need we need to care about each other. And it starts at home and it starts with your community. It can't be imposed on it from Israel. Why, so, OK, um, so why haven't have they overthrown these these bad guys? I mean, if there's 40,000 of them and there's two million plus of the good guys there. Uh, why do, haven't how, they do you, how do you take how do you take out 40,000 operatives operating in a complex subterranean infrastructure in a densely populated area? Well, it seems like two million versus 40,000 would be doable. I, I I don't know. I'm two, 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 no. two million. I mean, civilians versus armed soldiers. Listen, Hamas doesn't care about its own. Israelis doesn't care about its own people. They have no problem. When Fatah, the party of the Arab, you know, Palestinian, ostensibly the Palestinian Liberation Organization, you know, got them recognition, got the Israelis with them, and got them to agree to a two-state solution. And the way you repay them because you're angry about corruption is throw them off buildings. Hamas are brutal. Hamas are, you know. You know, ISIS, right? So, so what is the average Palestinian shoemaker with five kids and a wife going to do? He's going to stand up to a cuckoo like that? 
You see what I mean? They're holding the people of Gaza. So, so if Israeli goes in, the real, Israelis go in and get the ball rolling. Do you think some of these people will jump in and and get get yep. with the program? So maybe maybe that's I the do. solution, and maybe that same solution can be rolled into these other jurisdictions, uh, and just slowly but surely roll through and get rid of the bad guys, and then let the good guys take over. It seems like there's a bunch of good guys. These people I'm hearing, there's a there's a bunch of good guys over there. Let's empower them to take control. Fair enough. Great comment. Uh, I don't know who's next. I'm back. But uh, if you know Michelle or him. Let's yeah. go to Decado. number four. Oh, Decado. Decado's. Decado. Yeah. Oh, no, I will wait. Decado, go ahead. Thank you. After a really long time, I had to write down my points because... Uh, okay, so first of all, this is what terrorists like Islamic Republic and Hamas, which I don't see a difference. And the name, the, and the, by the way, the name is Islamic regime or Islamic Republic. It's not Iranian regime. Uh, they kill their own people and they lie about it and say, oh, Israel did it. That's just tactic number one, be it IRGC or Hamas. And I like to mention two instances to those who say, oh, uh, people who support Palestine do not support Hamas. One is London, which I posted a video of. An Iranian is getting attacked for supporting uh, Israel. And then we have Brussels shooting, which is a terror act by Palestinian supporters. So this has their footprint all over it and has the footprint of the Islamic regime all over it. I am sad to see this happen with Gaza and Israel because of I know that there are innocent people in Gaza regardless of what a minority or majority or whatever you want to call it wants and is doing there are still kids there and I don't I, I, in my opinion nobody should be able to take you from young people and this is doing that and with Israel we have been shouting our lungs out to the world that IRGC are terrorists, and if they can, they will come for you. And Israel was the only nation that listened. And not only that, we have been friends for over 2,500 years since the Cyrus the Great. And they listened, and they are paying. Their, the children died because nobody else did. Israeli government, in my opinion, is doing everything in its power to, uh, you know, don't kill civilians, but this is war, and this is a fact that we have to accept that there is no kidding in war. But at least, from where I'm standing, people in Israel don't celebrate the deaths of others, and don't parade around with sweets around, like Ibrahim Raisi enjoying cream puffs after uh, executions, or beat Hamas uh, running sweets around, because not only they did that when they were killing Israelis. They did that when their own people died. These are people who celebrate this. They are this. They are destruction, and they hate life, freedom, and everything that comes with it. These are my comments, and I think I have demonstrated before that the IRGC are just as brutal. Um, they killed over 76 kids in two, uh, 20, no, 37, sorry, 37 kids in 2019. Inside of two days, in the past year, they have killed over 76 kids of their own people. This is not war. This was just civilians 
empty-handed civilians doing peaceful protests, and they killed over 77, 76 kids. That, that means under 18. And this is just who they are and what they do. And there is nothing that can make that distinction go away. Yet, our people really want them gone, and they have been trying. Yes, they can kill you, but that doesn't mean you should stop trying. And I don't see people of Palestine, unfortunately, I don't see it yet. I hope I do. People of Palestine trying to free themselves from these terrorists. Thanks for that. Look, uh, I want to take this moment to welcome you to uh, Maria Report as well. Uh, Maria Report uh, broadcasts 24 hours a day, seven days a week, sharing uh, with the world um, the Russian genocidal invasion of Ukraine. We have analysts and speakers and um, great commentary uh, for you to come and ask questions, learn about what's going on. Please feel free to do that. Um, Maria Report, it's in the, the title there on MariaReport.org. Uh, the organization supports, it's a 501c3 in the States that supports um, in its charter, actually, um, advocacy for Ukraine and support for refugees all over the world, actually. Uh, so if you want to help out, please visit there. Non-lethal aid gone to Ukraine. Uh, a lot of it and uh, people on the ground explaining what it does for them and how your contributions help uh, avert a genocide and mitigate the pain and suffering that those people face. So please do visit MariaReport.org. And uh, this is a pop-up space uh, that we've done here with some of the uh, hosts at Maria Report. Uh, because of the Israel-Palestine connection with Hamas and Iran, and Iran and Russia, these are two sides of the same coin, I would argue, and I think it's important to discuss it publicly so that uh, we keep the eye, the spotlight, on the retrograde forces in this world that seek to uh, undermine uh, humanity and to limit our freedoms. It's not a joke. It's not hyperbole. Uh, this is where we're going. Um, over a year ago, we predicted that uh, when things would get worse for Putin, that he would engage in some kind of uh, uh, act in which to drag Israel into this and to inflame the Middle East. He succeeded in doing it, but I... We might have just lost Yehuda. Um, let's go to Forgotten. Before we do that, I know we have a few new speakers that have come up recently. So if you do want to put up your hand and ask a question, make a comment, uh, the hand button is in the middle of your screen. There's a heart emoji or icon. Press on that for a couple of seconds, go to the right-hand side, and there is a hands up. So let's go to Forgotten. Sorry about that. That's funny. By the way, the host phone disconnected. Oh, that's bizarre. Yeah, and I was able to... And we stayed alive. Yes, yes it's my phone. It's magic. Sorry. Uh, what was it? I'll just wrap up real quick. Sorry about that. Uh, you were uh, explaining that we predicted. Oh, this we, yeah, we ago. predicted that this is where this would go, uh, based on the uh, behavior of Putin. And sure enough, uh, it has it is where it's gone. So uh, keep fighting the good fight. Call your representatives wherever you live. Let them know you support Ukraine. You want them to get the the material they need to defend themselves. Um, Russia should not be able to run wild in Europe and in the Middle East, what they've been doing, called it not just in Ukraine, they did it before in Syria, and now it's come full circle. So it's so important if you're in the West or in the United States, the UK, contact your parliamentarian, your congressman or woman, and let them know that you're on the right side of history. Thanks. All right, let's go to Forgotten. Uh, hello, everyone. Greetings from Sweden. A uh, great idea for this uh, expat. I salute you for it. It's important. Thank you. And uh, thank you for the mic. 
Uh, I want to begin with a thing. It's very important in a moment like this, okay? God bless to my Christian sisters and brothers. Shalom to my Jewish sisters and brothers. And salam to my Muslim sisters and brothers, okay? And love to all people of all faiths. Okay, guys, listen, I joined an hour ago. I haven't honestly paid so much attention. I've heard it all before, the reasoning and the semantics. Uh, I want, you know... Uh, all to I want you all to check a man out, uh, a Jewish man. He's of Jewish faith. He's an Israeli. His name is Ilan Pape. He's an historian. We know who he is. Uh, yes. Ilan Pape. So let's just caveat. Um, Ilan yeah, yeah, Pape. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. I'm, I'm going to caveat who Ilan Pape is. Uh, no, I, I, that's all I want to mention. I will go on. I won't no, no, mention no, no, him no, no, no more. No, 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 I, I'm going to. I will try to remove some confusion. No, 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 no. You don't have to. But I'm just going to. I'm not going to talk about the Torah, my friend. I'm going to talk uh, no, about no, no, Albert no. Pike. Yeah, yeah. Albert Pike. Wanna, I want to talk about Elon Pape. Um, no, not me. No, I am. I am. I just want just for a second, please. Just one second. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. Thank you. So, so, so it's important. Um, all peoples have opinions. I'll disagree with the statement that all opinions are equal. Um, but uh, there are certain people in, you know, there's a guy called the Imam of Peace who, who sit, claims to speak for Shia Islam, um, and he's a very marginal figure in the community and says things that are uh, completely opposite against uh, what the, the, the community, what the widespread community thinks. Ilan Pape is considered uh, a, a revisionist historian amongst Israelis. In fact, he's called a lot worse, like a traitor and a liar. So if you want to recommend Ilan Pape, uh, you can go for it. Everyone can read and learn for themselves. But let's make it clear that although he is a Jew and an Israeli, um, his, 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 to say his opinions are our niche or extremist are very is an understatement. He's a discredited person. He does not speak for Israelis, and he has very controversial views. And I invite you uh, openly, unlike maybe the speaker here, go read it if you want. But he doesn't represent Israelis or their point of view. He happens to be an Israeli who's very, very um, unhappy with his uh, country of birth and says a lot of things that I would call outrageous and frankly lies. But um, if you want to read a person, go read him. Noam Chomps, he's also Jewish. I don't agree with the word he says, and he doesn't speak for the Jewish people. So I just want to make it very clear. Feel free to mention who you want, but do 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 a little caveat and say, oh, by the way, no Israelis, you know, very few Israelis respect him, maybe his family, uh, but he doesn't speak for Israel. So just just for that, I just want to make it clear because let's be honest, intellectually honest with everyone. Thanks so much for good to you. Thank you, Yehuda. Before you interrupted me, I was going to say the Jew, uh, many in Israel call him a self-hating Jew. Uh, but, uh, you know, Albert Pike, uh, I want to... Have you spoken about Albert Pike before I speak about him? No, not today. Okay. Uh, you know, brothers and sisters, I will stick to only facts. Okay? It's not me saying this. Okay? I want to go to the real deep root of the problem, and it's fixable. And sorry for my bad English, by the way. Uh, number one, Albert Pike, some call him the father of Freemasonry in the U.S. And I know, I know, but bear with me two minutes. Uh, only, you know, 
I believe it's important to know about who Albert Pike was. You know, he wrote a book, Morals and Dogma. Uh, you should read it to see the things from their perspective. And, and Morals and Dogma was written for the 33rd degree of the Scottish right of Freemasonry. And it was never meant to be public. Uh, I, I don't think it was meant to be public, but it's out there. You can read it. Yeah, uh, let's go on. Yeah, the thing I wanted to say in a speech he held for the 23rd Masonic Lodges of the world, uh, only for the 33rd degree of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. Uh, in this speech, he said it was the end of his speech, and you must know what Adonai means. It means God. He said, those, those the doctrine of Satanism is heresy, and the true and pure philosophical religion in the believer in Lucifer, the equal of Adonai, but Lucifer, good, but sorry, but Lucifer, God of light and God of good, is struggling for humanity against Adonai, the God of darkness oh, and evil. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate the share. And I must say, I must. I do think that it's completely uh, down a different pathway. And th we thank you for your uh, comments. Uh, that you mentioned an Israeli historian slash reporter and then immediately went to a Scottish Mason and a speech he gave a hundred years ago. I do, I don't feel it's, it's pertinent to the conversation, so we'll take it as a comment and we're going to move on. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Um, Lizards or space lasers? Uh, I think it's my turn, right? Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, I hope, I know, as a heated argument is going on and lot, lots of uh, narrative and propaganda going on right now in the world, apparently. But who to decide, good guys and bad guys? That's the first question, right? The secondly, property rights, important. The land rights is important. And the freedom is uh, paramount important for the people who are really struggling for years and years, 75 or the years it's happening. So you know what I'm trying to talk about. Right. So the, the Palestinian people... No, is from, we, don't, we yeah. don't know what you're trying to say. You're yeah, struggling with who chooses good guys and bad guys and property rights. Yeah. So I'm not seeing the connection. You want to fill us in? Exactly. Right. And uh, obviously, the people, they say, uh, end of the day, the revolutions uh, initially everywhere has happened. So since then, then, then they become the government and uh, everyone recognized by Jew and or whatever. So we shouldn't undermine anyone who uh, 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 fight for their lands and their freedom. So, okay. so, first of all, I'm uh, deeply expressing my condolences to those who are affected in the Middle East, the conflict right now, what's happening. But at the end of the day, the innocent civilians okay. uh, shouldn't have uh, in the middle uh, uh, women and children. Uh, right. Thank you for that as well. Um, do we have a comment or question? Let's try to be cogent and direct. Uh, there are a lot of listeners who want to hear uh, some decent conversation. Let's go ahead to the next person. Shambhala has actually had their hand up for a long time. Let's go to Shambhala. Hi, Yehuda. First of all, uh, I'm from Ireland, so completely independent from both sides. And um, I want to say, first of all, before in case I say something that gets somebody angry, 100% uh, not correct that um, there's 1,200 or 1,300 Israelis dead. It is not correct that there is four or five thousand Palestinians dead today and tens of thousands more injured and all the rest. But 
the similarities of what's going on for 70 years in Israel-Palestine with what went on with Ireland and England for 700 years is just unbelievable. Everything that I see going on every day has happened for the last 30 years in Northern Ireland. Okay, so somebody said earlier, we're not going to negotiate with terrorists. We won't talk to terrorists. They don't, they're not a state. There's no rights to be spoken to. The British went down that road with us for a very long time. And then they realized you can't beat people who won't play fair. You eventually have to talk to them. You have to go through the back channels and you have to talk to them. Okay, so in the late 70s, the IRA were still blowing up pubs and blowing up half of Northern Ireland and they were crossing over into the United Kingdom and they were blowing up people in the United Kingdom and the British still had to accept that we're going to have to talk to these people. And we had false start after false start after false start and we had ceasefires and we had ceasefires fall down and we had another ceasefire and that fell down again. And the only way you're going to have peace in Israel and Palestine is you're going to have to talk to another and you're going to have to accept that it has to be a two-state solution. We were pushed off our land for 700 years by the British and we never went away. And the Palestinian people will never go away. And right now Hamas is throwing people to cannon fodder and they don't care about the Palestinians. But what they've done is two things. One is, is they put it on the global stage for everybody to talk about. And they have allowed Israel fall into the trap because Israel is now bombing the hell out of Gaza. And all that's doing is, is it's turning around and it is breeding the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. It is the massive recruitment campaign for the next generation of terrorists. The same thing as Bloody Sunday, well, 1970. Just, just, just back up a bit. There's, you said a lot. I, and I just, and it's great that you, if you want to say those are your opinions, and that's great too. However, um, I, I, would, I would sooner see a relationship uh, that would equate the Irish with the Jewish people uh, versus the Palestinians. The Palestinians, um, you know, there was no nascent Palestinian state 700 years ago trying to establish itself as uh, it a, it a modern, uh, based on based on people who live there, but the concept is a modern one, uh, and it, it's actually newer than the concept of a modern day state of Israel. I think what's important is you, you nail the good points that there has to be discussion and negotiation. You don't make peace with your friends; you make them with your enemies. But I think some people would take umbrage to the notion that the Irish cause is identical to the Palestinian cause. Well, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be trying to equate the two, but I'm just I'm just saying that there's a lot of similarities. Like, you know, in 1922, when the British eventually left the Republic of Ireland and left us to, left yeah. us to our own devices, right? We, what, happened? what happened? Exactly. What happened is, is the Irish Republican Army went away, okay? And all was good. Yeah. And then what happened in 1969? Okay. Why did they come back? Okay, no, but let's stop there. Let's stop there. Let's, let's, so when the British left, when the English British left the Republic of Ireland, what did Ireland do? Oh, they declared what? Well, we declared ourselves as a free state. Wait, wait, and you create yourself as a free state, and what did the Irish people in that free state do? They created a country, did they not? We did, correct. Okay, so when, when Israel left Gaza in 2005, what did Hamas do in 2007? They destroyed their the industry that was built by the Israelis. They said, we're going to murder you all. Imagine the British left. When did, when did Ireland become a free state? What year? 1922. 1922. So in 1923, what, what would happen if the Irish said, you know what, actually, we're going to have suicide bombings into the UK and F you, we're going to destroy all of the UK 
and take over your country? Well, we were. A, would there still be an Irish? Free yeah, state? we were a free state, okay, but we we weren't actually separate. So, we weren't separate from the United Kingdom fair. until 1937, okay. So the, fair, fair, okay, so 39. You see what I'm getting yeah. at, though? So the, the the similarities are nowhere near there. I, I see no similarities. Oh, I'm not trying to sim- I'm not trying to similarize. It's not it's not exactly yeah. the same, well, but you, there's you just, there are there are yeah. certain things that are the same. Like the IRA came back in 1969 right. because people were being pushed out of their house. Okay. Right. No, no, fair enough. Well, listen, before we want to get some, let's get someone who has no interest in the conversation and see what they think. Let's go to Gunny. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Um, good space. Um, yeah. I mean, drawing parallels between Ireland and, and, and Palestinian people is, is just a non starter. Um, just to be clear, first of all, Irish Republicanism lost. There's a reason that Northern Ireland remains in the Union. That's because you lost. Right, being under no illusions. That's why the Union flag flies over. Right, you were fought over an insurgency for thirty years, and you lost. Now the IRA, a despicable terrorist organisation, does have parallels with Hamas in some ways. Both are despicable terrorist organisations. Had the IRA got to uh, a music festival, okay, and massacred hundreds of people. One, two, three para, all three commandos of the Royal Marines and various other British infantry battalions could possibly have been drumped in. Um, and there would have been retribution like you'd never seen before. Now, whilst we got some things wrong, we didn't try to do that. Right? There was no genocide of Irish people. The reason in 1969 the British Army got jumped in was because Protestants and Catholics were arguing about whose sky fairy is best. Or very pathetic murdering each other, couldn't come to terms. Same God, right? But Protestants and Catholics couldn't work out which God was better, and it was worth killing people over, which strikes me as a bit weird, especially being an atheist. But as a result, hundreds of people were killed in the British military, thousands of civilians, and people like me had to dick about looking underneath our cars every morning because we thought some Irishman might have planted a bomb there. Okay, do I have a right, right. to You can't. Do I have hold, a right on, to hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm talking. I'm yes, 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 you will, you will, you will. Go ahead, Gunny, and Shamba, you will com- comment after him. Go ahead, Gunny. Okay, so, two terrorist organisations. However, the IRA never, in its charter, explicitly said its aim was the destruction of the United Kingdom and the annihilation of the British people. All right? Much as you, and I do, hate them and continue to hate them for what they did, they'd never, ever had in their charter that they wished to commit genocide. Hamas do. That's in their charter. Read their charter. It's unequivocal. Clearly states it. The Israeli state must cease to exist. Okay? So you can't really draw parallels between the two. There is an upsurge of pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas support from Irish Republicanism-orientated sites because there is this mystical connection between the two. They're completely dissimilar, completely dissimilar. Both prescribed organisations, both engaged in the use of terror to achieve a further political or religious um, aim and intent, but one is actually beyond the pale of the other. And the other was pretty bad, to be fair, and they lost. Now, I I think this is a fair analogy to use about Hamas. Hamas are the bloke with 
in the pub with three or four of his mates and he chats to a woman at the bar and she says something and he punches her, right? And all his mates are Hezbollah and Iran. 10 minutes later, the girl's husband walks in with a baseball bat and he's going to sit around this bloke who punched his bird and he's going to hurt him. And everyone else is going to stand around and they're going to decide whether they want to jump in on this or not. Because this bloke's got murderous intent in his eyes. He wants to put this to bed because someone attacked his missus. Right? Now, you have to think about it like that. The other thing that you need to do is engage in a little bit. And, and this is actually essential for all of you listening. Right? It's going to be difficult. A lot of people, right, including me, right, we, we look on Twitter and our first reaction about stuff is to start furiously typing. Use critical thinking. Right? Use your heads. Think about it. So take this bombing of, of the hospital tonight. Ask yourself some hard questions before you get on there and you promote your outrage credentials. One, what's in it for the Israelis to do? What would they get out of it potentially? What would be, what would be the juice worth the squeeze and international condemnation? Two, what would Hamas get out of it? What would... What would they achieve by carrying out something that might look like the IDF did it? I'm not saying either way at the moment because I haven't made the decision yet. Three, if Israel did do it on the eve of Biden's visit, huge goal. Four, if Hamas did it and blamed it on the IDF, it's going to be it's going to look like a home goal for the IDF and the usual suspects will trumpet it as such. Five, footage. Where did that footage come from with the rocket, the failed Hamas rocket? Right? A lot of people are hanging their hats on that. Time date stamp? Geolocation. Why wasn't there a big explosion when the rocket landed? That hospital looks like it was trash. So if that was a failed Hamas missile rocket launch, no big explosion that I can see. Six, who's banging this information out? Where did it come from? Track it to the source. Right? Some sources are irreproachable in terms of accuracy and they are the quiet ones the usual suspects are the ones retweeting stuff for which there is no evidence whatsoever at the minute right so you really have to in in cases like this you have to be calm you have to sit back and go right what is the evidence what is the veracity of the evidence what are the sources of the evidence and rest assured, the IDF will be looking through everything now. They'll be looking through air tasking order. Who was up at the time? What munitions did, did they take off with? What munitions did they return with? What were the bomb damage assessment videos? Is there a danger of a bad drop here? Is there a danger of a rogue pilot who lost family in a kibbutz in the attack? Did he just go or she go, fuck this, and drop two JDAMs on the place? All right, they are, there's going to be a thorough, exhaustive investigation of what's going on. But in the meantime, unless you have served, unless you know what a JDAM sounds like, unless you know what a rocket sounds like, unless you have first-hand experience, to one degree or another, of the effects of explosives, you're in no position to say, because I'm not. I've got a rough idea, and I've got my own suspicions, but if you run around pinning stuff on people, you do yourself a disservice. And all you'll find is tomorrow morning, you might end up furiously removing a tweet because you feel a bit of a fucking idiot. 
right. All right. Let's 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 go to let's before we go down the disinformation in the hospital story, not story, but occurrence, whatever it is. Shambhala did want an opportunity to reply to the other comments. Yeah, I, I I think the point has been completely lost. I was not comparing the IRA with Hamas at all, and I was not compared comparing Irish people with with uh, Jewish people or with uh, or with uh, Palestinian people. What I was comparing was is is that you have to talk and that the Israeli government are going to have to talk to whoever's in charge of 2.34 million uh, Palestinians, regardless of whether they're the worst scum on the planet or whether they're moderate like Arafat was and the Palestinian Authority was, they're going to have to talk. And that was the only reason I was saying I was discussing it. And, you know, the only different, the only similarities between Northern Ireland and Palestine and Israel is the fact that People who are pushed down and turned into dogs and treated like animals will eventually behave like animals. So when you push people out of their houses and um, you bur- it sounds like you're it's a, it sounds like you're victim blaming. Oh, absolutely there. not. And I'm I'm I, I did you know something? I'm not pro I'm not pro IRA. Okay, and I couldn't care less. They can all rot in jail. I was talking about Hamas. Yeah, they can they, they can all they can all rot in jail. Every one of them can rot in jail. All I'm saying is is that that. The only way that Northern Ireland is so much peaceful today is because eventually the British government had to be the higher power and say, we're going to have to talk to these horrible individuals or we're going to have to drag them tooth and nail to the table to make them stop killing people. And that's the only way you're ever going to have peace in in Israel is is the Israeli government is going to have to talk to these horrible people. And if they don't talk to them, you'll have another 70 years of I, I, I think I think well, Hamas isn't seven years old, but I'll tell you one thing: uh, it's one gr- one group I don't think is going to be in charge of any Palestinians will be Hamas at the end of this. Oh no, they, 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 yeah, they will, they will, they will be wiped out. But whoever replaces them, okay? So you there see, you what we're doing is we're just talking about the last five or ten years instead of going all the way back to the very beginning. You have to go back to the very beginning of where you have bred everybody to hate one another on both sides to the level that they're at. That's what it is. There's yeah. no point talking about right. today and Hamas today. We have to start talking about when it's all over, who are we going to talk to? Who is Israel going to talk to in the Palestinian state or their, when to get to a state? Who are they going to talk to to try and bring things down? Because if you don't, you'll just breed the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And that was my that was the only similarity I was drawing. Fair enough. No, hey, these points were made. Uh, let's grab some other hands and... Uh, we will eventually get on over to Maria Report and finish the conversation there. Go ahead. Let's go to Susan next. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to let everyone know, too. So right now we have 800 people listening to this space. We talk so much about peace and wanting peace and also misinformation, disinformation, and so on. So one thing I would recommend, and this is something that Gunny just brought up, is before anyone retweets anything on Twitter or any other forums, Make sure that it is a credible source. There's a lot of experts. I mean, Gunny's one of them. A lot of times, most of us will retweet a lot of stuff he says, and there's many others. So it's so easy to continue that whole false narrative spread if we keep retweeting some of the false narratives. So I would just ask everybody, please make sure whatever you are retweeting and sharing, make sure that it is coming from a credible source because that's how things just continue to spiral. So go ahead, Susan. Hi there, um, I'm in Scotland. I hope you can understand my accent. Um, so I'm just going to put this in here, and it's just a question, and it might be absolute rubbish. So if it is, please tell me politely. <laughs> but I've just got, I just, it feels kind of weird and suspicious to me, okay, that 
I mean, I think we could probably all agree that war is very profitable for some people at the expense of many and that many wars can be kind of rigged and engineered. But, I mean, no, does okay. anybody else... Hold on, hold on, hold on, before you say that. The, I have oh. no problem with the statement, but let's not say many people would agree. I don't think people are saying... All right, okay, sorry. So your opinion that you think okay. that wars okay. are constructed okay. and manufactured. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, I, I just think that the, there are certain people that do profit from it and, and you might call them psychopaths. But um, So my point is that I'm suspicious that we had this big, huge, big thing about the Ukraine war and Russia and, you know, um, whatever side you're on, whatever you think. It was all about Russia, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine. And then this went really quiet and it just made me think, hmm, it was it not going quite how the the powers that be kind of hoped it would or planned it would, and then all of a sudden we get this. Is does anybody else think that there could be some kind of link with it? And I'm not in any way, you know, decrying, you know, the the pain and suffering that you know yeah. from, of the people that are there. Susan, it sounds super conspiratorial. It's like saying doctors, yeah. you know, uh, the doctors, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, uh, are involved with bandages and they want to make sure people get cancer so they have more of a job. I don't know. Uh, yeah, does anyone want okay. to jump in? Fair enough. I'll uh, take that. I'll just... No, no, no. Susan, I, I can answer this one. So the, the military-industrial complex, a term a lot of people like to use, uh, there's a new term in town. It's called the defense industrial base. Whether you want to call it the MIC or you want to call it the DIB, what is the MIC? What is the DIB? It is a group of people who excelled at sciences, people who studied engineering, people who studied metallurgy, people who studied communications, people who studied manufacturing, CNC, and all that. And uh, they developed skills through education that they excelled at that enabled them to design weapon platforms, defensive and offensive. And then they found jobs with defense contractors. Defense contractors are more or less usually publicly owned companies. And by that, I mean that they trade their stocks on stock markets and they are responsible to their shareholders and they publish their financial lists annually to show their activity, their net losses, their net gains, their expenditure, their investments, and so on and so forth. So the defense industrial base or the military industrial complex, it's not a cabal, it's not a connected people uh, who work uh, to further one interest or one goal for one specific reason. When a country or a ministry of defense or the acquisition authority in a country that is interested in developing a platform or acquiring a platform according to their needs, I want an air defense uh, system that can defend against air threats, so and so. I want a fighter jet that can uh, act in an interceptor role that means it needs to intercept incoming fighter jets or planes into my airspace and so on and so forth you know regarding the various types of air defense uh, sorry of, of of defense platforms what happens is that usually that acquisition authority or that ministry of defense after they detail their requirements and their needs to respond to the threats according to their threat matrix defense contractors compete to win the contract the each one yeah. of them develops each one of them develops a solution that competes for that contract right so they're not functioning together in unison as one unit one whole unit or one uniform unit that is seeking to start conflicts in order to sell weapons what happens is that mad people start conflicts and they create a need they create a need for defensive weapons and they also they create a need for an offensive weapon to deal with the aggressor so no, what happened in Ukraine uh, is connected to what's happening in the Middle East right now because 
Putin is losing, not because the powers that be, whatever that be, are not getting the result uh, they wanted. There's a lot of information, misinformation about the war in Ukraine, and also a lot of opinion pieces, a lot of analysis, a lot of uh, theorizing on it, uh, academics, uh, uh, people who work in ministries of defense, people who work in defense in general, or intelligence or analysis, and each one of them is viewing the conflict from their academic and their uh, experience and professional backgrounds. And they're all opining on the conflict and how it should go, where, 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 where it should be now, what can be achieved, what cannot be achieved. But what, what happens is that on the ground of reality, war is ugly. So Ukraine is fighting a war to defend itself. And the political will on the supporting nations took time to respond to the challenge and rise to the challenge and respond to the threat because they were worried about the risk of nuclear escalation because Russia is a nuclear power. When Russia reached the stalemate in the conflict, I suspect, it's my assessment, that they and Iran needed to start something in the Middle East in order to distract from what's happening in Ukraine. It's not the other way around. It's not the people supporting Ukraine not getting their way, starting another flashpoint somewhere else because they will be affected. They want to be elected. Oil prices will go up. The global economy will be uh, hit. You know, their, commu- their own communities and their own societies will suffer from that. So they don't yeah. have any interest in starting wars. Yeah, the, the bottom line is, is there's no cabal of people doing something to get us on the, the wars. Gunny wanted to jump in. Yeah, also, Susan, as well, you have to... The, the, this is another difficult thing that, that's taken. There's so much going on in the world, okay? So uh, let's say you use Sky News, BBC. Um, Susan, what's your opinion on the um, massacres of, in Christian churches in Africa um, perpetrated by um, Islamic fundamentalists? or the continuing persecution of Muslims in China, or the Chinese... Oh, it's awful. Well, what? obviously, I don't condone it, and, you know, it's... Yeah, but are you are you fully up to date? So, could you... Oh, no, I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I don't know nah, much right. about that. Okay, right. Now, now this is the problem, mate. What what happens is new, news, okay, especially domestic news, is tailored towards an audience. That's why you saw, just after the attacks in Israel... Um, breaking news, we're going to have to interrupt you there. Uh, Holly Willoughby is stepping down from this morning. All right. Now, that's indicative, isn't it? Either someone's exceptionally crass or Holly Willoughby, Willabobs, right, leaving Good Morning, is considered to be of sufficient importance that it interrupts a live broadcast about the massacre of Jews. Now, just take that on board. So there's loads and loads of stuff going on in the world, mate, that we kind of put to the back of our head after that initial um, surge of of interest, right? And hey, hands up. I've done nothing but comment and track, especially the maritime stuff about the Russian-Ukrainian war. And then I found myself kind of drifting away from it because it felt like um, what's going on... um, with Israel at the moment, poses more of an existential threat to my existence at the moment, right, with, with particular sort of caveats. Obviously, Russia using a tactical nuclear weapon suddenly we're in uncharted waters. But people's attention spans are quite short, and news agencies will tailor what they report on in order to get as many viewers as possible. Right? This, this will be dead in six months, right? The absolute horrors that you and me 
and everyone who's not IDF or or who lived in the kibbutz or was at that music festival experienced and saw it's gone six months. Right, no one cares, mate. Because that that's that's a world. Because the world moves on, like it or not. So whilst it's easy to kind of look at it and go, ah, well, you know, you, Ukraine sort of quietened down. It didn't. Ukraine quietened down on the domestic news channels because then it became HS2. Yeah, it became stuff that actually physically touches people like you and me, as opposed to world events that are happening many, many miles away that we have no real context, no experience of to get excited about. It doesn't matter if it's if it's thoroughly important and will shape our lives. I I always use the um the example of when I when I came back from a, a trip doing UN Protection Force in '95. Um, and we were out there for um, various massacres, but Srebrenica was a big one. And I came back and I was struck by how no one who who I came home and I talked to had even the slightest fucking idea what I was on about. A a massacre of that scale. Do you know most of them? Oh, yeah, it must have been terrible. Anyway, you heard about Dave. He's got a new conservatory. right? And that's how it works. It's not that Ukraine-Russian war has ceased to be important. It's still incredibly important. The things that have gone on in the past 24 hours are phenomenally important. A new munition has been used. A Russian airfield at Berdyansk has been hit. They've lost a substantial, probably, proportion of their rotary wing capability. But to you and me at home, and Dave, the forklift driver, and Lisa, who works in Waitrose, and, and Bob, who works in the bank, what do you care more about, mate? Poll tax? Taxes? Cost of living? Your gas price is coming up. Is it going to be cold? Cost of petrol? State your road. So just look at it through that lens and don't think these things aren't important. They are. It's just up to you as a, a thinking, and you've come up here and you've said that, fair dues to you. Just use a bit of critical thinking Get off Candy Crush five minutes, or in my world, Star Trek Fleet Command, and just have a look at what's going on around the world, and you'll find yourself better informed, and then you'll pick up knowledge. And knowledge is a weapon, because the internet, mate, and especially Twitter and Facebook, they're the cyber warfare world. People want to get at you to give you disinformation. If you arm yourself with spaces like this, a Maria report, then you're going to be better equipped to fend it off. Thanks for all the responses. You've kind of clarified in my mind that I'm just a crazy woman worrying about nothing. Well, not worrying about nothing, but escalating something into something that's not. Um, I do tend to get most of my news, or I try and go into Twitter spaces, like with Iran, I try to go in, you know, hear from the people in Iran, you know, with this, with the Russian thing. I try to go into pro-Russian, pro-Ukraine, pro-this, pro-that, and just get, you know, get a feel for what's actually happening from the horse's mouth, as it were. So thanks for your responses. I shall put my conspiracy theory to bed and get on with my crochet. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Susan. Uh, I believe Nicole Fox uh, Worthy had to make a comment. So Nicole first, and then we go to Fathaya, uh, Alia, and then Masis. Thank you, um, Em. Um, first of all, I I'm, I'm not really sure why Gunny's really um, being a bit misogynistic to Susan. Um, not all of us, you know, 
Gunny is not a misogynist. It's just a sense of humor, a bit of a bit of British humor well, from the original I source. Ho- well, I hope I, you know, because Susan is not like you know if she's not an academic, she just hey, wants uh, to know more. Come on, hey, uh, just I'm, listen. I'm all for expense. women. I'm all for women. So we're listen. all for women too. One of exactly. our co-hosts is exactly. a woman, and we're all I, women. I'm a woman as well, and I know Gunny's sense of humor, so he was definitely. Not oh, I'm sorry then. then. Okay, so because Gunny got okay, I understand where Gunny's coming from, and he has some um, you know a couple of good points about energy and the apathy that we have and how we became desynthesized really to you know catastrophic situations that are happening and I get it I've been I've been campaigning for many years you know on behalf of people like the Wagers and the Rohingyas but obviously sometimes you know the news the news is the news and and you know Holly Willoughby if she wants to be on the uh, Daily Mail, um, superseding the polite of the Wagers and the Rohingyas. That's understandable because, um, you know, newspapers sell. So, but in terms of disinformation, I, I quite agree with Michelle. We should not be tweeting things that we are not sure of because I think we, you should really count to 10 before you get too emotional and too kind of uh, discombobulated will you, about, uh, yeah, will you about a video. the IDF statement? Listen, the IDF statements and all of these tweets that I am making, I look at it and I think, is it pertinent? Can we discuss it? Because I can't would be you, going on every, I can't be going you, on would every you tweet space. The video, would you tweet the actual video of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad missile falling on the hospital? Absolutely not, because I ha- now that Gunny mentioned it, I was looking at that and I was thinking, I need to Absolutely do a bit more research. Why. Absolutely Because I need to be sure, because at the end of the day, I need so to see where is it coming from. So the CCTV no, no, no. cameras on. on the hospital itself that shows that it's a Palestinian Islamic Jihad missile, not IDF. Um, you ordinance. need to, you need to let me speak. You need to let me speak, please, because all I can say you is, need to I, make I, your point. Well, I am making my point. I haven't seen the video pro- properly. I need to actually look at various newspapers, various reporters, and and you know because I'm not there, so I need to know before I actually wade in and and either dismiss it or either take it on board and think, yeah, credible, um, you know, understandable uh, with impartiality. Because at the end of the day, these are 500 people that are reported to be um, dead. And and there are reasoning, you know, I have no idea what happened. I need to see, I need to look at the investigations. I need to look at what's been reported. And if it's legit, because we should not, you know, retweet and and spread lies the same thing when when at the beginning of of the conflict on on saturday uh, uh, some newspapers uh, this this news agents uh, in cnn were saying uh, 40 babies were beheaded and then she apologized and she said um, um that she she misunderstood uh, or when the bbc was apologizing to the protesters in london um who, and, and when she, when it was referring to them as as hamas supporters when in fact they weren't and and there was an apology on air so i need Ergo. to actually hold on it's also it's also <laughs> like how the how the BBC won't call Hamas terrorists, right? I'm not sure. Well, the uh, examples but, you... So hold on, let's be honest for a second. Absolutely, I mean, Yehuda, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, let, let's be honest here. You've mentioned every example that, you know, seems to slant towards the favor of of, uh, of the Gazans, let's just say. I, I find that a little suspect. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Look, uh, like, let, let's be honest. 40 babies, would you be happier if it was 39? Of course not. So the person I, will, I am there, not happy that any yeah, children or any women or anyone okay, okay, vulnerable go, had died okay. in this conflict, no, whether it be Israelis or, or, or Palestinians. It's a, bad exa- it's a bad example, right? I mean, ah, the, uh, meeting a person... Did you go to Oxford, you, okay? seen, 
I, I stop, 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 stop with the ad hominem. Let's stop. Like, listen. Do you no, need I, my I address? Just, no, no, no. He needs no, my, actually, he needs my no, address as no, well, no, and no, where no, I live in London. Me, no, you remind me. You remind me of someone. So I was just wondering if it's the same class. That's all. Good God! Okay. Look, yeah. my accent. Yes, it is British. I grew up in Britain, uh, and and to be honest, I still speak Arabic. And this is the first time that I actually have gone back and started reading Arabic newspapers and listening to the Arabic channels again. For you know, since I haven't been doing so for for you know decades, uh, because this conflict actually ignited in me something you know of, is this really happening? I mean, is this? Are we doing this again? And and why is the world so silent, you know, and just, you know, pretending that 1.1 million people could very well uh, be living in the desert in, in Sinai? And the idea that we are doing Sorry. this again. Well, there was, isn't, that, isn't that what's happening? Isn't where are 1.1 million people are going? And. Also, there's another sorry. thing that that occurred to me. Sorry, sorry. sorry. The rights, the rights of people returning sorry, to their what, homeland. What, yeah. What, what, what does the, the, Sinai have to do with this? Well, they are, uh, the, as as far as I'm concerned, uh, there there have been credible reports implying that uh, the Rafah uh, crossing should be opened, and uh, um, the, no. uh, the the Gazan Palestinians no. should be should be should be no. deployed, displaced no. into into no. uh, a desert in, no. in Egypt. No. Why is that true? No, it's not. Samira, please. Samira, please. Okay, okay. That's 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 going to happen. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, my my question is. My question is. Hold on, M. My question is: Is there is there credibility to this notion that if Gazans sort of leave their homes and are displaced, they have no right to return? Because the are question you, of of returning. Did you to, read? Did you read the statement of the King of Jordan and the statement of the government of well, Egypt that well, they are equivocally refusing the displacement yeah. of the Palestinian people? So, so what does that mean then? How how are they supposed we to avoid the bombs? We will not allow it. Now we are exerting pressure on the state of Israel to stop its. It's happening. I hope I hope something happens from this visit by Biden because at the moment it is absolutely well, Mahmoud Abbas left Mahmoud Abbas left Jordan and is not meeting Biden. Good God. Well, you know what? I mean, look, we are in it, and it seems that you know the grown-ups need to, you know, return to the, the room and, and 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 it has to be a solution, has to be formulated somehow. To safeguard these poor people, you know, the, the, the most vulnerable, the children and the women and the elderly and those people who are unable sure. what does, to be, what does the, you know, what does international law, What does international law say about the responsibility for uh, the decision to wage war? Who, well, who, well, exactly. Who I mean, the, the United Nations and the Arab... Decision? So, for instance, for instance, when Egypt decided and Syria decided to attack Israel in 1973, they had a civilian population as well. Right, so they made they made a decision to attack. That's the difference between making a responsible decision to wage force on force combat and <laughs> make the decision to launch a terrorist attack against civilian populations and slaughtering unarmed civilians on the streets where CCTV cameras can record you. In, no, indeed. no, not just CCTV cameras. You put on GoPro cameras and you use your own cell phones to document what you did. And for some reason, we need to forget about what happened on October 7th and focus on what's happening right now. Cause, effect, the responsibility, the decision for waging war, the decision for, you know what, they have a subterranean infrastructure to operate. They have tunnels, they have command and control centers on the ground, they have medical facilities. Obviously, they operated on one of their uh, hostages as they released the footage. 
why didn't they build shelters for their civilian population, knowing that this is what they will bring about to Gaza and to the people in yeah. the Gaza Strip? I, I th- I think You're what, asking I, I us I, to be in the minds of Hamas. I mean, we are not, we are not sort of extremist I'm asking you groups. to accept. I'm asking so, you to accept that war is ugly and war comes with collateral. Hamas but, made the but decision, let's made the calculation. Let's mobilize. No, 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 why no, shouldn't no, we no, mobilize for Hamas? peace? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 let's no, mobilize for peace. Yeah, no, let me let me jump in. Um, uh, our, our friend here, there, there is there is no turning back what Israel will do to Hamas. They will go into Gaza. The time to mobilize was the 6th of October. You're, there's no, a, you know, no, you know, hit you, no punchbacks. Um, you know what I mean? There's there is no there is no uh, going back. So talking about making peace. Um, Israel needs to destroy a, a terrorist organization that just slaughtered 1,500 of its people, and it's on Hamas's hands, all of it, all of it. But what about that man who lost his mum and dad, um, his parents? You know, um, Yaakov, and um, I think her name was Bila, the mother, and um, and he was he was on BBC, and he was crying his eyes out, and he personal was saying, anecdotes, personal anecdotes well, do not personal anecdotes do not dictate this, state policies lost... and do not dictate military responses. One citizen going on to tell his own story and his own position is fine. It's absolutely fine. That's what we need. We need more of that. But it's not going to change state policy and it's not going to change defense policy. Simply but he's asking, a voter. He's a, simply, in a democratically yeah, elected government sure, in Israel sure, and sure. in the United States but, and in the have, Western countries. We have a democracy. Right they have a prime okay, I'm just going to add right something now. in here, too. I think, I think also what's going on is there's that emotional component. Nobody wants to see anybody get injured or die. I don't think on either side, everyone would agree with that. And there's that emotional component. And then there's also the rational, logical component. And in my opinion, I think what if Hamas had not gone in last two weeks ago now, almost two weeks ago, we wouldn't be in this situation. IDF wouldn't have had to defend themselves. And unfortunately, because that happened, we're in the position we're in right now. And IDF has to make a decision. Not everyone's going to agree, but they have to do something. If they were to just let it go and let... 2,000 people, civilians who are innocent, it would be all for nothing. So they're going to go in, they're going to make a stand. And if any of you were listening to Thomas Tyner yesterday, he iterated over and over and over again that out of weakness breeds chaos. And some of Hamas probably sensed a bit of, um, bit of weakness there, and they took advantage of it. And now we're in the situation we, we're in. So I don't want to see anybody die. I don't want to see any babies die or innocent civilians. But what's the alternative? Just to say, no, we're not going to do anything. Yeah. OK, what, if, what about body, surgical, surgical military operations? I, I keep they, hearing. Doing, I'm not a military doing, person. Yeah, but yeah, what about yeah. surgical military yeah. extractions? You haven't yeah. seen. Excuse me. Please, please, please. Let me jump in here. Look. Uh, the death, to put it this way, it's going to be something that's not nice to hear and not nice to say. Um, the death toll and the body counts from Hamas's attack on Saturday, October the 7th, um, is still going on. In other words, their action will cause the death of their own people because they did a thing. It can't be backtracked now. It's not rhetoric. It's not nice. But you can't tell the Israelis, and no one will tell them, not the Americans, not the European Union, not the Arab countries privately will tell them, you need to stop. 
they're going to say, you need to get Hamas out. What did Israel say? Okay, Gazans, move to the other side so we can go in and go tunnel to tunnel and destroy Hamas. They're not carpet bombing Gaza. They're attacking military targets. You might not like it because Hamas put a military target under a hospital or in an UNRWA school or in a mosque. So the, the question that an Israeli commander might be saying to someone like you who's upset about it, to say, well, where was your upset when they were doing this for 16 years? We've been telling you they're doing it for 16 years and you didn't believe us. Well, now, and then you said that they weren't serious when they said they wanted to kill us. There's 1,500 babies and children and elderly people, enough of a death toll for you to realize that Hamas has to be destroyed. Israelis don't care about, you know, my opinion, your opinion. They don't care. They're going in to destroy Hamas. And and if we wanted to say, you know, a conversation that could be had is I don't think Hamas ever thought they would ever be in a position to kill 1,500 Israelis. Maybe they only anticipated killing 100, not that 100 is better. But I'm saying you could talk about the fact that they mistook or they misplayed or they overplayed their hand. I think that's a comment Gunny and Emma have made before. That's a conversation to have. But I mean, we could talk about, you know, till we're blue in the face, the philosophy behind war and Hannah Arendt, and, and, but it won't make a difference. Israel's got to remove a, a, a terrorist organization that has demonstrated in action deeds what it will do to it. So I think we should move past it. Okay, Yehuda, what about what about the hostages? What about the hostages? Because there are 199 people. Hannibal Doctrine. Hannibal no, Doctrine is in place. Stop, 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 please. So you're going to sacrifice 199 people and, and say it's okay when, when yes. the people are sitting in, 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 yes. in Israel? Yes, because the captors wow. carry the responsibility for releasing the hostage. You know what? Hamas has an option. Hamas has an option. Okay, Hamas yeah. can give up and surrender now. They can surrender now. They can surrender now, and they can release all the hostages. So, so, so listen. They are working in the back channels to release hostages. They are. However, they're not going to let block, uh, Hamas blackmail them. I, I think they suspect that there will be Hamas people that want to live and don't want to be destroyed by the Israeli army. So. I don't think that uh, it, it, Hannibal Doctrine doesn't apply to 199 uh, hostages and uh, civilians. These aren't military Apologies. soldiers. Yeah, I, let, let's let's uh, like that gives sucker and fuel to those who say the Israelis are you know bloodthirsty maniacs that will kill their own people. So no, uh, it doesn't apply to, to. It never was considered for 200 hostages who are civilians. All right, there were there were there were ideas and plans and comments made about if one or two soldiers instead of being tortured and executed. Uh, would would you know would be uh, um, you know targeted and that's a different situation altogether. But the hostage situation cannot be used as a cudgel by Hamas to stop Israel from routing them out. They've already shown their murderous intent in nature. The next step is eradication. They are working in back channels. They, I suspect that Hamas, there will be people within the organization that aren't as ideological and who will want to live. Will all the hostages come back alive? I wish they would, and I highly doubt it. I'd like to move on um, to the next hand, please. Gunny put his up hand up really quickly, and then we'll go to Nicole. I just wanted to let everyone know, too, please do not put anything in the nest. The nest is for co-hosts only. So as a reminder, don't put anything in the nest. Thank you. Yeah, Go ahead, Danny. Thanks, Michelle. Um, yeah, so just <laughs> misogyny. Yeah, I mentioned Holly Willoughby because she's a woman. Um, curiously enough, I'm pretty sure she is. Um, therefore, um, not having a protected characteristic, um, I can assure you that had it been Sam Smith coming out, breaking news, Sam Smith has decided to identify as a small town on the banks of the River Tamar, I'd have torn into that as well. 
So I think saying, well, you're a misogynist simply because I mentioned that a woman <laughs> announcing her departure from a morning show um, was the cause of breaking news. Not really misogyny, is it? It's called news. It's pretty unimportant news in the great scheme of things, but I would hardly say that that makes me a sexist. And anyone who, who does know me who's, who's heard me before, I will call out stupidity, dumb fuckery, um, and all combinations thereof very aptly across all sexes, all pronouns, all genders. I don't really care if you're an idiot, you're an idiot. Um, now, the, the, this thing about the hostages, and, and this has intrigued me really from, from the get-go, and, and, and especially with um, domestic news services. Um, who's heard of the Rome Statute? The Rome Statute is very clear about the use of civilians as shields. Uh, the Geneva Convention is very clear about the use of hostages. So when we hear, well, the IDF have got to do this and they've got to do that and, and you know, they've got to be restrained. Who's, who's holding people hostage here? Has the IDF taken 200 Palestinian hostages and said, we'll execute one every time you launch an anti-tank missile at the IDF? No. Has the IDF taken 200 hostages and said every time you launch a, a rocket at Tel Aviv or Haifa, we'll kill a hostage. No. Who's, who's doing the hostage taking? Hamas. Is hostage taking illegal? Yes. Is in breach of the Geneva Convention? Yes. Therefore, who's in the wrong? Who flooded through gaps in the fence line and massacred people? I missed the last IDF raid on a Gazan birthday party and wedding, where they just massacred all 200 guests. Didn't see that anywhere. Hamas did it. I missed the footage of the IDF executing kids. Didn't happen, did it? Now, you have to be really careful here. It's phenomenally complex, and I don't pretend to have you know, more than a rudimentary grasp of of what is going on and i have seen everything from a left-wing um agitator on twitter saying the reason hamas um, lock up gay people is because of the british mandate through to um hamas uh, and their republican colleagues um are united in the fight against colonialism be it british be it american be it israeli um, there, there is an awful lot of nonsense, disinformation and misinformation out there. But drill down into the basics. Drill down into the basics. Who came across the fence line and massacred people? Hamas. Who is going to exact retribution for this in one way or the other, whilst insofar as you can, adhering to the Geneva Convention, IDF? Will innocent people die? Yeah. That's war. <laughs> it's brutal. You, you may not like it. You may not approve of it. But in war, innocent people die. Is there a way forward after this? I don't know. But there is a know. good book where one day, um, I, I think it was Tom Clancy. Um, he, and it, it's really interesting. The, the, the people of Gaza, when confronted with the, with the Israeli Defense Forces, dropped their weapons and they sat down and they linked arms. And they started singing. Uh, and the comment was, the people of Gaza have suddenly switched on how to win. Right? There will be no peace whilst two sides are firing each other. 
if Hamas stopped firing rockets and came to the table, they would win the higher ground immediately. All right. If they said, right, no more, this is doing no one any good at all. People are dying. Obviously, armed struggle is not working. Something has got to give here. We are open to negotiation. Israel straight away. Whoa, Christ. <laughs> We're back foot here. And the pressure would be on them. The onus would be on Israel to come to the table. But it will never happen because a government based around a terrorist organization from allegedly free elections where they murdered the opposition 17 years ago continue to state in their charter the absolute annihilation of a race of people who have already been subjected to an attempt to do that is God's will. So you can say, well, everyone needs to get together. We need to break out the, the daisy chains and everyone sing kumbaya. It's going to take a lot of give on both sides. But the majority of that give is going to have to be from one side to renounce the intent to murder everyone because of their religion. It's a hard push. It really is. But that's what's going to be needed. Yeah, that's right. just, everyone just 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 look at it through critical eyes, and 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 I do. I have seen the footage of, of IDF allegedly using Willie Pete white phosphorus in Gaza. Right, I'll, I'll stick me hand up. If that's true, it's wrong. If it's true, I had a quick look. Five minutes. Right, all of the accounts that I've seen of white phosphorus being used come from pro-Palestinian um, accounts. I've seen nothing definitive yet, but I'll tell you now, right, as someone who is very firmly on the IDF side, if it's true, knock it on the head. You don't do it. Moral high ground. Right? But just, again, critical thinking. If you're on the side of, of the Palestinians, great. But take time out. Look at what they did or what, what was done in their name, rather. Right? And then think, if it was you, if you're an IDF soldier, a Lance Corporal or equivalent, how would you feel now? And if you're an American, imagine how you'd feel on the 10th of September if I came up to you and said, you need to, you need to be restrained there. Right? You need to think about why it happened. You need to think about why people flew aircraft into your buildings. You need to look at your own history. You need to look at the genocide that you've caused globally. You need to ask yourself whether everyone jumping out the buildings deserved it. And you'll go, fuck that. No. All right. These are the things that you need to do in order to appreciate the, the, the fury, righteous fury in Israel, the need for revenge and the need to put this threat to bed for at least 10 years in order to secure their borders. Then you might understand what's going on. And then you might understand why after this. Getting a two-state solution is going to be phenomenally difficult. Impossible? Probably not. You've got to get rid of Hamas first, so. Gunny, right. Gunny, very quickly, Gunny, what about Afghanistan? The Americans were there for 20 years. Can you say and then, very quickly and then, and then, and then they, they yeah, and, and then they handed it to the Taliban on a platter through Qatar's negotiation or whatever. And you've seen what happened in 20... They trained the Afghan security forces for 20 years. And the Afghan security forces chose not to fight the Taliban and their leaders chose to cut deal with the Taliban 
and there is one contingent that is still fighting. Yeah, and um, look, you can look at, and that's a good point, right? So let's look at Afghanistan. Um, we were holding it down. Now, in my opinion, with hindsight, which is a beautiful thing, Iraq could have waited. We contained Iraq. We were containing Iraq since 1991, right? He was in a box. Every time he misbehaved, we dropped ordnance on him. Um, yeah, he was messing around on the periphery, but we had it under control. Bearing in mind, this is a man who fed people to dogs, right? So sometimes you've got to put your humanity to one side and say, well, is a country not riven by religious strife and operating as a sovereign state, albeit one overseen by a murderous dictator, better than what we ended up with? Yeah, it is. Don't come crying to me about the repression uh, of Marsh Arabs, right? Because you can't have what you, you have one or the other. You either have a sovereign state overlooked by a dictatorship and a genocidal man who will do it nothing um, to, to retain power, or you can have Iraq. So Iraq, yeah, bit of a mess there. We should have done Afghanistan first, right? Should have flooded it. Why did we pull out of Afghanistan? American domestic politics, Yeah. right? The UK would have stayed there and we were second biggest contributor, along with the, with the Canadian Armed Forces, um, the Dane, Dane Bat. But once America had gone, and it was a domestic, a domestic policy winner to say we are withdrawing from Afghanistan because everyone had had enough of the coffins coming back, everyone bugged out. Now, if you know what was going on on the ground in Afghanistan you'll know what a brutal counterinsurgency that it was and how it would have taken far more people than the West was willing to commit to achieve the secondary goal, the primary goal, the destruction of AQ, or rather the destruction of Afghanistan as an AQ operating base, was carried out seamlessly in weeks. The problem with Afghan is it is an ungovernable country unless you are willing to do the things that only dictatorships and brutal fundamentalist religious um, ideology will do. Right? Right. So, yeah, we Sorry. bailed out. But we didn't bail out because we were beaten. Right? If you think a US Army patrol was getting beaten by the Taliban, we were slaying them. All right? We were absolutely murdering them. But there are an awful lot of them, and there are an awful lot of third parties who were sponsoring the insurrection, supplying arms, supplying people that made it an uphill struggle. And eventually the West just, or primarily the US, got absolutely sick to death of a loss of lives for zero gain. Because if a population don't all want to embrace what you're giving them or what you're offering them, you're going to go, well, why are we bothering? You could argue what we should have done is gone into Afghan for, for two months, run rampant top to bottom, killed every single terrorist, anyone associated with terrorism, and then bugged out and then just spent the next 10 years bombing the hell out of it. But look at the place now. Yeah. Is let's, that a victory there, for the people of Afghan? There's a bunch of hands up. going. Let's go to some hands. Let's go to Nicole. I think she was next. Nicole. And thanks for the spirited debate. Uh, hey guys, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Um, okay, awesome. So first, Yehuda and I'm, I wanted to say thanks for providing, I think that's a pretty fair space around all perspectives, even when things are unfactual or there's big feelings flying around, which there are a lot right now, um, uh, uh, understandably so. 
Um, I know I find it personally frustrating to uh, facilitate during those times. So thanks a lot for that. Um, and I wanted to address a few things that I've heard or haven't heard, not just in this space, but across the general rhetoric on this forum before. Um, and I'll try to contextualize each point with my perspective as I go. Um, and that I'm a little bit uniquely privileged to, as we all are, to hear about this objectively if we're, if we're not living it. Um, so it's kind of our due diligence, I think, to, to think about it really clearly. Um, but I've been close to this conflict for a lot of years. And I was prompted to put my hand up uh, because of the discussion on Ireland. And I have a, a hard time hearing people compare Hamas actions to this conflict uh, because my, my biological father was at ground zero of the Troubles, and he was a pretty peaceful human as a sh child. Uh, and for those of you who know, know the Troubles, he lived in the enclaves at the bottom of Shank Hill. And for those of you who don't know the area, you can look up the Shank Hill Butchers or go watch the movie Belfast. Um, and my father was a child soldier, and he was beaten to within an inch of life twice before the age of 15. And so the main similarity that I hear out of a lot of this is the horrific and abhorrent use of civilians to conduct a war, not only on the ground, but with propaganda, while erasing the actual voice of experience of those who live it day to day. And I study conflict and defense from an economic development and behavioral lens. And I've looked at this one in particular for 18 years, including having spent time in the Middle East and knowing many people on both sides. Um, and so my main message around this is, you know, we have to be really careful, careful with the rhetoric and the conflict because there are people who are being directly affected by the rhetoric of blame going back and forth. Um, and we're, we're fighting the propaganda war for people. And so a couple of points on that from what I've heard just generally, and again, not just in this space, I think it's, it's been well done. Um, it is extremely reckless, of course, to conflate the Palestinian cause and suffering to Hamas's goals. It's also very reckless and reductive to the entirety of Jewish, Jewish history to refer to Israelis as colonizers or compare them to any nation that is a colonizer because they are indigenous to the land and they returned after 2,000 years of persecution. Um, and that's often why it's referred to as anti-Semitic. People don't understand the context of why. It's all the way that we have re-traumatized Syrians over and over with footage from their war that we never gave a shit about until it was labeled Gaza. It's been reckless to associate um, a, a beautiful uh, faith, the Muslim faith and the peaceful teachings in the Quran to a fanatic ideology of the few, just as it is reckless to associate all Jewish people or Israelis to the actions of the few, because of course there's actions and problems uh, on the Israeli side too. Um, and it's, it's completely abhorrent to absolve Hamas for responsibility of what's happening to Palestinians before and now, just as it would be reckless to absolve Bibi for his role in propping Hamas or reckless to absolve the international community who have for years played games using both populations as battering rams against the other. And so in terms of some of the perspectives that I'm missing, I never hear the lived experience of actual Israelis highlighted often in this rhetoric, uh, only from you know the, the extreme perspectives. And these are people who live in fear of terror, who are hated because of their existence. Uh, my partner is Israeli. When he moved to Canada, we couldn't even go to a laundry store without his accent starting a political discussion. Like somebody spit on him at a grocery store in Canada just for existing as an Israeli. And his family fled from Iraq. He speaks Arabic. He's pro having a Palestinian state, pro peace. He teaches 
uh, martial arts in Arab villages, and he and the vast majority of people I've met in Israel wanted peace, uh, especially the younger generation. And right now they're understandably, understandably pretty angry, and yet I still hear so much humanity when I when I hear them talk about it. Just like I hear from my Palestinian friends, nobody wants to be fighting. And just what it, uh, tried to say before, whoever well, is voting right, um, yes, people, including all economies, vote right uh, when we face uncertainty. And the type of uncertainty manifests often as terrorism in Israel. So that's actually a pretty regular popula population response. Um, so my guess, my point there is, don't just erase people's civilian experience by referring to them all as oppressors. And on the flip side of that too, um, one of my childhood best friends is Palestinian. Some of her family lives in Canada who left in the 67 war. Other family members of hers are currently sheltering in hospitals and or debt. And she's hurting and scared too. And yet I can tell you commonalities amongst both groups of my friends uh, is that there needs to be a better solution. Everybody hates Hamas and, and a lot of people want peace. And so I think that those, you know, it, it's important to platform the suffering um, but do so responsibly. And obviously, I, I'm not speaking for everybody, uh, only the people within my network that I've tried to spend time listening to experiences from. So the last two points I have to make to you on that. Um, the first is, I guess, to try and appeal more from a scientific and objective perspective, uh, regardless of your view, and to echo what others have said about being careful what you tweet and share, because in your brain uh, and the way that you make decisions, there's something we call heuristics. And this is one of the, the things that have launched the entire field of behavioral economics and many, many sets of research in psychology. Um, and it's the kind of mental shortcuts that your brains take to make a decision. So if something is familiar, it's easier to trust information about it. Um, and that's just, it, it's, it's your brain associating resources or uh, efficiently. Anyways, you can read a paper by Tversky and Kahneman, who are actually two Israeli psychologists who had great uh, work in the Yom Kippur War. But what they won a Nobel Peace Prize for was identifying different biases that arrive, arise from the heuristics that we hold. So when you say Israeli and you think colonizer or oppressor, or you think, say, think Palestinian and you think terrorist or even helpless, you are helping the process of dehumanization and you're playing into the... Um, into the exact propaganda war that others are asking you to fight. So if you want to help out either side, you need to take the time to intentionally learn history, listen to lived experiences from both sides and dig deeper than the headlines because they exist. Uh, and, and so the last thing on that that I'll leave you with, um, and this is another thing I, I hear often erased kind of from the perspectives is there is no other state that has the Jewish calendar, holidays, or traditions, and that's it. So when people say to leave, I ask where to. And don't get me wrong, there are areas for sure that are problematic that need to be resolved. But I think, you know, people hold this perspective that Jewish people sailed over on yachts to steal land. And that's just so, so wrong. Every Israeli I know faced persecution, lost people to get there, and grew up in fear of conflict and terror at their end of their entire identity at threat. And there's no country or nation on earth that I've, from in my years of, of studying conflict, who's put more effort into minimizing civilian life. And that's not to say that it's not horrific to see the civilian life that's happening. But when people say to respond proportionately, I, I kind of think, what would any nation on earth do in response to year after year of terror attacks and bombs at them? And again, 
this is not just the cause of the Palestinian res resistance. This is the goal of the destruction of Israel. Um, they wouldn't take the time to evacuate civilians, let alone build a tool that shoots missiles out of the air. And again, that's that's not to absolve the, the obvious problems. You have a, 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 a military force governing um, civilians because nobody has intervened. And we, we all just like to forget about it till it blows up and then throw blame at it. Um, and so stay, stay attuned and help. So the second thing I ask when people say that, respond proportionately is where the fuck were you for the Palestinians when they tried to protest their own government last year many times and got violently beat up, silenced and executed by the Hamas. And so for all the energy that's going to dehumanize both the Israeli and the Palestinian population, where's your campaign against the Hamas to release hostages, stop oppressing Palestinians and using human shields to, back to my original point, create a fucking pipeline for radicalizing children, which is the most ab abhorrent and disgusting tactic one could put forward. So when you want to help suffering, which we should continue to platform voices, um, and it's horrific on both sides, do so in a way that is responsible, not just feeds our own, you know, releases of dopamine in our brain because we get a few clicks or likes it. Don't prop up Hamas. Don't prop up the people also ruining Israel. And don't erase the Israeli identity and Jewish history or the Palestinian uh, strength and, and true resistance as you do. And I think I'll shut up. A lot, and thanks for joining us. Uh, I, I do want to, first of all, yeah, on point, and thank you for your experiences and you sharing your personal stories. I think this is what it's important uh, for all of us to do. We need to continue to, uh, pardon me, sorry. Uh, we need to continue to share these uh, perspectives and realize that uh, it's not a zero-sum game. And uh, as you mentioned, the othering or the infantilizing of one and the demonizing of the other, it just does feed into the narrative. So thank you very much for that, Nicole. I'm not sure if uh, M or anyone wanted to respond to that. Uh, uh, Massilius wanted to. Yes, thank you, Huda. And uh, Nicole, um, my response shortly to you said a lot of uh, very interesting things, so I cannot cover it all. But uh, actually, a uh, few years ago, I wrote a book about how the brain works and uh, the heuristic part, which you describes, is more or less a second fi function of a brain, which is divided into two uh, categories. And the first one uh, is, uh, you can, or at least one of them is, is very analytic, and it's the one which is used rarely. And the other one is, is very uh, impulsive and uh, reducing things uh, in, or creating imaginations so that you come to a quick reason which satisfies uh, your equation. And this might uh, have been those heuristics you, you mentioned. And I was also wanted to address in this, uh, because I tell it last time, that from my perspective, actually, what Putin uh, did by supporting uh, in some manner uh, this conflict was exactly this. He wanted to, uh, he had a conflict which had uh, was quite clear for everybody. They have attacked Ukraine, and Ukraine had tried to, to become a state for a very long time, had a hard history and hard history with uh, supporting neighbors, but was on a path to, to become a democratic, uh, flu, uh, flourishing country. 
and that's this is something what he couldn't use in his neighborhood. So that's why he, he attacked it, and everybody knew it. So when he uh, uh, this the simple uh, analogy for everybody. So so actually uh, the propaganda did uh, of course tremendous job to fool the people, but uh, after all this time, most of the people come to a reason and uh, has seen clearly that uh, uh, Russia is the aggressor, Ukraine is defending himself. So when he reopened this problem, which has not been solved for so long time, uh, he actually made the opposite of what the brain does. He. Uh, I can't hear anything. Is the space finished? No, no, no. It's just you. So you need to recycle. Uh, if anybody else does not hear me, please raise a hand. <laughs> Sorry. We can hear you. Go high ahead. five. High five. <laughs> okay, great. What he, uh, this is exactly the opposite. So when you, uh, when you try to solve a problem which is hard, you reduce it to a problem which is uh, kind of similar but easy to solve. And when you have a problem which is easy, then uh, to solve and want, just don't want to solve it, you can do the opposite and uh, make an analogy to a problem which is quite unsolvable. At least it is, is, has become too unsolvable for so many years. And this brings me to the question which I uh, really hope to ask Yehuda and M because those are the great experts from uh, both lands uh, or both cultures, Jewish and probably the best examples I know and yeah, uh, Islamic, and we. Uh, I must uh, first of all say that I enjoyed your conversation with uh, two uh, Palestinian guys, which has been a few hours ago here, very, very much, and it was such, uh, such a nice thing to see uh, those three cultures uh, talking together in a respectful and meaningful way. Thanks for that. And uh, my question to you is because, uh, well, I'm I'm dumb European, let's say. And I don't get it actually into my head uh, very good. And uh, why? What are the, are the advantages and disadvantages of creating actually a two-state so solution? So who is against creating it, and uh, what uh, what speaks against it from both both perspectives, the Jewish and the Palestinians, and maybe all the involved third parties? It would be such such great to hear from both of you, uh, which might be the most prominent reasons. Thanks. You want to take this one, Yehuda? Uh, no, you go ahead. I'm, I've got childcare issues going on. It is in the best interest of the state of Israel, and it's the best interest of the state of, of the Palestinians, as well as all the Arab, <clears throat> all the Arab nations, to reach a two-state solution where Palestinians and Israelis can coexist peacefully. It is not in the interest of, let's say, the Islamic regime in Iran, and it's not in the interest of anyone who wants to use the Palestinian uh, people as a card to spread a culture of hate and violence throughout the region. So far, all the international partners involved or invested in the conflict have stated their uh, intentions. They want to pursue a peaceful resolution for the conflict. So far, it is the armed Palestinian factions who are not willing to negotiate a peaceful resolution for the conflict because they adopted the military option or quote-unquote, the resistance as their ultimate choice to pursue a resolution for this conflict. Uh, 
that's that brings us back to the point you know the arc of development of the conflict has been quite chronic and it has been quite painful and, and quite vicious for decades how do we move forward from here the only way moving forward from here will be giving the palestinians nationhood will be giving the palestinians the right to have their independent state with security guarantees that the peace will be last holding that they will not pursue violence, they will not pursue terrorism, they will not pursue this resistance option or the military option in order to resolve this conflict. They have a right in the land, and they can get that right, but they're not going about it the right way. Instead of embracing the victim mentality and insisting on victimizing themselves and denying all agency of their actions, of their poor choices over decades, we are not going to advance. So you need some soul searching on both sides. But right now, the only way going forward will be demilitarizing the Gaza Strip and making sure that Gaza cannot be used as a launch pad for attacks against the state of Israel. That will be the first option. Sorry, that will be the first step towards uh, towards arriving at a solution, uh, towards negotiating a solution. And by the way, the official statement and the official stance of the State of Israel and everyone in the region, Arab countries and the United States and the European Union and all parties invested in the conflict is that Palestinians have the right to a state. And the Palestinians have the right to live peacefully and pursue their lives, good lives, good education, safety, prosperity, peace. How do you bring that? The only way forward right now, especially after what happened last Saturday, and ultimately because of what happened last Saturday, no one sees a way forward except the total dismantlement of Hamas and the total dismantlement of all armed Palestinian factions. What happened on Saturday changed the playbook. What happened on Saturday put us all on a collision course. What happened on Saturday is being used right now by the Islamic regime in Iran to engulf the entire region in regional war. So the IDF will have to go into Gaza, the IDF will have to demilitarize Gaza, and they will have to remove the threat actor from the immediate vicinity. Hamas left no one a choice. I have always said it. Had they stopped at attacking the border fence, had they stopped at attacking the strongholds of the border fence, had they stopped at attacking the, the military bases, have they stopped at targeting uniformed regimental forces of the IDF and made sure that none of their fighters, none of their militants, none of their terrorists, call them whatever you want to call them, and none of the civilians inside Gaza go to the civilian communities bordering Gaza, killing innocent, unarmed civilians, it would have been completely different. The level of the atrocities committed on Saturday are putting all of us on a collision course. Yeah, um, Hamas. On that note, sorry, um, we're getting some instability in the space. So um, if you'd like to hear more of what we're talking about and what we do, 24 hours a day, please do, if the space crashes, please do go to Maria Report. We will have a segment on this particularly. It is a 24-hour advocacy uh, space, um, and this is uh, an issue that affects everyone. It's been a 
conflict exported by Mr. Putin, the Kremlin, to Iran, to Hezbollah, to Hamas. So why don't we try to get a couple of hands in real quick, M, and then uh, we might have to shut it down and restart it going to um, our other space. Go ahead. Sure. Let's uh, cycle through the remaining hands for closing, closing uh, statements. Yeah. So let's go to uh, Nicole. Yeah, Nicole, then Aleya, then Chris. Nicole, please go ahead. Hey, yeah, I just wanted, I don't know who it was that spoke after me, uh, McLellis. I just want to say, yes, you were right. In, I was speaking to the dual systems um, and heuristics are part of the automate, automatic one. And so in the context of judgment and decision making, we use mental shortcuts to fill in the blanks when we're uncertain about something that we have to form a, a judgment or make a decision about. And so those mental shortcuts, those are part of our automatic processes. And, and um, so the leveraging heuristics is a psychological tactic used to influence people's um, perceptions and judgments from everything to from marketing to policing to interrogation to propaganda and war. And so it's, again, important to note that the propaganda war here has been at play for decades. There is a ton of counterterrorism literature um, that not only looks at things like needing better living conditions, but also looks at the actual terrorist playbook, which is to cause terror, use civilians as shields for responses, gain sympathy and recruit more radicals, get international aid to buy more weapons, continue oppression and terror to blame it on the enemy uh, and repeat. And again, that's not to absolve um, any of the uh, horrific issues that have also happened towards Palestinians. They do deserve uh, right to sovereignty. Um, but the end of the day, it is both the Israeli and the Palestinian civilians that have been losing this propaganda war for generations. Um, so that was my last bit there. Thank you so much. Listen, we are going to re, re, uh, reconvene. Uh, the, the space is uh, getting the reconnection thing, so it's going to crash. I don't want to be rude. If you want to come up and speak, head over to Maria Report. Thank you so much. Uh, for joining us. I want to be able to make sure we leave on a good note. Um, Leah and the rest of you, please do come over to Maria Report. Uh, we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks so much. And uh, may may tomorrow be a better day uh, and, and this fighting and uh, the continuous cycle stop. Um, but we, we suspect uh, the Israeli army will eradicate Hamas as a fighting force and for good reason. Thank you so much. Be well.